warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 421. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party, subculture, spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And you're the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers, sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture, leftovers. Something has crept or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountains. There are older and foul things and orcs in the deep places of the world. And you're listening to one of them. This is Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. You shall not fast forward! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. Nope We're the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, whoopee fucking do, Jake. The leftovers are back. Uh, last week we did a uh, Fantastic Beast episode. And I only think maybe two people wanted us to do that episode. I don't know. <laughs> you guys did a good job. I loved it. It was cool hearing Nana's stories. And uh, yeah, you, you guys were real troopers with that movie. I thought you were very fair. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Yeah, it's, I know it's not the episode that everybody wanted. I was going to take the week off, but I knew that that uh, June was looking forward to it. I also knew Stephanie was looking forward to the movie, and we got to talk about it. But we're back with the regular episodes, so stop your pissing and moaning. Jesus Christ. I'm talking to nobody, Jake. I, there was literally no, but not uh, Maybe one person was, like, uh, bitching about it, Jake. And here I am just going off on imaginary reactions. I appreciated it very much myself because I did not see the movie. And I was like, I can listen to this episode of PCL and not have to see this fucking thing. And yeah. it, it did the trick for me. Yeah, there you go. We got guests this week. We got guests, Jake. Uh, we've got uh, Mr. Joe Stark from Starkcast returning. Hey, excited to be here. Joe. Whoa, yeah. switching it up. Did, did I bring it that time, huh? A little, yeah, it was good. It was good. You know, um, <laughs> I was listening to... What was that? Was I? I was listening to your episode with with uh, your new, latest episode with Greg Smith. Oh, I love talking with Greg. He's awesome. I had something to say about it, and now I can't even remember what I was going to say. Oh, I, this is what I was going to say. What's wild about that episode is Greg is like one of the, you know, he's part of the leftover army and everything, and uh, he found our podcast uh, through uh, his his old Zoom. 
And the funny thing about that is, is that in order to get your podcast, I'm talking like this is 2013 when I when we started this. The funny thing is, I had to actually send my information, the RSS feed for the podcast, and everything to an email address to somebody at Zoom to get our show on there. I was so like, I was like, I have to get us on everything because I don't want to leave any you know stone unturned. And so I wanted to get us on every format. I even had to send like an email to somebody at BlackBerry to get us on BlackBerry devices. But, you know, it's nice to hear that me sending that email to somebody at Zoom paid off and we got Greg Smith out of that. An amazing listener and an amazing person, amazing comic book creator. And it's like, had I not sent that email off to Zoom, never would have had Greg Smith listening to PCL. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. If it's only Greg Smith that we got from you sending that to Zoom, then it was 100% worth it. That's what I'm saying, man. That I don't know yeah. if anybody else fucking listened out of the Zoom, but I all I know is like Greg Smith gets on Startcast. I heard him say it before on like the uh, What's My Story uh, podcast before that he found us on Zoom. But it's always nice to hear that that fucking paid off for me. That stupid fucking email to the people at Microsoft got me Greg Smith. <laughs> We laughed about it then. I remember when you did that in 2013. Like, Zune was already a joke. I know. You were I like, know. I did it, and we all laughed about Zune. And look what it got us. <laughs> look what it got us, Greg Smith. Yeah, you guys thought I was fucking crazy. You you laughed. You Whatever. No, we uh, weren't laughing at you. I know. We were laughing at Zune. I was trying to turn it into that. I was trying to turn it into, like, a vindictive Brian coming back at you guys laughing at him. That's not how anything played out, but that's what I was going for, Jake. <laughs> I felt it. I felt it. Yeah. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> no, it was a, it, I was hoping to do a little bit of improv with you, but you were just like all like, no, that's not how it happened, Brian. And so I was like, okay, I guess we can't go down the fun little improv road. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Too much caffeine today to be able to do improv. Oh, yeah. You eating those goddamn caffeine infused donuts that you told me about? <laughs> Jake fucking, I we did, talked did. about him on a previous episode. Let's get our other guest in here. Let, let's get our other guest in here. Kevin Shanks from Dose Makes the Poison, the Toxcast, is also joining us on this episode. When are you going to get to the content? You, we're fucking, we're, we're four and a half minutes in, and, and you, you just introduced your second guest. <laughs> Settle down. Settle down, you cunt. Maybe, you know, unsubscribe on your Zoom, you little bitch. <laughs> Welcome, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, cunt is such a good word. It needs to make a comeback. It really does. I'm bringing cunt back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. Welcome, Kevin. Yeah, Jake. So you you bought the Hostess caffeine-infused donuts. Yeah, I did. We talked about you brought him up as like a news article on one episode. And, and on that episode, I said the second I saw one, I was going to eat it. And, and, I, and I did. It was it was fucking delicious. I had the caramel macchiato hostess boost donut. Uh, I guess one donut e- is equal to one cup of coffee. And uh, yeah, I thought it was fucking delicious. It gave me a nice little jolt, too. Yeah, healthy, healthy as fuck there, Jake. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, my God. I need to find those. I really do. I got mine at Walmart. They were just right with all the other Hostess single-serve product. I'm going to Walmart tomorrow now. Oh, my God. Walmart. I looked all over for the second flavor. I forget what the second flavor was, but I remember Brian saying there were two flavors. Oh, yeah. How could you forget? 
And Jake was looking off. <laughs> Jake was scouring the aisles, the shelves for the second flavor. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I would have bought it whatever it was. Yeah. There's also – Walmart brought back the uh, limited edition uh, macaroni and cheese ice cream. Oh. The oh. craft. Okay. I, I from, will try everything once, but damn, that sounds disgusting. That's not true. When I whipped my dick out at C2E2 and asked you to <laughs> suck it, Kevin – I don't remember you sucking my dick, Kevin. In the right circumstances. I mean, remember, it's always about setting and circumstances. In the right circumstances, I would have probably said yes. Maybe if I fucking had a caffeine-infused donut hanging off my dick, you would have been sucking that Uh, fucker. But (laughs) 1.2 seconds later, I would have been sucking. (laughs) They make a decent cocker, and they were, you know, well-frosted. So so would a Kevin's right Kevin's face would have been well frosted too. Oh yeah. yeah. No 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 no. That's all, that's all going down. That's Kevin all going down. That's all going down. He takes it to the root. He doesn't spill a drop. <laughs> no drops spilled here. Uh, the best part of waking up. Is Brian splooching on your face. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah, this got really weird didn't it it's got really weird oh i wanted everybody to know uh, a couple weeks ago i couldn't make it to their concert but i did i talked to uh uh chris lowe who's been on the podcast before he's from the band volk i got to meet him and uh his uh bandmate elliot uh met him up for a uh, coffee at uh, caribou coffee in springfield and uh yeah, it was it was a very cool meeting. Got to hang out with him for about an hour and, and chat with him. So it was really super cool. Hopefully, next time I see him, uh, we'll be at uh, one of his shows where he's performing. So, but uh, got to meet Chris and uh, wanted to shout him out on the podcast. And again, remind everybody that if you're going to see a Volk show, uh, if you're in the leftover army, just shoot him a message and he can put you on the guest list. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. I'm jealous. I can't wait to meet Chris. And they're they're rad. They're they're cool. I've seen I've seen them play um, last year here in Indy, and they're really good. Oh yeah, I'd love to see them live. Their album is fucking really good. All right, we went around the room sucking Chris's dick there, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's like like Domino. Right, now, now we're gonna each say something bad about him, right? It was like a Domino of dicks falling into somebody's mouth there. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I hope you feel well jerked off there, Chris. No, it was Chris was <laughs> Why can't you just be nice, Brian? Why can't you just say nice things? Why does everything have to have a dick involved? Anyway. You see, 420 on 420, our episode of 420, none of us mentioned getting high or anything at all not nothing not a not a Ooh. not a peep oh yeah, we let the whole opportunity slide right on by yeah no. yeah anyway papa john's did you hear about their big promotion on 420 Mm-mm. it was called how high are you <laughs> i am not kidding you but it was like okay here's the thing i think you got a discount on your pizza order depending on the height of your elevation so if you could prove oh, how high you were elevation wise you got a discount on your pizza. Like standing on a ladder or something? No, Jake. Like if you live on a fucking mountain or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Meet me. I'm the guy in the field standing on a ladder. <laughs> so, so I'm going to go get my extension ladder and just get up on my roof and order a pizza. <laughs> 
Yeah, that seems really unfair. That's real bias. Oh, yeah. Who's eating a fucking Papa John's pizza anyway? <laughs> Never had one. Oh, I have. I used to live down the street from a Papa John's when I lived off of uh, Maine and Peoria. And uh, used to get Papa John's all the time. That's why I'm so disgusted by them now. <laughs> all those nights of like, like getting really fucking drunk and shit after parties and stuff and getting really hungry. And then like the only thing that's open is the Papa John's down the street. And it's like, oh, fuck. And it's like, oh, and they give you that fucking garlic dipping sauce. Oh, my God. If I never eat that shit again. <laughs> they put the little pepperoncini pepper in there, too, which oh. is nice. Yeah. Oh, God. Fuck Papa John's. Jesus Christ. It's just garbage pizza. Them and, <laughs> them and Little Caesars. Oh, my God. Just garbage pizza. And yeah, I remember when Little Caesars used to be good. Oh, I do, too. They didn't have the circular <laughs> fucking pizzas. They had fucking, they had like uh, yes. the square rectangle fucking pieces. And they were fucking yes. good as shit. The bread. Crazy bread's still pretty good, though. Crazy bread. Awesome yeah. stuff still, yeah. Yeah, crazy bread's still good. Not gonna, not gonna knock the crazy. When are you gonna get to the content? Oh, I go, I wanna strangle you, <laughs> motherfucker. Get over here. I'm gonna choke you like fucking Homer does Bart, you little bitch. <laughs> What's the best commercial pizza place? Oh, God. Like uh, chain? It used to be, man, yeah. it used to be Pizza Hut back in the day. Um,. Mm. Used to go, oh, Godfather's was, Godfather's was good, too, back in the day. I'm yeah, a fan of agree. Chicago's pizza around here. Old Chicago? It just called Chicago's Pizza mm, I, in, around, here. around here. Yeah, There's I one used, about a half a mile from me, and I had it today. I used to love Garcia's Pizza back in the 90s. You know what they did? Was that the mall? They had it at the mall, but they also had them in Champagne. And up until about a decade ago, they still, you know, like the their their mascot, the the uh, hot air balloon that looks like the tomato. That's a real thing, Jake. They used to fly that fucking thing around and have pizza in it, and just like land in a park and give people pizza and shit. That's, That's crazy. Awesome. That that just really unlocked a core memory. I hadn't thought about that tomato. Yeah. <laughs> hot air balloon in forever but yeah i can vividly see that image they put just the tiniest bit of cinnamon in their dough and so there's like this little like if you if you really concentrate like on like the on the dough you're eating you can taste a little bit of that cinnamon it's really fucking good man so good really good most of them put a lot of sugar in their fucking dough and that's yeah because we're all fucking gluttons here in America. You hear about the, um, <laughs> you hear about, did you hear about the uh, guy who got into the uh, Guinness Book of World Records for watching Spider-Man No Way Home? I did. Yes. I did not hear that. He watched it in theaters, and the rule was he had to be focused on the movie and watch it every time. No bathroom breaks, nothing like that. This guy watched it 292 times. <laughs> And how over what period of time was this again? Like how long? It's I like mean, one hundred and twenty something days. It was. It's an insanely short amount of time. Movie came out in November, mid November, right? So mid November to whenever, like a couple weeks ago or whatever. So yeah, yeah, it's insane. But that was like what a three hour movie? Uh, two and a half. Two yeah. and a half. Dang though. I mean, how long is that? That's. It's like a calendar month essentially in the theater. <laughs> Just yeah, it's like 30 days if, but, I, if I'm doing the math right. It's like 30 days. They typically give like the people that do this, they typically give them like a ticket to like the premiere of something. 
And it's in, it's insane. Man. Yeah, I mean, that's great press. I mean, the movie's so good that this guy's just going to devote his life to it. <laughs> yeah, or, or he has no period. life. Oh, <laughs> well, seriously, who has the damn time to go over a like a month and a half, two month period, whatever it was exactly, and spend 30 days of that in a theater? Yeah, that that is his superpower, I guess. <laughs> I wish I had that amount of free time. I wonder if he had to pay for every ticket because, damn, that would add up. I was thinking that, too. That would get expensive real fast because like a list, that's only three times. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, did it was was this in tandem with like one of those fucking GoFundMe's where it's like I'm trying to get the world's record? Can you, you know what I mean? So people would help pay for his fucking tickets. Yeah, yeah I was interested in that too. Like, was the Guinness thing like his goal from the start, or did, did that, that just happen? I'm sure it was his goal. Yeah, that was my guess. Is 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 he doing it from the start, and did he maybe like partner with a theater? Yeah. I don't think like this like, guy watched well, it. Both our names will be in there. I don't think this wake up one day. I don't think this guy. I'm gonna watch a movie 292 times. Well, I don't think the guy watched it 292 times and was like, you know, and then Guinness came to him and he's like, oh fuck, so I got the record too. Oh well, shit! Not only did I get to enjoy this movie 292 times, but I'm also a world record holder now. So yeah, um, got, why not go for the even three hundred? That's that, that was good, that's me. a good question right there. Why not just go an even number like that? Because then now all you're thinking about is fucking Leonidas in that movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and Marvel's doing nothing to help Zack Snyder. All right, so here we go. Uh, oh, got an email here from Albert. And it's uh, the subject is thank you. And it says, uh, I just wanted to send a quick email and say thank you for putting out the great content every single week. I listen uh, every week and throughout the week and love hearing all the reviews. I also wanted to let you know that I do work at an AMC and get access to the movie posters. So if there are any upcoming movies that you might want, I can try and get them set aside and mail them to you. Just let me know ahead of time and I'll see what I can do. And thank you. And I look forward to many more episodes. Jake. I would say we can't take advantage of this guy. Maybe just like one, one, one poster a piece for us. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I completely agree. I honestly, I can't even think of anything that comes to the top of my head. Like cool movie posters is kind of a lost art, right? Even movies I love and adore, the movie posters lately are just so cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Especially the the Marvel ones are just, they all kind of look the same, some of them, right? Oh, fucking all of them, yeah. I mean, I've seen memes that kind of even make that joke, where it's yeah. like, this is one fucked up trilogy, and it's like three completely different movies that all have the same exact poster. But, um, yeah, that's awesome, Albert. I'm sure something will come along. Yeah. Thank you, Albert. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep you posted on it if, uh, if there's a, a movie. Yeah, it, hopefully his, his AMC has clean floors. Did you see that AMC is going to be installing, I think, like 3,500 laser projectors over the neck through two, uh, through 2026 in theaters? Yeah, I did not see that. Like right now, it's like you have to go to like the big markets to see, you know, the laser projectors. Now they're, they're talking about expanding it. So hopefully I'll have a theater near me with a laser projector here shortly. That would be very nice. Like I have to drive to Champaign for the Dolby Atmos, which it's worth it, man. Like, especially when I saw Sonic, it was amazing. And horror movies on Dolby Atmos are fucking awesome. 
Um, I think that's how. No, is that? No, that's not how I. I did not watch Ambulance and Dolby Atmos, but I did see Civil War and Dolby Atmos, and it was incredible. So. Yeah, thank you, Albert. I don't know. I'm just talking. I'm having a conversation with myself and having a good old time over here, aren't I? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just kind of brainstorming movie posters and like even like Doctor Strange, which is like, oh, I love it. You know, it's another Sam Raimi movie and everything. But yeah, the posters kind of kind of generic. Yeah, I mean, if like the movie theater poster looked as good as like some of like the fan art or even like the you know like the Mondo posters and stuff like that, then I'd be more interested. You know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Go the ironic route and get a Morbius poster. Frame it. (laughs) I like that, Joe. I like that. Morbius, no, but uh, I'm sure something will come along. (laughs) I'll send it to you, Joe. I'll send that Morbius poster your way. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it. You really want to make somebody happy, send it to Neil. (laughs) Useful for toilet paper. Neil gets it and he's like, this poster is bad. It's just, (laughs) it's bad. Uh, okay. You know, okay. That was so much fun listening to that, though. Man, that was just everything, just bad, bad, bad. That was that was great. I had no. I tried my goddamned best to rein it back in and talk about why it was bad, though. I really did. I really did. And I got, I tried to give examples of why the movie was bad. So I got a package here. I want to open it up. But for the past two weeks, I've forgotten to, to open it up. I got it from June. So June sent me something. What did June send me? Okay. What is this? Do I read the thing first or do I open the thing? What? What? Yeah, what do you do? Do you read the note first or do you open the package first? Hold on. I'll open the package. Hmm, I'm, I'm not sure what the protocol is there because you don't I'm... want the note to spoil what's in the package. Oh, my God. She sent me anthrax. Ah! <laughs> you should have read the note first. <laughs> uh, whoa! Holy shit! <laughs> it's uh, got the idea to send you this keychain after listening to the hot sauce discussion in that one Hawkeye review episode. Now you can have sriracha on the go. Hope all is well. Yeah, this is a. It's a. It, this is an actual sriracha keychain. So like, and it's got sriracha in it. Yeah, I'll post pictures on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you so much, June. That is that's really cool. Sriracha on the go, and it says Sriracha to go. That's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. Thank you, June. Oh man, that so- episode actually prompted me to buy a bottle of Sriracha that I used once and burned the hell out of my mouth, and it's just been in the door of my fridge ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that that macaron that deluxe macaroni and cheese with the sriracha on it was the shit. Oh hell yeah! Oh yeah, man. <laughs> I fucking I I love some spicy shit, especially when I'm fucking like congested. Then it's like oh, oh shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all right, let's uh, let's. I want to talk about. We're gonna jump into uh, you know. I guess the last two episodes of Moon Knight. Don't worry, we will be talking about the uh, Thor trailer. I do have a breakdown, um, but we will be. Ta- I do want to talk. We're not going to completely break down both episodes of Moon Knight, but I do want to kind of get everybody's thoughts on these last two episodes of Moon Knight. We might rate these episodes. So if this is your first time listening, this is our official rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. 
If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Kevin, haven't talked to you at all about Moon Knight, and I don't plan on starting today. So, Joe, what are you... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I like to swerve. Um, Yeah, Kevin, what are you thinking about Moon Knight, man? Uh, I, um, I have had no knowledge or experience about Moon Knight before this series, so everything is brand new to me, but I am loving the entire series so far. Four episodes in, I Tupperware every single episode. I love the entire series so far. I love where... Because I don't know where it's going. I don't know I mean, what's going to happen, but um, I just... I, I love... Oscar Isaac's ability to jump back and forth between characters. I love that. I, I love um, I, the, even the, the, the amount of fighting that we've seen. And I've heard you guys talk about and I've heard others talk about kind of ramping up the violence throughout the series a little bit, hopefully. Only because um, it was promised by, yes, Ke- my, yeah. by Kevin Feige. Yeah. And I mean, I, I hope they do that. And I, I mean, I think we've seen a little bit of that, at least that get a little ramped up over the last couple of episodes, I believe. Um, but I, I really am enjoying this right now. I mean, it's a lot different than the other Marvel series. It's, it's similar in, in vain to WandaVision, how WandaVision was different than the movies and different from some of the other series uh, that we've seen. This one is real different, especially after seeing this, this last episode. I mean, now I'm questioning everything. Um, and when we could talk probably about that, you guys probably know a lot more about that than me. So, um, but I, I am enjoying this entire series. I, um, I love the, the different takes on the mental illness, mental health aspect of it. And I cannot wait to watch more. And I, it's just a shame to me that this is only a six episode season. Because or a six episode series, I guess, because I saw that it wasn't coming back potentially for series two or season two. So I I am in love with it and I cannot wait to watch more. And it's, again, it's just a shame that we're not getting any more. Yeah, I still think Midnight Suns is on the table here. I do think Midnight Suns is on the table. I and I would not be surprised if by the end of this we see. Uh, Mahershal Ali's blade in uh, in a post credits or something. I, I think we got to see that guy eventually. Joe, uh, yeah, Moon Knight. Yeah, uh, I also continue to just love this series. Uh, it's it's doing everything that that I need it to do to to entertain me. Uh, it's it's usually the thing I look forward to most every week. I, I Tupperware the first two episodes, and I also Tupperware these last two. It's I uh, really enjoyed the shift in the storytelling to where now we're we're in the the Egypt part of it. I feel like the the action has ramped up. Uh, the the stuff with with all the spears and everything in the third episode I thought was really fucking great. That whole fight scene around that was really exciting. Um, this last episode, I like. I have not been able to stop thinking about this last episode. The I loved how the first half of it, like it really legit felt like a horror movie or something like that. It, it really had a good horror vibe to it. And and the stuff with that that Hecka priest that they're having to run from was was just fucking wild. Um, and then the latter half of the episode, like totally blew my mind. Absolutely reminiscent to the Jeff Lemire run in the comic. Um, 
Yeah, just continuing to love this. Oscar Isaac is amazing. Um, what's funny is that I remember I go back and listen to it even saying that, OK, I've had enough uh, of Stephen Grant bring on Mark Spector. But it's like I really love I, I love having both of them. I, I love the way that they bounce off of each other. And and at the end of this episode, when the, like, they're actually like kind of in a space where they can be face to face. And the first thing that they do is just embrace. It's like, oh, my gosh, what a. What a great journey, you know, that these two characters living inside this one dude's head have, have gone on over these four episodes. And I'm so excited to see where it's going to go from here because it it absolutely flips at the end of episode four. And, and it leaves you scratching your head saying, OK, what's going on now? And absolutely intrigued with it. Um, I, I do at, at the end of every episode, though, when I go back and review the, the fighting and stuff in it, I do go back to that quote. That, that Kevin Feige said, and it's like, why did he go out of his way to make it seem like we're going to be getting this like ultra violent show? And it's like, it's, it's really not. I think there's a hell of a lot more blood that's shown in this than other Marvel stuff we've seen, but it's like, they're not showing us how that blood's getting there <laughs> by any means, but that doesn't hamper my enjoyment of the show at all. So yeah, all Tupperware's across the board still for me. Yeah. Um, I am really liking the show, but I'm not absolutely loving it. Um, I think the performances are great. I think the story is really compelling and interesting. I do have a problem with the violence, but I do want to talk about that here in a moment and why I think it might. Maybe I am wrong. And if I am wrong, then, you know, uh, my apologies to everybody that I've said that I don't think we're going to get that violence. I'll talk about that here in a moment. The show's called Moon Knight, though, and I, I can't tell you that there's been one stellar, outstanding Moon Knight scene, in my opinion. Like, if I go back and I think of Daredevil, man, I'm thinking of the hallway scenes in that show, and it's just like, man, just incredible moon, uh, Daredevil action. And I can go, you know, t- you know, Captain America, I can tell you about, like, the elevator scene, and um, I mean... I really, at this point, don't feel like, I feel like Moon Knight is being used about as much as we saw Beetlejuice in Beetlejuice. Like, he's very, very, it's very, it's like, they want all the FaceTime with Oscar Isaac, and they're letting him do his, you know, James McAvoy split thing, and do these two different characters, which he does really well. I'm not knocking that at all. But... You know, before it was like, oh, I want to see more Mark. I've gotten a little bit more Mark. Now it's like I'm at the point where it's like, holy shit, can I see some Moon Knight? Can I see some Moon Knight, too? And when we see Mr. Knight, he's like this bumbling, you know. So that's kind of like where I kind of stand with this. As far as the violence is concerned, I'll talk about that here in a moment. Um, So I'm at a high taste it right now for the series. Um, but, uh, I'm still enjoying it. Uh, it's not at the top of my list when it drops on Wednesdays though. I, this, especially this last week, I kind of let, I let it sit until the evening, but I am enjoying the series. It's at a high taste it for me. Jake, where are you at? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you on a lot of that stuff. I, I Tupperware the first episode and, and I stand by that and it got me wanting to watch the next one so bad with, you know, the introduction of Moon Knight but yeah, three episodes later, the show is dragging its feet so much with the Moon Knight stuff. And it, it's well-performed, it's well-written, but it's just like, 
I have this get on with it feeling the entire time I'm watching it. Um, I thought the second episode was a taste it. I thought the, the third episode was a taste it. And the fourth episode has probably been my second favorite so far. It's at a very high taste it. Um, I love the swerve. I didn't see that coming. Uh, I'm really excited to see for the first time since the first episode, I thought the fourth episode had a really good cliffhanger where if the next episode was available. I would have just watched it right then and there uh, just to know what happens next. But, but yeah, I mean, it's only six episodes. We don't know when we're, we're going to get more of this character. Um, you know, I do agree that the midnight suns thing could happen, but when it's like, come on show, give me some definitive moon Knight stuff. You only have two episodes left. And like, it seems like we're a long way to go for that, given where it left off with this last episode. So. I agree with you. I think this I think this last episode is introducing. Uh, first off, I think like I, I, they're going to be giving us Jake Lockley like that is definitely happening. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I also want to point out that and I didn't say this in a previous episode, but I kind of felt like um, and I'm not the first person to notice this either that we were going to have him end up in kind of like a mental institution because in the credits they've been showing since episode one, a, 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 a hospital as part of like a, a, you know, when they're rolling the credits, they show all the different imagery and stuff. And one of those has been like the door and a very like white clinical hospital looking room. And so I kind of saw this coming. So I wasn't too surprised when it did happen. Um, Let me talk. Yeah, let me talk about the violence real quick. The reason why I think we might, and this is a big might, get some violence in the next two episodes is if we finally do get that third personality of Jake Lockley, which is going to be the most kind of uh, violent out of all the personalities we've seen. I believe it was in episode two when, or was it episode one where uh, the knife, when, when he is, all those, all those guys end up dead, bloody on the ground, and he's talking to, Stephen is talking, Mar- oh no, uh, Mark is talking to Stephen and he says, like, oh, my God, what did you do? And, 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 and he's like, I didn't do that. And so that was Jake Lockley, the third personality that killed those guys. Yeah, there's been a couple instances where it, it's been Jake. It's definitely going to come and it's going to eat up some screen time. And that's even less screen time for any Moon Knight. Happens. It, it, that's exactly that's another. But see what I'm saying, like with the violence, the violence that we've seen has been like the aftermath of like these bloody fights. So if you actually do get to see Jake, maybe we get to see some of this blood and guts and, and death and, and violence and shit when we finally do get to see Jake Lockley's character brought in. Um, you know, uh, at the end of this episode, when we see the hospital and everything, um, I do think that this is my thoughts overall on what's happening. And you guys can let me know what you're thinking. But I personally think that he, when he got shot at the very end of the episode, he has died, but his like soul can't be killed because he's tied to Kanchu. Kanchu is not dead. Kanchu is in Kanchu is in a state of um, like limbo, basically kind of just trapped in that statue. And I feel like since Kanchu is tied 
with Mark and Steven that they're also, even though their body's dead, their souls, whatever, are still tied to Conchu. And they're sort of like in this limbo right now. And I also feel like maybe another one of the gods, because we do know that some of the gods have been put into these idols, these statues. So at one time there were gods battling each other and some of the gods have, you know, prevailed and some of them are like stuck in statues. And I think like what we see at the end with that hippo woman uh, who in ancient Egyptian religion is called Tararet and she is the lady of the birth house. I think we're going to see a kind of like physical rebirth of Mark and Stephen um, from Tarret going on here. So they'll they'll come back, and I think in the meantime, um, La, is it Lila? Layla? Layla is going to be trying to free Conchu at the same time that all this is kind of going on. Um, so that's kind of where I like I'm that. At. I like that a lot. Like that's why you know they have a fertility god to kind of push along their rebirth. And your explanation makes a lot of sense. Like I was wondering why Mark and Steven were able to be separate entities, and that that would completely explain it if what you're saying is going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of Easter eggs and imagery in that hospital. Of course, you saw Donna in the hospital, and she was holding the blue plushy scarabs. Um, and then we saw, oh, God, so many. Um, I'm trying to think. There were so many Easter eggs. Oh, uh, the living statue guy that he talks to, Crawley, was there. Um, of course, we got to see the the that movie um, that basically, I guess, was like the inspiration for the creation of Stephen Grant which is kind of like this adventure movie with bad acting. and, and <laughs> It reminded me of Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I, I do think that we're going to get some sort of, um, of uh, a rebirth of Mark and Steven. And I do think in that red sarcophagus, that red tomb that we saw shaking, that's the third personality Jake Lockley trapped in there. It makes sense. What's the what's the villain's name? Ethan Hawke's name? Amit. Again, oh, oh, uh, he is Haro. Haro, yeah, yeah. I like. I knew that that had to be kind of a fictitious reality because we've seen plenty of scenes of of Haro that are not from any POV of the Moon Knight personality. So they you can't show us that as an audience and then make us think that he's also this like shrink doctor right so i I kind of was like okay this is bullshit but what to what level you know i also want to think i also have a theory that um uh, layla's father was not killed by mark that night uh i do think that it was jake lockley that was able to to do it so when he says that somebody else in the group did it um, and he tried to talk him out of it, but he couldn't stop them. I believe that it was probably Jake Lockley and not him. And because I don't think that they're going with like the comic books version where it's a guy named Bushman who was the one that killed the rest of the people in the party. So I think it's probably Jake Lockley in this version was the one that killed Layla's father. Making making him even more the most violent personality. Yeah, um, which is also going to be it'll be interesting 
uh, when Should Layla. Joe lost sound, Brian. Okay. All right. Hold on. I, let me just finish this thought. I'm oh, sorry. Hold on. I'll pause. All right. We got Joe. Ba- we lost Joe there for a second. I don't know what happened, um, but uh, we got Joe back. I don't know where we left off, Jake. I can't remember. Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about the end of episode four of Moon Knight yeah. and John Lockley. Jake Lockley. Jake Lockley making an appearance. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I. Oh, yeah, totally. You guys, were you guys thinking that that's who was in that other sarcophagus? Yeah, that's that's what I said. And then I also... Yeah, 100%, dude. I also feel like uh, it was Jake Lockley who killed Layla's dad and uh, and not Mark. Oh. oh, yeah, that'd be fucking terrible. Yeah. So. I, I was wondering if it was... Like, kind of as he said it, you know, somebody that was in his crew back then that went nuts and did it. And then he died actually. And then, you know, Mark actually died, too. But that he died at the foot of a statue of Khonshu and then Khonshu brought him back. Yeah, I I think. And I honestly feel like we are. I think the big reveal in the next episode, I think the episode might even start off with a flashback of us actually seeing what happens that night and that'll be our first introduction to i think what they're going to do is try to trick us and be like oh my god it was mark that killed Layla's dad and then all of a sudden we realize like oh no that's not mark that's jake lockley boom our first introduction to jake lockley that'd be pretty cool because in a way you know if mark is like the prime personality steven is like the super good guy you know, like the angel on his shoulder, and then Jake is like more like the devil on his shoulder, the really dark personality. That that'd be some pretty cool balance in that. Well, I think basically, if yeah, it's we're, you know at the end of each of these episodes, we get the the imagery that they show us, and they show us like Oscar Isaac's face split off into three different phases, like three different phases of the moon. I feel like Mark is Mark is the balanced one, like he is. Um, He's the he's the balanced one. And then um, Stephen is basically everything that Layla loves about Mark all wrapped up into one. And that's why they've had some chemistry, because it's like she she's like kind of like into Stephen a little bit because he's it's like it's like Mark, but all the things that she loves about Mark. And then I think on the flip side, though, you've got Jake, who is like the worst parts of Mark, even down to the fact that maybe he killed her father. Like this guy is just super violent, the worst of them all. So I think that's kind of like when we're looking at the three different phases, I think that's what they're kind of going for here. Yeah, I think that could really hold some weight. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, but I know you guys are loving the series, but I want more fucking Moon Knight. That's, like, one of my biggest gripes with this. And I, Jake is, I think Jake's right there with me. It's, like, I just don't feel like I've seen enough Moon Knight action. And, I mean, I've it's seen... It's been a giant bummer for me, too, because I really adored that first episode. And it just feels like this show's kind of hit the brakes, in a way, for me since that first episode. So, I mean, it's I, I'm not disliking it. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm right there with yeah, you. I'm right there with you. Like, I really like the show, but like, there's things that, you know, that I would like for them to do. I would like, I would like to see more Moon Knight. I don't know why we have not been able to get that. 
it feels like by the time we get to it, it's going to be over at mm-hmm. this point, too. I agree. I agree. And, and um, you know, we talk about hidden villains in all these series. I feel like by the end of this one, we might find out the hidden villain. Hidden villain. I almost said Hidden Valley Ranch. Hidden Valley Ranch, yeah. We're going to find out that they've <laughs> this whole dream, it's a dream sequence, and they've been in the Hidden Valley Ranch. Um, <clears throat> no, I feel like at this one, we might find out that, that the secret villain is fucking Jake Lockley. Yep, Which, yep, still going that same <laughs> formula. <laughs> I'm still liking the show, guys, but I am going to point out things that that are negatives, and it, I'm not... That's what I want people to, like, understand is the fact that, like, just because I don't enjoy something as much as you do shouldn't take away your enjoyment of the show. And I'm not trying to take that away from you. I'm not trying to deconstruct that for you. I'm just letting people know um, my thoughts and some of my, you know, minor gripes with it. Because overall, it's a high taste and I am enjoying it. I, I just would like to see, you know, I think, Jake, yeah, we're getting down to the wire. Two more episodes left. I'd like to see some Moonlight. Yeah, and there's a lot of exposition left that's like on the table that we know we're going to get. So that's, yeah, I really question how much Moon Knight we're going to get. I re- I feel like we're going to see the origin. I think that that has to be shown if, in fact, Jake Lockley is the one that killed Layla's father. I think we're definitely going to get a flashback of that in the next episode. We also, you know, once we do that, we have to flash forward now, and then we also have to see a um um. The rebirth. The rebirth. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I feel like, yeah, Jake, I think I feel like we've shit on it enough. I, let, let's let Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, tell us why we're wrong. I, I, I just I've enjoyed it. I mean, I, I understand. I mean, I will air. I will look at your guys and listen to your opinions on this because you guys know a lot more about this I mean, character than I do. You, Joe, um, uh, uh, Jake. I mean, everyone that listens that that talks about this probably knows a heck of a lot more than me. So I will I will listen to you guys. And but I'm just enjoying the series though. But the one downfall, and you've already said it, and you, I mean you just said it regarding the the lack of Moon Knight himself. Um, I just, I mean, it, it, it's it makes me sad. There's only six episodes. I mean, why? Yeah, dude, mean, they showed a Moon Knight action figure, and I cheered. I was like, "Yes, it's Moon Knight." <laughs> Did you know that 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 action figure is uh, it's it's a Skeletor figure that he painted? Painted. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it just it it just makes me sad though that I mean that we haven't gotten so much of that character, and there's only two episodes left, mm-hmm. and then of course, like we've always already said, that I mean, whatever the plans are in the future for this character. I mean, who knows what Midnight Sun stuff notwithstanding. But, I mean, it, it just makes me sad that we're not getting a little bit more uh, of him in this. But you're not that sad. You Tupperware I, every episode. I, I'm not that sad. I wish there was more. <laughs> I wish there was more of him. But I also wish I could see 10 or 12 episodes of this stuff. I mean, and that's that's one of the few things I, I haven't really said that about the other Marvel series. Um, I would have taken a few more episodes of WandaVision, uh, Falcon, Winter Soldier, or whatever. I know I wouldn't have needed a few more episodes of that. I mean, Hawkeye, I'd probably take another episode or two. But this one, I would take I would literally take six, seven, eight more episodes if they could do it. 
I'm, I'm just I'm enjoying it that much. Yeah, it's it's good. I I think I mean it's not like I've had many complaints about it. My main complaint is I would like to see more of the character that it's named after. And then my other complaint <laughs> is the fact that that you know Kevin Feige promised us like this violence, and all we're really seeing is the aftermath. Like that's how they're getting away with this violence is they'll show us not the actions being committed but a character blacking out and waking up and oh my god there's blood and bodies around me so i mean i don't know if that's a cop out and if that's all we're going to get here even in this last episode when they're doing the mummification they make it so blurry and you can't it's not like i need to see a fucking bloody mummification and i don't consider that <laughs> violence um but i would like to see like when i that's the one thing like if people didn't like the Batman, which I thought was a great movie. The one thing they can't say about that movie is, man, they didn't show us enough Batman in that movie. Like, that is okay. I don't know what fucking movie you watch, sir, or ma'am, uh, but you didn't watch the Batman because he basically was Batman that entire movie. And it was nice to see a lot of Batman in a Batman movie, not using him sparingly. And I feel like they really are letting Oscar Isaac act his ass off, Ethan Hawke act his ass off, but they are using Moon Knight so sparingly that it's almost annoying and offensive to me at this point, four episodes deep. I want more Moon Knight. Do you, do you think the lack of violence is, is something that, I mean, Kevin Feige did say, I mean, he since he did sp- explicitly mention that, but is that something that Disney told them just to push back? I mean, they kind of pushed back on and said, no, we're not doing that level that you want. I don't know. I'm or... not going to say anything until the fucking series is completed because we still could get that promised violence in the last two episodes. He might just be gearing us up for it for when we they finally do introduce Jake Lockley and we do get to see the bloody violence. And, and Sue. Maybe, maybe Kevin Feige is just a giant fucking squeamish puss. And like, <laughs> the level of violence intense. that's been in these first four episodes, he's like, oh my god. He's like hiding behind his papers. <laughs> he, Kevin Feige's it. wife is holding his hand as he's watching this. <laughs> I peed myself again. <laughs> dial it back, dial it back. <laughs> <laughs> TVMA, TVMA. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it totally feels like a run from the comics, though. It's I, I do agree with you that they're not giving us very much Moon Knight, but in some of the, it just kind of depends on which author you read because they all change it up so much. But some of them, like they're very, you know, in Mark's head a lot, and you know, not as much in the suit. But I agree. If this is the first time we're getting a live action Moon Knight, it would be great to see more of him. But, you know, maybe we're going to see more in these next ones. But I do agree it's been a slow burn yeah. in that regard. But I, I've kind of been enjoying this slow burn, you know, figuring out, trying to figure it out along with Steven at the same time. It's been, I don't know, for me, it's it's worked. And I think part of it also is that uh, Ethan Hawke has been playing such a, a compelling villain in this, too, in mm. that. I'm really wanting to know what's going on with him. Is is there something else going on with him and some of those other avatars? Because I thought some of that stuff was a little suspicious. That um, 
and I, I just feel like there's multiple mysteries going on with this that's keeping me engaged. But but I can't you know disagree with any of the critiques you have. No, I love all that yeah. stuff too. That's what. And but see, that's not what like I feel like when people listen to this stuff, like when people listen to us talk it, and we just don't give it glowing reviews the entire time. They only focus on like, oh, they don't like it, and that's not true. Like I love Ethan Hawke's performance. I think Oscar Isaac's doing a great job. And yes, the ultimate rebuttal is. This is how it's done in certain runs of the comics. And I get that. And it's like, it's hard to rebuttal that kind of stuff when people are like, you know, like, well, read this, you know, read the Lemire run when they do go into like the, the mental hospital and it's all stuff I, that's I going on. I think there is a good mind. rebuttal for, for the comic argument, honestly. The comics kind of earned Moon Knight equity, right? You'd seen the character a bunch for a few decades. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And by true. the time you get to that Lemire run... It has that Moon Knight equity where they can do a run where you don't see Moon Knight very much because it's not like for the first 200, you know, Moon Knight appearances, you didn't see Moon Knight. I mean, it it kind of earned that. And the show hasn't earned that Moon Knight equity like they've barely shown him at all. So like having this drought of the character, especially to people that aren't familiar with the comic book, it it's kind of hard. It's hard to stay invested into it. Yeah, that's a good point, Jake. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. All right. I, I am enjoying it. We've got two more episodes left, and I'm sure we'll talk about uh, episode five uh, next week. Um, oh, my God. And then uh, does that mean we're going to have to do a bonus episode the week of Doctor Strange, Jake? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's warranted. It's the Moon Knight finale, finale on Doctor yeah. Strange. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. Uh, let's jump into uh, Thor Love and Thunder. The trailer finally dropped. I guess uh, we can. Did you guys want to rate it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Jake, you 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 were the first to answer there. Uh, that makes you the most excited to rate this one. So I'm going to let you rate it. What did you think? Hmm. I don't know about most excited to rate it. Um, I was very excited to see this trailer. I was just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. It felt like every other week we were hearing on some kind of Twitter account that this Tuesday we're finally going to get the trailer. Like it feels like it's been two months of that. So when it finally hit, I was surprised that it was actually hitting. Um, I was a little bit underwhelmed by this trailer. I'm still very excited to see this movie. Uh, Thor Ragnarok is a top five MCU movie for me. Uh, I can't wait to see what Taika does next with the franchise, but I don't know the, the trailer. Maybe it's just Dr. Strange two is around the corner and I, I can't take my attention away from that. But yeah, I was just a little bit underwhelmed by the trailer. I, I thought it looked absolutely gorgeous. I thought I got a good laugh from the, the star Lord moment, but yeah, I mean, it, it clocks in at a, a really short, like less than a minute, 30 runtime. We don't even get a peek at Christian Bale. Um, I don't know. I, I was just underwhelmed by it. After all the waiting, I, you know, I don't want the whole movie spoiled for me, but I, I guess I did just expect just a little bit more from this first tease. I guess this means that you hate Thor Love and Thunder, Jake. I do hate it. I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it was my second most anticipated movie, but now it looks like fucking Morbius 2. No, Jake. It, the thing, yeah, you're just basically saying that the trailer just didn't like whet your appetite enough and it was kind of an underwhelming trailer, but the movie in the end could still be a Tupperware of a film. 
That's all you're saying. Yeah, there just wasn't that moment in the trailer where I'm like, holy shit, and my jaw drops. Like, a lot of, like, you know, we see Natalie Portman, we see her in the costume, but, I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, you knew that was something we were going to see. It wasn't like the idea of it was something that I was just formulating in my brain the first time seeing that trailer. Like, you know, I've warmed up to that's what's going to happen for a year and a half now, so it just didn't really, yeah, I don't know, it just, this trailer didn't do much for me as the art of trailers go. That uh, I will say that when we do finally see her grab like the reforged Mjolnir, I, that was the only moment in the trailer that got me like kind of emotional. Like I, yeah, it's the I, best moment. I got choked up a little bit at the end. Like, wow. Um, you know, and then like the reaction on Thor's face, seeing it and how he shocked. That's the one big moment that got me. Kevin, what did you think about the Thor Love and Thunder trailer? I'm going to echo a lot what Jake just said. I mean, it, it it's I was so pumped to see this when it first, I mean, when I saw it was came out and I was like, "Oh, great. I'm going to go watch this." And then I it was it did its job. It did it well, but I mean, I was expecting something just over the top um to get me really really enthused in there. And I mean, don't mistake that. I'm extremely excited to see this movie i mean um coming up soon but the the trailer itself i mean again it did its job i mean seeing i mean it was already said but i mean seeing natalie portman at the end was really the only kind of if you can call it jaw-dropping type scene in this in this trailer um i i wish we could have seen just a little bit more of her though um I seen a, maybe a little bit more of of King Valkyrie as well in the trailer. Other outside of maybe I think we just saw her for like one shot, and um, but I did laugh. I love the color, the color palettes, and and the, just the brightness and color of the, the overall kind of like Thor Ragnarok was. And I can't wait for the movie. Love seeing like Olympus, um, and 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 uh, with with the gods there and. I, but it just left me wanting a lot more in this trailer than what I saw. Um, again, it's just the first trailer. I mean, there will be a second trailer eventually. Um, so hopefully we see a little bit more there. Um, but I, I mean, if you're going to rate this, I mean, I would just rate it, uh, rate it as a taste it for the trailer. Um, it did its job. It did it well. But I want a lot more Here's in the, the next trailer. I think uh, I have my views on this too, but hold on. Honestly, I think that us viewers and fans of the MCU, fans of like watching these trailers, I think we're kind of fickle cunts. And I'm gonna let me let me oh, oh yeah let me explain <laughs> this because I, I no I'm gonna take you back. Let me no, take you no back. No explanation even necessary. We are fickle cunts. I'm gonna take you back like four or five years or whatever it was when we first got like the. You know, Thor Ragnarok trailer. I guarantee you, if we go back and listen to that fucking episode where we review the trailer for that one, I guarantee you, either me or Jake or somebody on that fucking podcast at one point in time says, man, I wish they would have saved that fucking scene for the movie. I guarantee you, one of us talks about that arena scene with Hulk and Thor, and I guarantee you, one of us says, and I don't know who it is. It doesn't matter. But one of us says, oh, man, I wish they would have saved that for the movie. And then here we are fucking five years later with Thor Love and Thunder trailer. And they basically hold back on everything down to the point where we don't get to see Gore the God Butcher. None of that stuff. We basically just get to see like, what's 
going on with Thor's life? Where, where do we go? You know, like, what am I going to do now that I'm not an Avenger? And we're bored by that. And we're like, I wish we would have been able to see more. And then if they would have given us more, though, on the flip side, we would have been like, oh, I wish they would have saved that for the fucking movie. We're a fickle bunch. I swear. I, I, there's no pleasing us. There's no pleasing us. That being said, it's a taste it from me. They didn't show us enough. <laughs> <laughs> Love the setup. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It's one of those things where we don't talk about what we feel about these things before we start the episode. And I, I was really like, wow, I wonder if I'm the only one that wasn't just floored by this thing. So it, it kind of is a little bit confirming to hear that everyone else kind of had the same reaction. I don't we haven't heard from Joe yet, though. Joe, it's, Joe maybe it's jaw tr- on the floor. It's true. But it's like it, it's at the same time, I feel like if they would have showed us more, we would have been bitching about that, too. Like, oh, we, wish I would have been able to see that in the movies for the first time. And and then it's like we can't we can't be we can't be pleased ever, but uh, that's just how I feel. Mar- Marvel's so good at the deception nowadays too. It's like even if the more is deception, do that. Like I, that's so fun. Like you know, hiding the little facts about the movie, like editing characters out of the trailer. You know, well, there's one scene in this trailer. I think there is yeah. a character edited out. Yeah, oh a, yeah, I know exactly oh, what scene you're talking. It's about. It's when the guardians fly off, and we're left with yeah. Korg and Thor, and then you could see that there's clearly a space on the left hand side of the screen for another character. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, Joe, uh, what did you think about the trailer? Yeah, I I am not a fickle cunt, it seems, because I, I absolutely love this trailer. I watched it a bunch of times in a row, and I was super excited about a bunch of different things in it. Um yeah, it was it was a Tupperware for me. I was I was actually kind of shocked that, that you guys weren't as stoked on it, but but for your reasons, I can totally get that because I'm certain that they're only showing us first act stuff. And and also I went into this with the expect expectation that, oh, it's a teaser. They're just gonna tease us a little bit. And for me, it it gave me enough info to understand how they're getting from the last time we saw Thor at the end of Endgame to now in this movie and, and what he's going to be doing. And so I, I kind of feel like that he's going to have some Guardian adventures in the first act of this movie. We're going to see him get fit and maybe during one of those things he's going to run across his first dead god. And then the, the movie's going to turn and into those second and third acts, we're going to get more of that Gore the God Butcher stuff that, you know, obviously they didn't give us any of that. But I also feel like if they're going to do Thor, uh, Gore's look right, he's going to be a, you know, a, a VFX intensive character. So, you yeah, know, maybe they we've, didn't we've sadly, have enough of it done. We've sadly seen what the character looks like from some of the leaked toy images. and it- Yeah, and <clears throat> that, that image on the side of that Lego box, if that's true, I'm going to be really fucking bummed out. Because that is not how Gore the God Butcher looks. Well, there's another. You know, the, I think like somebody took a picture of like the back of like one of the Legends figures, and it basically looks more of like a kind of more like a a humanoid type vision looking character. It's really it, and that's gonna bum me out because I love like the way that the Isad Ribic did Gore the God Butcher in that um, it was Thor God of Thunder, right? The name of that run. Yeah. Yeah, that it's fucking so freaky. And he's like vaguely humanoid in shape, but not really humanoid in face. 
and those differences in his face make him uh, that yeah. much more of a frightening character, in my opinion. I just hope and, that once he lays his hands on like the Necro Sword, then we can kind of finally see his final form. But I do think at the end of the day, he's still going to look like Christian Bale. I'm going to be yeah, really sure. disappointed if that's the case. Me too. I I agree. I mean, 100. But but because they didn't show me that and disappoint me in that trailer, I can still keep that hope alive <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. That, that maybe it'll be okay. But there was also some different looks, like when it was kind of showing Thor through the ages running with the different costumes and stuff that he had on, and that was pretty cool. Um, I'm really hopeful with them showing us those different shots that we're actually going to get multiple Thors from different timelines all working together in this movie. Um, I got got a lot of hope pinned on this. I absolutely love Thor Ragnarok. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, Definitely got that Taika feel with this. I love the song choice with Sweet Child of Mine. Um, I I love seeing Thor uh, uh, using the chains of of Suture to to do his little CrossFit there (laughs) (laughs) with the strongest (laughs) Avenger hat on that made me laugh out loud. Because that was one of the questions I had was, Okay, they're obviously going to have to take him from Dad Bod Thor to Ripped God. Uh, Thor there are again. so many people that are upset that he did not stick with Dad Bod Thor. There are so many oh, people that are. Oh man, I know, dude. <laughs> they like... already had a movie with him. Fuck off. Uh, I'm really intrigued. A... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. I was just going to say, do you think we get a training montage though, set to music? Oh, without a doubt. Yes. <laughs> We've got without to, right? <laughs> oh, I would love it. All right, I'm let's super intrigued by him planting Stormbreaker. I want to also. talk about that. It, yeah. Oh, good, good. Yes, Go that's we're definitely talking about that. I, I actually I tweeted at James Gunn about that. I didn't get a response. I was hoping that he would maybe respond to it, but I'm sure he's fucking. You know, he he might not know. Be, um, we'll see. I want to. I, I do want to talk about that. I've got. I've broken down the trailer. I want us to be able to break this down. Um, I do want to. Yeah, I, I want to reiterate. No gore, the God Butcher in this trailer. We do see aftermath of you know him slaughtering gods, but we don't get to see any gore in this. And basically, the character in the comics is. Uh, an alien that is praying to the gods to save his family from dying and the gods don't return his prayers. They don't listen. They don't answer. His family dies. Uh, he eventually finds a sword, the necro sword, and that sword is capable of killing gods and he starts to go around slaughtering gods. And um, I... I, I <sighs> Why don't we see him in the trailer? Is there is is it because of they're just holding on to that just another thing to hold on to or I mean, I don't think there's been there's been some backlash on the way he looks from like the stuff that has been released. Um not as much as like, you know, when we first saw Sonic with human teeth, but I mean, <laughs> there has been some some backlash. Do you think that they I don't know if they have time to course correct if even if they wanted to? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think they're just holding that. I, I think just showing the return of Thor is enough for this this teaser, and they're they're just holding on to that until the the second trailer. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like in a way, this trailer is kind of like it's kind of weird because it's like I think at the end of the day, people are going to be like, okay, like who's the bad guy? <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole trailer is very much welcome back, welcome yeah. back, Thor, welcome back, Natalie Portman. Uh, and yeah. I think they're just holding on to the villain for the next one. Yeah. Do, uh, breakdown. We do get uh, Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine music playing. We see Thor 
running through the forest as he uh, kind of like time lapse where he ages. We see him as a really young kid. And I hear that that's actually one of Chris Hemsworth's real sons. That oh, is cool. being that's shown awesome. there. Kind of like with uh, what the Russo brothers did, I think, you know, with um, the, the daughter playing the daughter of Hawkeye. And they're kind of doing that here with uh, Hemsworth's youngest son. Uh, we then see a teenage Thor, and he's wearing a uh, comic-accurate uh, Jack Kirby costume um, from Jack Kirby's run. And then we see him as an adult. And then it flips over. We get a shot of Thor wearing a leather uh, costume, a leather, like leather armor, and he's got these fur shoulder pads and he's walking through a location that's uh, set on fire behind him. We'll talk about that later. We then see Thor burying the handle of Stormbreaker in the ground and then going off to meditate. Now, I don't know if he had, I think basically at this point, he's like, you know, Valkyrie's king, we won, we beat Thanos. Who am I now? If I'm, I'm still the god of, you know, god of thunder, but am I, I'm not an Avenger. I'm not the god. I'm not a god of war now. There's no wars to be fought. Maybe I just want to live my life and figure out who I am now and be more peaceful. I think that's what the meditation is trying to show us here: is that he's meditating. And there's a theory, and it goes. It's on Reddit, and it, it goes back three years ago. So three years ago, somebody came up with this theory. And they said that Stormbreaker's handle, made out of Groot's arm, will grow into another Groot who will be able to control the Bifrost, becoming the literal world tree. So Stormbreaker, you know, we saw Eitri make it for, for Thor in Endgame and, and Groot. His arm was the handle, and Stormbreaker controls the Bifrost. And now this version of Groot as the world tree, once, this, once it grows, we're not going to see it grow in this one, I don't think. Maybe by the end or a post-credit scene, we might possibly see it. I, I'd be surprised if we see it grow in this one. But I think it could grow into the world tree and also have that power as well. So it's the world tree on New Asgard. That, that can control the Bifrost. And this was actually teased, possibly, by Vin Diesel himself two years ago when he said that we would see Alpha Groot. And everybody was thinking that they were talking about Vin Diesel showing up in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 because James Gunn debunked it. He says he didn't know what he was talking about. He was like, I don't know. And we talked about this on the episode. We we're just like, oh, Vin's making shit up. But he wasn't, he wasn't talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Vin Diesel was talking about his role as older Groot, much older teenage Groot in Thor Love and Thunder. He said in the interview that he had, and I think it was with comicbook.com. I could be wrong, but he said, I only have two words about that character, and it's Alpha Groot. So he mentioned Alpha Groot. He was the one that brought it up. So I, I think that there's a lot going – I think that that's what he was talking about is like when he plants Stormbreaker, it, it could grow into the world tree on Asgard. And I'm not saying it's going to be like a, a, a tree that's fucking talking, but I do think it'll be a living tree that can control the Bifrost, kind of like you know um, an entity that uh, – 
Heim, instead of Heimdall, now we've got this world tree on Asgard that can control the Bifrost on New Asgard. It's an interesting theory. Yeah, I, I, I lean towards we will see it, too, because I don't think Vin Diesel would be that ahead of the game. Like, he's not going to know what's going to happen in Thor 5 or Thor 6. Like, for him to already be on the Alpha Groot train makes me think it's something that is definitively going to happen in this movie. That would be cool. Yeah. It's just I know how Marvel likes to hold on to certain things and then reveal them later on down the road. And we're just like, holy shit. Remember that when Thor fucking planted that? Yeah, it, like, it's So we could immediately get the payoff. Um, oh, I agree with you, Brian. I just um, – the you know, key factor for me is the Vin Diesel thing. Like I, I think they would not be telling most actors what's going to happen with their characters ahead of time. Well, you know – with the head of Stormbreaker, you know, embedded in part of it, that could give it that extra boost to grow faster. You know, because we saw that little twig at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, it, it, that grew pretty slow. The reason, If there's some sort of magical relic embedded in it, maybe that would speed it up so that we would actually get, you know, a, a full grown tree or something by the end of this movie. I think I'm super intrigued by the idea. Of it'll be product placement for Miracle Grow, and that's what's <laughs> going to. <laughs> um, no, honestly, I think, Jake, what you're saying makes sense because I really do feel like if we've got Gore the God Butcher and all this stuff going on, why wouldn't Thor just fucking run back and, you know, okay, yeah, I, I fucking put the handle in the ground. I'm going to get Stormbreaker and go after Gore. Maybe we do see the tree immediately form and, you know, now he can't get Stormbreaker back. It's that's what's making the the living world tree, you know. Right. Does yeah, that that's a great sense? way to write that weapon out of the story, too, because when you have Stormbreaker like out there in the ethos, you kind of have to figure out a way to shelve it somehow. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a brilliant, brilliant way to do that. So like the nerdy fans are not like, well, why didn't you just use Stormbreaker? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something that can take you pretty much anywhere in the universe you want to go instantly. Yeah, and it makes yeah, you kind of have to figure out a way to like ground that motherfucker. And does, the tree thing makes a lot of sense. Does that take away any fear though? And I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead in the trailer at the when we see Jane at the end of the trailer. They're fighting on Earth there, and I believe that they're fighting. I. Th- think that they're fighting in new asgard um because that fire that we see in this trailer we see that same fire behind jane and we see the same fire behind thor when he sees jane become mighty thor and so do we i don't think do we have to fear the demise of new asgard now believing that we've got the world tree i don't think that they're going to introduce the world tree just to destroy new asgard by the end of this fucking movie again <laughs> yeah, that would be brutal. I mean, two Thor movies in a row where, like, the homeland is just decimated. <laughs> I could see a fight there, but not it being completely destroyed. Yeah, I yeah. just think that maybe that's that might be something that's – I don't know. It's it, I think it's Gore the God Butcher, and I think the people that are fighting the people in New Asgard are, are, are probably – you know, we know that Gore, the God Butcher, that Necro Sword was created by, was it Null, who was like the original symbiote? Yes. Related to Venom. And so, like, these might be, I don't know, creatures that he's, uh, that, that he's created or brought in from, that, from the Necro yeah, Sword. Cause, yeah, because he's like left little pieces of that behind. 
like is like that Thor had to fight. They were like those big like guard dog type things. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was almost like a symbiote like guard dog. I, and it's like it, but it really comes down to like how much Sony's going to let us talk about symbiotes in in this, <laughs> and we'll we'll see what happens because we do know a little bit of. We'll see what happens. I, that's all I'm going to say there. I really don't know how they're going to work that out. Let's let's jump back into this trailer gun. We've got uh, Thor trying to figure out who he is now, you know, without war, without being an Avenger. And I feel like the opening of this movie will be Thor trying to replace his old family. Not replace, but try to find a new family. You know, he had his old family, Odin, Frigga, Loki, um, and now he's with the Guardians. And... I think when they're dropping him off with Korg, I think it doesn't work out. I think that Peter basically <laughs> has a conversation with him and says, hey, you need to find your own people. And and that's what he's set out to do. Um, I'm also hearing as a rumor that the Guardians are going to show up at the end of the movie. But I cannot confirm that. Oh, that makes sense. But I can't confirm that. makes that. sense that they'd be in there for the first act. There's a bit of a falling out. I look if that is the case, I look forward to seeing all the things that go wrong because of Thor that piss off Quill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, let's get into some of those things here in a moment. We get a shot in the trailer of Thor working out with those, you know, huge chains to get fit again. Uh, he's wearing a trucker mesh hat that says strongest avenger on it so and he actually he fucking he he took a like a sharpie and wrote strongest over avengers and then crossed out the s and it just says the strongest (laughs) avenger um a lot of people are comparing his look right there with like the trucker mesh hat um you know his clothes the jeans and everything they're comparing it to the look of vincent d'onofrio in when he was thor or the guy (laughs) that in adventures and babysitting so they're yes that's hilarious (laughs) yeah the chains that we see here are attached to the skeleton of this uh, dead imprisoned giant some people have been speculating that the skeleton is of itri played by peter dinklage in endgame i don't think that it's itri um but I, I that's dark. I, <laughs> yeah, that is that's a little dark. Jeez. Yeah, and for him to be working out with the chains of his dead friend sounds uh, <laughs> that's fucked up. So I don't think it's E Tree. I just think that it's probably just another kind of like giant creature that had died on whatever planet he's on here. That honestly, the planet that he's on, I think, is the same planet that he's on with the Guardians, and it's probably. A, like a big troll that the people of that planet had at one time captured. Okay. That's all I think it is. And the thing died. Um, the, there are rumors that Dinklage will return in this movie as Ichri. I don't believe them. Uh, the rumors are from cosmic circus and the rumors started because of an old IMDB listing. And I, you can't confirm anything on IMDB as far as casting some, Things come and go on IMDb, so I'm not putting any stock into that rumor that we're going to see Eitri. Um, we, I would s- guess no. Dinklage seems that's what to be I've been down saying. with Disney these days. Yeah, I, that's what I'm thinking too. Well, I mean, that was more recent. They filmed this a while ago, Jake. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It was more recent that he was pretty upset about all the Snow White stuff. Yeah. Um, we see him rip off Thor rip off this cloak and he's showing off his new physique. 
on this planet that him and the Guardians are on. And the people that uh, inhabit the planet, they're blue. Um, they are not the Navi from Avatar. Um, so basically, on this planet, these are probably like a peaceful people, um, but they are more primitive. So there's two races of aliens, I believe, that live on this planet. Um, you've got this primitive blue, these primitive blue people, and they're at war with someone. And we don't see who they're at war with. Um, but whoever they're at war with, they have access to like you know space age weapons because we see lasers being shot at Thor and the Guardians and at the Blue People, and Thor is. We also see him in like full battle armor at one time when he shows up to this battle. But sometime during this, do you, in the trailer, we see him walk away with his back turned to it, and he leaves. And I think that's when he comes back wearing a T-shirt and like a, this armless jacket and this is these are clothes that he stole from Star-Lord. That's why Star-Lord <laughs> is rolling his eyes because he's biting Star-Lord's look here. Star-Lord's like he's trying to fucking be like me and replace me. What the fuck? And he's being a show off while he's doing it. So I can't confirm that he fucking walks away from the battle and then comes back wearing, you know, and does his meditating and all this stuff, but at one point in time he does walk away from a battle because we do see the guardians and all them in, in that one scene. Uh, it's star Lord rocket, um, Groot mantis and Kraglin is back. Uh, Drax is there. Kraglin is back. Um, he's now with the guardians, but we see them running towards the battle and we see Thor walking away. If I'm correct. Can anybody confirm? I'm 100. I think I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. That's what it looked like yeah. to me. So I think at one point in time, he does walk away from the battle and he'll come back with like this new look or whatever. He's had like an epiphany, and, you know. Um, the next shot is of the Guardians dropping Thor back off in Sakaar. This is either where he's going to meet Korg again or Korg was with him. And they dropped him and Korg off. I don't 100% know. Um, but I love kind of like the new look of Korg here. He kind of like looks like a lion tamer if they were a professional wrestler. He's got like a whip and his, he's got, he looks awesome. I love his pants like with the lightning bolts and neon colors and shit. Dude, his yeah. belt or whatever that thing is around him. It's like a ram's head or whatever. Yes. Freaking cool. It's so fucking cool. Like, oh, my God. If, if I could pull off those pants, I would. Uh, those are awesome. <laughs> Kevin, you could definitely pull off those pants, bro. Yeah, don't, don't doubt yourself, man. Get those pants. Get those pants, man. Make it those happen. Pants, those leggings. I mean, those are those are amazing. Oh, man. Um, so do we – is is Korg with Thor initially or, or like does he meet up with Korg on Sakaar? Is he on Sakaar to meet – I feel like there's a good chance where Quill is like, listen – like you need to find your own people. You, this is my family. The, I'm being I'm surrounded by the people I love, and you need to find kind of like your own new family here. And and maybe he's like, okay, well, you know, he knows Korg, so maybe he's going to start kind of, you know, building this new family. And so Korg is going to be like, you know, the first piece in doing so. That's that's what I was leaning towards, just like because of comedic timing. 
I, I think Korg will come after the fact. Like they're not going to have Korg and the Guardians and Thor all chewing up the scenery for the first act. I I think you're right on the money, Brian. When he has to have this new family, it's going to be like he's going to be the number one reject, and it's going to be like comedic because it, it's Korg again and how pathetic he is. Oh man, and I do think that you know when the Guardians do land, they'll probably come out and say goodbye, and we will get some short interactions between the Guardians and Korg, which will be great. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait. I, more cord, please. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, pausing just in case Joe and Kevin have anything to say. So. I, w- I, would take a, I would take a full movie on Korg, by the way. <laughs> Without a doubt. That, that <laughs> would be amazing. Character. Or even just, like, a little, I mean, a, 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 like a hour-long shot or something for Disney+. Plus. I mean, that would be amazing. It would be funny. Korg series would be funny. Um, we then get a shot of a boat, um, being pulled away from new Asgard. It's actually being flown, uh, by flying goats. And, um, that is part of, uh, Thor's, you know, uh, lore, you know? Um, so, so that, that is very cool that they're, that we're, we're getting to see that here on the boat. We do see Thor, Korg, Valkyrie, and there is a quick shot of mighty Thor on the boat with them. Um, there's also a lighted neon sign on the boat. If you pause it, you can see that it says Cocktails and Dreams, which is the name of the bar at the end of the Tom Cruise movie, Cocktail. So I believe, <laughs> I honestly think that this Cocktail and Dreams bar that is on this boat, I don't 100% think that it was Thor's idea. Um, I do think that it might be Valkyrie and Meek on this boat because there's a shot later where Meek is making drink. I'll talk about it later. Let me talk about that later. We then get a shot of Thor on a pirate boat, um, which I thought was really cool. I put the pieces together. A lot of people put the pieces together because Tyga just did the pirate series on HBO Max, Our Flag Means Death where he played Blackbeard and we get the shot of Thor on a pirate boat here and he kisses this uh, blue-haired pirate woman. Um, There's a dead kraken behind them draped over, like the tentacles are draped over a boat behind them. So either Thor has just killed a kraken and then gets the girl or it was some sort of like a sea god that Gore has already killed. Um, Oh, I hadn't considered that. I, I was just assuming it was like maybe like a flashback to his past or something. Hmm. I like that though that it could be a dead sea god in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's 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 a really quick shot. It's hard to you know. We're, we it's just speculation at this point. Um, we then get this overhead shot of Olympus and uh, what looks like this white object flying into it kind of looks like a comet flying into it which it might be the floating boat that we saw or it might be it might be that might be our first shot of gore flying into olympus we don't know um we then see a shot inside the castle in olympus where these golden lightning bolts are flying around and then uh, they all form into one gold lightning boat uh, lightning bolt that Russell Crowe's Zeus catches. So I expect, I fully expect to see Gore slaughter Zeus in a scene following this. 
um, probably showing up and Zeus is probably feeling overconfident and gets murdered in front of all of his people. And um, there's we we see a shot in of Thor and his group in the trailer showing up to Olympus. Um, and this might be earlier. It might be it might be Thor and uh, in the in the scene. If you're seeing them walk, it's it's the scene where you see the giant golden Zeus statue in the center of the city. And on their way into the city, you see Thor, Valkyrie, Korg, and Jane Foster as Mighty Thor walking into the city. And they might be there to warn Zeus about Gore. And then Zeus is kind of probably blows them off, you know, um, or because I, I can't see them not having a conversation with Zeus. I can't see this scene happening here as the aftermath of gore. Cause it oh, looks yeah. like, like, like they show up to warn him and Zeus is like, ah, I'm Zeus. I don't have to worry about this guy. Right. And then he gets taken out. Yeah. I, I cause they, like when they're walking into the city, it doesn't look like it's been damaged or anything. Like it looks like it's a bustling Olympus, you know? And, um, I feel like maybe they had shown up to, to warn, to warn Zeus. We'll find out. Uh, we then get a shot that's ripped straight out of the comic book pages from Jason Aaron and artist Isad Ribic. Um, it's Thor and Kor- Korg. The only thing that's really different is Korg being there, but it's Thor and Korg standing on a rock as they look at the corpse of a dead god. And um, in the comics, it was a dead god, uh, Falagar the Behemoth, and Thor knew Falagar, and they were friends. And even in this trailer, he's, uh, he looks sad as he sees that his friend is now dead, laying there in the snow. You see the blood coming off of, out, out of his face and everything. It, it looks like it's pulled straight from the comic book pages. It's incredible. I was so excited to see that shot in the trailer yeah. <laughs> like immediately pulling out my kindle and like flipping to that page and then just like like holy shit it's exact it's like identical uh we then get a shot of new asgard uh new asgard it's uh it it looks different from the last time that we saw new asgard um i mean they've actually they've erected some like gold statues now so um they're trying to make it even look like asgard um and it's got its new king we got king valkyrie and uh, New Asgard is a tourist destination. There's a shot where you can see uh, huge cruise ships docking uh, in the water behind them. And there's tourists going on vacation there. You can see tour, like uh, you can see excursion vans. And on the back of the vans, it'll have like, you know, they'll take you out to see the, the shards of Mjolnir and stuff like that. So there's different excursions that you can, that you can go on while you're in New Asgard. Um, so it's like a... Vacation hotspot. Um, there's a theory that um, Jane goes there, and that's where she's go- she goes on one of these tours. And I'm gonna we're, we're all we're all wondering is the is the cancer storyline true? There there is some merchandising out there, and I want to read this. This is off some merchandising. It says, suffering from cancer, astrophysicist and Thor's ex-girlfriend Jane Foster visited New Asgard and her life was changed forever. Mysteriously, the broken pieces of Mjolnir, the hammer 
of the Thunder God, transformed her into the mighty Thor and gifted her the superpowers of Thor to battle threats, internal and external. Wielding Mjolnir herself, she had become a godly protector and a new hero was born. With the help of Thor, Valkyrie, and the Guardians of the Galaxy, the mighty Thor was faced by the powerful Gore, the God Butcher, with divine power himself. Gore was driven to rid the universe of gods wherever he found them. Battling cancer in her human form and gore in her godly form, Jane Foster was embroiled in an epic struggle with plenty of love and thunder. So that's, I do believe that that merchandising um, description is real. Um, and I do think that she's probably, she's dying of cancer and wants to go on like one last trip, go to um, New Asgard. And when she comes into contact. I don't know if Mjolnir is going to communicate with her somehow, uh, like in the comics, but I do feel like once she comes into contact with this and the people on the tour are just going to be like, wow, you know, there might even be a joke from one of the people once Mjolnir forges, reforges itself and she's holding it and she looks like Mighty Thor, like you might get a comical fucking thing from one of the people on the tour with her or something where they say something about it. Like, wow, wasn't it, that wasn't on the, on on the, I didn't see that on the docket or whatever the fuck. I don't know. (laughs) Um, you know how Marvel likes to do. Um, but, uh, Yeah, so I think that she's going to go there and um, on this excursion, and that's when we're going to first see her become Mighty Thor. Uh, we then that really differs from the comic, right? Like the comic, it was like many years before we actually revealed that Mighty Thor was indeed Jane Foster. But like the from pre-production of the movie, they're they're really not trying to hide any of that at all. You so yeah, I agree. They hit it for we'll, about we'll nine talk. issues. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing. I, I think everybody kind of thought it was her anyway. Um, no, it just sounds like we're going to see the actual origin of the character in the movie without yeah. any mystery as to who it is whatsoever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, we see Valkyrie in a political meeting uh, with other countries. Um, this kind of goes back to an Easter egg in Spider-Man No Way Home. There's a... Uh, a news ticker on screen that at one point says political turmoil continues in new Asgard. So maybe Valkyrie's in a meeting to discuss those issues. Um, they're maybe they're trying to figure out, you know, how do you govern, how do you govern Asgardians? How do you govern gods? I mean, um, we see her in her chair. She's rolling her eyes, bored out of her mind. And, uh, there's empty martini glasses in front of her to the right of her. You get a shot of meek, now, Meek, who's like this, you know, fucking larva, has grown and he's got, you know, he's taller. He's got arms now, like longer arms, and he's wearing a suit and he, <laughs> he's shaking something. So he's probably shaking another martini for her, which is why I think on that boat, Cocktails and Dreams is going to be Valkyrie's little bar and Meek will be like their little bartender when they go on that boat. <laughs> I love it. We, we then get a, uh, we then get a, we, get, we then hear uh, Star-Lord tell Thor, you ever feel lost? Just look into the eyes of the people that you love. I think this is when Thor is going to realize that he doesn't have those people. He's trying to, he's trying to replace the people he had with, like with the guardians and he has to find his own people. And like, especially with, like who is he now? Like he's trying to figure that out now. He's not an Avenger. He's no, and now that 
Mjolnir reforged itself and, and is with Jane, I mean, and I don't know when that happens. That might be another like kind of like identity crisis for him. Like, who am I now now that I'm not, you know, worthy? She's the one who's worthy. Like, who am I now without Mjolnir? And I am so yeah, the trailer ends uh with uh Mjolnir reforging and going into the hand of Jane Foster and we get our first look at Mighty Thor. And um yeah, I do think that this battle taking place is is on Earth. It's definitely on Earth. And if I had to if I had to place bets, I think it's happening in New Asgard. So Yeah. I that think is... I think you're spot on. I think that that's gonna happen near the beginning of the movie, and that's what's gonna prompt our heroes to get together and go to Olympus to warn of this threat. Yeah, I could see New Asgard taking quite a beating too, right? Like maybe that like political meeting is like the, the the humans outside not really liking like what the gods are bringing to their area with the tourist attraction and everything and possible like if new asgard gets beat the fuck up maybe it would be like a uniting moment between the the citizens of new asgard and the the surrounding humans like to rebuild new asgard and kind of come to terms yeah i i'm not <sighs> I'm not sure what the order is of when we're seeing certain things, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. That, that's all I have. That's all I, I think that's all I have for, for my breakdown. Yeah. That's all I got for Thor. I don't know. Did you guys have any final thoughts or anything that you picked out of the trailer that maybe I missed or? No, I think you pretty much nailed it all. I'm excited to see kind of a, a longer version and a legit trailer for this movie. Yeah, agreed. I'm looking forward to like the a full length trailer, but but for a teaser, I mean, yeah, I feel teased. <laughs> it did, yeah, it did its job. So, um, was it two two and a half months until we see the movie? Yeah, I, I mean, we're looking July, at, uh, July, uh, like first yeah, week of July, two and a half months roughly. Yeah, this is the uh, shortest amount of time from uh, released trailer release to actual release date that we've ever had before shortest window of time and i think it probably the windows might be going like this when you have you know three to four marvel movies coming out in a year i agree you don't want to shoot the other movie in the foot by getting everyone hyped for a movie that's not the next movie coming out so i think they're going to lean more towards these shorter windows in the future yeah i mean we're looking at probably you know um Depending on if we, I'm saying this is a big if. If Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is still slated to come out in November, probably won't get our first Black Panther trailer until maybe like a week to two weeks before you know Thor: Love and Thunder. It might even wait after. I still have. Could a be big, longer. It could be fucking October. If the movie comes out in November. Oh, November, maybe September then. Yeah, I think you could wait until I mean late August, early September for that. Yeah, I would say I would I would say probably yeah, mid to late August if if they stick with the November date. So, yeah, there it's really weird how they kind of like figure out when they're going to drop these things. They're very strategic. I think this is the fourth highest viewed trailer within four, uh 24 hours for for the Marvel movies. I think it clocked in at number four with 209 million views. So, 
that is all I have for Thor Love and Thunder trailer breakdown. But let's take a quick break. We'll come back with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Sounds good. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we are back. It is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. You know our rating system. Toss it, taste it, Tupperware. Uh, real quick, I wanted to let everybody know that uh, I had so many requests for people that, for, for me to continue talking about the show from. And um, it's like part of Good Pop, Bad Pop is introducing people to these shows so they can watch them. Um, PCL is not a, like a hundred percent review show for everything that's out there, but I did want to let people know that I did finish the first season of From, and I absolutely loved it. I'm 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 really hooked on the show. It did get uh, they did order a second season, so we are going to get a season two from Epics. So that is happening. But I've I've loved the show. So um, I'm I mean I'm not going to get into like specifics of what happened. And if you watched it, you know, and you, if you liked it, you liked it. But I really, I love it. It's an absolute Tupperware of a show. So, um, and then I also watched the uh, finale for uh, Super Pumped, the battle for Uber. And um, man, that was a great show. The Joseph Gordon-Levitt series from, you know, the Uber. I I fucking thought it was fantastic. I, I really thought it was good. So that was an absolute Tupperware. And I've got two episodes left of Minx. Um I've just had so much to watch this week that I haven't been able to finish those last two episodes, but I will be finishing them hopefully here shortly. But uh, yeah, it's an, Minx is still a Tupperware. It's so fucking good. And if you're not watching Minx, get on it. It's really good. Jake Johnson's fantastic, and Ophelia Lovabond's great. Great show. I, I went to the theaters this week and I watched. Um, uh, was it this week or was it last week? I watched Dog, the Channing Tatum movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, 
synopsis with a dog named Lulu by his side. Army Ranger Briggs races down the Pacific coast to make it to a soldier's funeral on time. Along the way, Briggs and Lulu drive each other completely crazy, break a handful of laws, narrowly evade death, and learn to let down their guards to have a fighting chance of finding happiness. It's, direct, it's actually directed by Channing Tatum and Reed Carolyn, uh, both making their feature di- directorial debuts here. And um, yeah, you got a cast of uh, Channing Tatum, Jane Addams, Kevin Nash, um, Ethan Supley, uh, Nicole La Liberté, and uh, Bill Burr is in this as well for a split second. I re- Kevin Nash, the wrestler? Yeah, Kevin Nash, the wrestler. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, um, I really like this. This is—I thought this was a Tupperware. I—I—it's just like a—it's a heartwarming story. It's really—I mean, you've got a—you've got an army ranger here played by Channing Tatum who's gone into, um, you know, active service and and served the country, um, gone to war. I think like five or six different tours, and he's wanting to go back, but he has—he um, has suffered so much as far as. Uh, not only PTSD, but um, just physically, uh, it gets to the point where, um, you know, his vision is blurred. He he can have, uh, I think, seizures. And like, if he's under stress, too much stress, it can actually kill him. But he's wanting, that's all he knows. It's a life that he knows. And he wants to get back in. And so he is tasked with taking um, one of his um, army ranger friends died. And so he's tasked with bringing his dog and this was a dog that was a German Shepherd that's that's in the army that was trained um, to help them, you know, sniff, you know, um, uh, I think like um, uh, different people that they're looking like, like I, I don't, I don't, I'd like to see like all the videos of like what they sniff. I don't know if I don't know how they track their enemies, but it's pretty incredible. And there's actually a scene in this with Ethan Supley where like they track some people with these dogs on American soil. It's really cool. Dogs are super smart, but um, he's tasked with driving this dog to, I think, San Francisco for his Army Ranger buddy's funeral. And the family wants the dog there. And the thing is, though, once the funeral's over with, the dog doesn't have an owner, so they're supposed to put the dog down. And... I mean, it's just this, like, yeah, the dog tears up his truck, the dog drives him crazy, the dog runs away, and by the end of this, it's like, you know, they're best friends, and, like, you know, the dog helped him. And it's, it's fucking, it's, it's, it's a really good movie. I'm glad, I saw it on the very last showing here, and I'm glad that I fucking finally saw it, because I've been wanting to see it for weeks, and I'm glad I saw, finally saw it. It's an absolute Tupperware. I loved it. Channing Tatum's really, really good in it. It's just a fun movie, and um, Kevin Nash is actually pretty good at it, Jake. So that's awesome. Yeah, the trailer for this looked really cute. So yeah, I I'll probably check this out when it's on like streaming somewhere. Yeah, uh, I also went and saw another movie that I didn't put on the list for you guys because it's not playing in every theater, and I had to drive I had to drive a little ways to see it. But it's called Duel, uh, D U A L, and. Uh, Synopsis, upon receiving a terminal diagnosis, Sarah opts for a cloning procedure to ease her loss on her friends and family. When she makes a sudden and miraculous recovery, her attempts to decommission her clone fail, leading to a court-mandated duel to the death. Now she has one year to train her mind and body for the fight of her life. And this is like, 
this is like uh, we've seen couple of stories like this come out in 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 movies and in tv over the last couple of years I, the anthony mackie episode of that show solos on amazon prime where he's the father and he's gonna die and he buys a clone and his family has no idea that when he dies that you know this clone is going to be taking over as uh, as like you know the replacement and the same thing kind of happened in the the same thing happened in the Mahershala Ali movie Swan Song on Apple TV Plus, so they're doing it here but they're doing it with like a twist. It's it's uh, it's a science fiction thriller film. It's written and directed and produced by Riley Stearns. It stars Karen Gillan, uh, Beulah Cole, Theo James, and Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad, and uh, the movie starts with this football field. There's people in the stands. There is one guy on. Uh, there's a sheet that's being held up. This long kind of like like they got like they got bed sheets and they like put them together. Like like they sewed a bunch of these bed sheets together and they got these lifted up so you can't see what's on the other side of it. And then you've got one guy on on, on one side of the field, and then they lower the bed sheet. And as soon as they do that, you see a table in front of this guy and it's got all these weapons on it. And then all of a sudden this other guy from across the field shoots an arrow at him. And so he knocks the table over with all the weapons. It's all, and you see like this arrow go through this table. And so somebody's trying to kill this guy. You're like, you're just thrown into this situation in this movie. And there's people watching in the stands. Like it's an event. Like it's like they're gone to a fucking American gladiators tournament. And like this, we're watching this on TV. It's fucking insane. And, Basically, what it is, is it's two clones having to fight each other and kill each other. So what happens is, um, this is a case of somebody purchased a clone because they thought they were going to die, and then they changed their mind. And these clones, at... uh, at a certain point, they start to they start to have like their own rights, and they can file for a motion to stay. And once they file for a motion to stay, then you have to battle your clone in to the death. And so that's what this is. Karen Gillan has the same situation, and it's like her fucking her fiance leaves her for her clone. Her mom prefers oh, the clone. Oh, it's, oh no. it's fucking dark. Jeez. It's like a dark comedy with science fiction and it's a thriller at the same time. And, um, she hires a personal combat trainer to train her to kill her clone. And that personal combat trainer is Aaron Paul. And, um, the movie's about an hour and a half, and there's also a scene with like a dual survivor support group. So the survivors that had to kill their clones now there's survival support groups for these people, and they get together and talk. I'm gonna give this a high taste. It. I really think that this movie took a swing here. I just, man, I was really kind of let down by the ending. Not saying it's a bad ending, but it's like sometimes you watch this stuff and you want a certain thing and it doesn't go that way or and i'm not i'm not trying to spoil like if somebody dies somebody lives or whatever it's just i i just left unsatisfied but i man they took a swing with this movie and i really i'm glad that i saw it so that's duel and that's uh that's out in theaters select theaters right now so if you want to check that one out um watch duel but it's pretty fucking wild joe it feels like a joe it feels like a comic book we've read or something you know 
Oh, absolutely. I could totally see that as like an image book. A hundred percent. Yeah, man. What a fun concept. Though. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, both that you. sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're both you. Only one of you gets to stay. So you have to deal with this shit. You have one year and, and it's going to be an event. Yeah. <laughs> I like how it happens enough that there's crowds for it. It's It's just wild because it's like she's like she gets this bad diagnosis and then they're like oh no you you know you're you're fine there's nothing wrong with you and they're like oh the next move is just to have like the the clone decommissioned and then all of a sudden you find out the clone has rights now because the clone's been around for nine or ten months and it's like oh (laughs) fuck it's like it's wild the movie's fucking wild i i would recommend watching it man this will probably drop on like amazon or netflix or something here shortly but I would in recommend those, it. In those uh, clone support groups uh, with, like, the, the people who have killed yeah. the clones, are there any clones that have actually killed the other? They're actually the actual human? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's okay. a blend. It's a blend of, like, people that, like, uh, the, they call them the originals. And the originals, some of the originals have survived and some of the clones are there. So it's like, it's like a, it's a, it's a, a survival support group. Yeah. Huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is playing here, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this. Check it out, man. Check it out, dude. It's definitely it's definitely worth a watch. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it when you've seen it. Um Did anybody get a chance to see Father Stew? No. No. I I was supposed to see it today, but things went crazy, so Again, this is the uh, yeah, this is another movie that I was only only person to see this is getting like mixed critic reviews it's based on a true story it's a uh, when an injury ends his amateur boxing career Stuart long moves to los angeles to find money and fame while scraping by as a supermarket clerk he meets carmen a sunday school teacher who seems immune to his bad boy charm determined to win her over the longtime agnostic starts going to church to impress her However, a motorcycle accident leaves him wondering if he can use his second chance to help others, leading to the surprising realization that he's meant to be a Catholic priest. And it's written and directed by Rosalind Ross. It's based on the true life story of boxer turned priest Stuart Long. It is also Ross's feature directorial debut, and it stars Mark Wahlberg, um, Jackie Weaver, Mel Gibson, Teresa Ruiz. Um, I like this movie quite a bit. I am... It seems like the story is just bizarre as shit. And I, if they wouldn't have told me that it was based on a true story at the beginning, I wouldn't have believed it because it's, it's, it is fucking wild. And like, I think that some of the criticisms are probably going to be due to like the religious aspect of it. And I'm just taking it as for like what the story was. Like, it's just a bizarre fucking story. Um, I don't, I mean, I think getting into it a little bit more might spoil things for people, but um, it is wild to see, like, this transformation of him. Basically, he sees this woman uh, at, that's, that's religious and going to church, and the only reason he goes to church is to get, is to win this woman over, and he eventually does win her over, but then things happen in his life and he feels that he's being called to be a priest and then he's he has to suffer more um like his body went out on him in boxing he couldn't do it anymore otherwise he you know it could kill him 
and then other things happen to him throughout this movie that that kind of change change things for him at the end of the movie of course like they show like pictures of the real guy and stuff i don't want to say too much more about this because i don't want to spoil it but i'll give it a high taste it i really enjoyed it um it's 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 really bizarre that this this really did happen and i really felt bad I felt bad because the woman falls in love with him and then she then he leaves her to become a priest. I felt really bad for her like oh my god this woman she she gave, you know like she loved him and like now he's fucking leaving her and I don't know I felt really that was the part I didn't like but it's based on a true story that's what fucking happened so okay. Um uh, they show much boxing in the movie. They show boxing, yeah. Was it filmed well? <laughs> it wasn't a Rocky movie, but it was good. <laughs> it's fine. He's just kind of a punching bag. So, yeah. I mean, the, the concept of this movie is weird, though, because it's like he likes this girl and she's like, well, let me introduce you to my friend Jesus. Yeah. And then he's like, gets with her. And then he's like, I'm going to leave you for Jesus now. It's like that meme of that guy looking at the other girl. But the other girl <laughs> is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, The Outlaws on Amazon Prime. This is a new series. I believe it's six episodes. The show is set in... It's a comedy. It's set in Bristol. It's about seven people fulfilling their court-mandated community service for an illegal act. Their task is to revamp a community center for the local community, but along the way, each person's personal life is also explored. Uh, the group includes black civil rights activist Myrna, a middle-class businessman John, indebted Christian... Uh, Lawyer Greg, celebrity lady Gabriella Penrose Howe, student Rani, and petty crook Frank as they struggle through their sentences and get to know each other. The group make a discovery which brings them closer together and challenges their attempt to reform. Uh, most of these episodes are written and directed by uh, Stephen Merchant, who's in the show, uh, who I love. I think he's great. He was behind like the original British version of the office and he did an hbo show called hello ladies which was phenomenal that not enough people watched and i would highly recommend fucking watching it it's very it's if you like curb your enthusiasm you'll love hello ladies it is fucking fantastic not enough people watched it that's why it fucking got canceled but they did have a movie that wrapped everything up so you can watch it and it's a complete fucking thing so watch hello ladies because it's fucking great but anyway yeah christopher walken's in this steven merchant is in this um let's hear from one of you guys because i've been rambling on for the past fucking 30 minutes here um kevin how many episodes did you watch and what do you think about the outlaws oh okay um i watched all episodes of this series and i absolutely loved it um this is a complete tupperware for me um I I enjoyed the overall storylines, the the acting, the twists and turns that come along with that story. Absolutely loved it all. My favorite part though was probably Christopher Walken. I mean, some of his, of course, his mannerisms, but some of his lines of of just um, the only thing I will say is the the scene where he's he like whispers. I can't even remember who he's talking to now, but he whispers. Um, He's like, she said, fuck off, you twat. Oh, he's talking and, to like the the um, the community service director lady. Yeah. And then and she's like, what? And then she says something else. And he's like, she said, gargle my nutsack. 
<laughs> that got me rolling on the floor, just a stupid lines like that. But his mannerisms and it, I, it, that dude is just so odd, so outrageous that in everything he does that I absolutely love him. But the, the series itself, I had a lot of fun with it um, from beginning to end. And I would love to see more, I mean, from this. I, I don't know if they had plans or have plans to do anymore, if this was kind of just a one-shot thing. Um, but I absolutely loved it. Tupperware, I mean, this this entire series. I, I also watched all six episodes and give it the highest of Tupperwares. This is so fucking, this is just a great fucking show. Six episodes, about an hour apiece. And you've got a group. I, I kind of think it's like it, it reminds me of like an adult version of The Breakfast Club. Like they're all in trouble. They're not in jail, but they have to do community service and they all come from different walks of life. But it's like the adult version of The Breakfast Club where they're all like different ages, different races, different beliefs. But, you know, throughout getting to know each other and doing like this shit community service, like they all form like this bond, you know, uh, during this. Uh, d- what happens here is like you've got this young guy who uh, uh, to keep his sister out of a gang. He does a job for them. And the deal is, if I do whatever this task is you will stop trying to get my sister to be a part of this gang. And so he has to go to this house and rob these guys of this phone. And when he goes there, not only is there a phone, but there's a huge bag of cash. So he also takes the cash, gives the guys the phone, but he keeps the cash for himself and stashes it away inside of the house that they've been, you know, working on for community service. And what happens is some of the other people doing community service, three other people doing community service stumble across the bag of cash. So now the original guy, when he goes to get the cash, can't find it. It's, and that's when it like, it's just insanity kind of like ensues from all of this. It's just like one thing after the other. And, I loved it, Kevin. I hope there is more. It's an absolute Tupperware for me. Um, Joe, did you watch any of uh, The Outlaws? Yeah, I, I had a rough time with this one. I watched the first episode, and I felt like it was painful to get through. But, I mean, hearing you guys, like, glow about it so much, I, I kind of wonder if I just need to give a, another episode or two a shot. Um, but I, I found myself just getting pissed off at characters watching this first episode just like getting angry at the choices they were making well they're, they're all in, they're, they all got in trouble joe that's the, <laughs> the that's the, the this, this is the, okay when, it, when people say like i can't there's nobody i can there's nobody likable that i can connect with it well th- in this one they're all they all did shit things that's why they're all I there that she's supposed to be so smart and then she does something so insanely stupid it's because her their family is so overbearing and put so much pressure on her that she that she finds ways to act out 
That's why she does it, Joe. I, why are you looking for people to like in a show that's about community service, people that it's did not, wrong? It's, I couldn't believe you'd be dumb enough to drive a, a van that has your dad's name and home address. <laughs> She's a teenager. Who's supposedly smart enough that she's getting this full ride scholarship somewhere? But anyway, anyway, I'm smart people do dumb things. Clearly, Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm nitpicking. I I heard that Albert Einstein didn't use opinions. I heard that Albert give it a more shot. You know, I should give it another shot. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm talking to not you, Joe. That just like every once in a while, I think like there's a show that's so amazing. And then somebody will come in with like, I didn't like it, and I couldn't get into it or whatever. And I feel like I'm talking to an alien in that moment. <laughs> I feel like I feel like fucking Mac and me has just landed and like you know take me to your leader moment. And I'm just like, what in the fuck is going on right here? Like I don't it, like when uh, Greg was on an episode and he didn't like the tourist. I thought it was fin- like a fantastic show. And Greg just could not get into it. And I I thought that you would have loved The Outlaws. Like, you fucking, you loved the Thor Love and Thunder trailer, and we didn't get to see shit in that thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, it'll be interesting to hear what Jake said. I have a feeling Jake probably didn't like it either. Jake, what did you think about The Outlaws? Yeah, I didn't really like it either. God it was, damn it. It was a, lo- it was a low taste. You guys are me. out of your minds. Um, my issue wasn't that like the characters were unlikable. I thought there was quite a few nice touching moments with the characters. Um, I watched the first two episodes. I thought the the character archetypes and stereotypes were just a little bit too heavy handed. And I don't know. It just was really cringy to me, like how over the top they went in on all these different archetypes for these characters. And uh, yeah, this this show didn't do much for me. I, I'm done after two episodes. Boo, man, that's crazy. Dang. That's it's insane to me. I thought that this is. I absolutely love this one. I thought it was great. I don't know, like you know, the social influencer character and the Daily Wire guy and the militant left wing woman, and I, it just went. It just went too all in on those archetypes for me. And so, it was so just, the, I rolled my eyes most of this. It's Breakfast Club. It's Breakfast baby. Club. Like you got the jock, you've got the bad boy, you've got like the the homecoming queen, you got the you know the science geek, you got the outcast. It's the Breakfast Club for adults. That's what it is. They're going to play those characters. And I think when yeah. you continue to watch this, you can see how people change. Everybody's forcing their views on everybody everywhere you go. Online, on Twitter, it's the same people posting about the same things all the time. It, everybody, it's like, I think it's like, I think the characters, as you go more into this series, do get a little bit more nuanced as you get to know them more. But I think like their initial, you know, interactions with one another is like, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. You know, so I think that, that I could, agree with what you're saying 100 percent. But what you're describing is exactly what made me roll my eyes. OK, I loved it. Mm. I loved it. So, yeah, this show's not for you. But, man, I fucking this is an absolute Tupperware. And uh, yeah, yeah, I take I take a second season in a heartbeat. Me, too. I'm there for season two. I, I anything Stephen Merchant is, I typically enjoy. I think he's I, I think he is. I think he's super funny. He is a bizarre looking human man like, <laughs> he looks like he's seven foot tall his face looks like a cartoon it is so he is i think he's fucking hilarious yeah, how right. tall is that guy 
He's like he's got to be like six eight, six seven, six seven, six eight. Yeah, he's, he's huge. Yeah, like they show him like walking in under doorways, and he's always like ducking his head. He's very tall. Oh wow. Okay, uh, let's talk about Night's End on Shutter. Who got a chance to watch Night's End? I did. I did. Joe. Oh, I didn't hear you. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah. After moving into a haunted apartment, a shut-in hires a stranger to perform an exorcism. Wow. Awesome synopsis. Um, (laughs) It's directed by Jennifer Reeder. Uh, Cast is Michael Shannon, uh, Kate Arrington, Daniel Kyrie, Theo Germain. A bunch of people I've never seen before or heard of until you get to, I guess, Michael Shannon. Um, I... uh, this is like I don't even know how to describe this. I'll just say this: I didn't like it. Um, very low taste. It. It's um, you've you've got this guy Ken Barber, who is filming all these like YouTube videos, and like each one is like its own like topic or whatever. Like this is. Ken Barber's life advice or Ken Barber's this and that. And he's filming this one video and then like this bird, uh, he's a taxidermist. And then like this bird just like falls from a shelf and it looks like it was like knocked over by a ghost the way that it falls. It's just a bizarre way for it to fall. He doesn't even notice it. And he's being told by other people that have watched the video that, you know, I think his buddy Terry is the first one to tell him, like I watched your video and like, the bird was knocked over. And so he finds out that this house was um, at one time there was this murder that had been committed there like a hundred years before. And so he thinks that the place is haunted. And uh, so he starts to get in touch with this guy who's into the paranormal. And this guy says, you know, you can trap the ghost in like this spirit jar or whatever the fuck. And I don't know. It's all presented. It feels like this is a very easy movie to kind of like film during the pandemic because most of it happens on screens. I just felt like the acting was a little lackluster. I thought Michael Shannon was like doing his best to do whatever he was doing in this movie. Um, I just really didn't. At, at, at the end of the movie, I was like, I probably would have enjoyed this if it was 30 minutes and I was 12. Um, but. <laughs> because it really did feel like uh it felt like a low bu- budget kind of like tales from the dark side or monsters like limits episode something like that yeah and i love that kind of stuff when i was a kid but i'm an adult and my you know and i've gone back and tried to watch like episodes of monsters and tales from the dark side tales from the crypt and they don't hold up the way that they did when i was a kid so this just didn't really work for me it's a it's a it's a low taste it um the only, yeah, I guess the only reason I did like any of it was because it did remind me of like those shows that I, you know, those shows I loved when I was a kid. And I was thinking like, this is a, a decent attempt at something like that, but it's, it's too fucking long and it's not, it's not really, it's not really good. So it's a low taste. It, um, Kevin, what did you think? Um, I'm right there with you. I'm a, at a low taste. It's, uh, the first half of the movie roughly, was probably a taste it for me but then that second part of the movie second half of the movie spiraled out of control and i would rate that second half as a complete toss it 
So I'm just averaging them out, low taste it. Um, I, if it wasn't for that first half, I mean, I would have hated this in completely. I mean, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, Michael Shannon was a complete waste. How do you get someone like Michael Shannon in a movie like this and not use him more or um, than what he was used? As well as, I, I just, this this reminds me, you were talking about some of those, I mean, Tales from the Crypt, I mean, in those sort of shows. This reminds me of something, if it was shrunk down to a shorter, I mean, a short film, that would be like in those VHS type movies. Yeah. Or that would, it would be in some of those like compilation found footage type movies you could do. Um, but I did not like it. I, the, 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 the second half was just so absurdly dumb to me that I, it just, I just started rolling my eyes and I was like this, there are, there's a lot better horror movies out there. Oh God, yeah. On Shutter to be watching. And I would highly not recommend this to anybody. Um, even if I just low tasted it, I still wouldn't recommend you go watch this. No. I mean, it's absolutely bored out of your mind. When you don't have a budget, and this movie clearly did not, sometimes less is more. Because I think that they tried to give you more, but when it has such a shitty budget, the special effects that they do give you are fucking laughable. So yeah. it makes the movie I, not scary. I, I still so. don't know how they got Michael Shannon, though. I mean, he's got to be think- friends with somebody involved in this, like just kind of a favor for someone. Yeah, or, it's got to be. It's got to be like Michael Shannon's like, you know, well, I can't do this other movie. This one's going to be safe because it's done on screens. Um, I'll sure I'll throw my friend a bone here because it is. Uh, yeah, it's and he just <laughs> he's kind of just hamming it up for the, his performance. And he's I mean, you can tell, though, that he's like leagues better as an actor than like you know the main guy and his buddy terry (laughs) like it's just he's in a league of his own and i'm not saying like he puts on a clinic in this one but you can still tell like what he's doing is better than what they're bringing to the table it was yeah the contrast between the actors here is just insane too (laughs) so oh my god yeah uh jake what did you think yeah, yeah, I mostly hated this movie as well. I'm right there with you guys. I, I had written down about Michael Shannon. Did Michael Shannon owe somebody money? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, I thought what really bothered me most about this movie is it it had, like, two completely contradicting tones throughout the movie. I actually thought Daniel Kyrie was he the main performer in this movie? Uh, I actually thought he- no, that was the Dark Corners guy. You're talking about... Uh, Gino Walker was Ken Gino Barber. Walker. I actually thought he delivered quite a good performance. And when the movie focused on him just in his apartment being creeped out, it, it struck a pretty interesting tone. And that's the only thing keeping this from being a toss it for me. Um, I thought everyone he communicated with on his laptop did everything they could to sabotage the tone and how much I was enjoying this movie. It was like the director gave completely different notes to all the people he communicated with than they gave Gino himself. Like everyone, it was like almost like they were treating it as it was some kind of dark comedy, but you never got any of that from the main character and his going ons. Um, So it just had this weird cheesiness that was never funny and I don't, I don't know. It just kind of ruined the entire atmosphere of this movie. Anytime he was talking to anyone on his laptop, and by the end of it, when they're doing like the four-way call and everyone's there, 
It's so ridiculous. Oh, it's bad. so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> like my the the worst character in this movie for me is the performance and the character of uh, Colin, the paranormal oh, guy. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I was getting to that. Horrible. Too. Uh, so bad. So fucking bad. But yeah, I it, I thought it was unfortunate. I think this movie would have been better as like you guys are saying like a, a half an hour 40 minute thing with not with just one character just isolated trying to figure all this stuff out like ugh, like all the communications with all the other characters was just so fucking bad and a completely different tone than any time it was just you know in the movie by himself yeah yeah joe what'd you think oh yeah this this movie was terrible <laughs> <laughs> the, that uh <laughs> That Colin Albertson guy at the end, though, I mean, I was legit laughing out loud. Yes. This, you know, because it went from being like this serious movie where it was building all this tension to all of a sudden, this is off the charts ridiculous. And like, he reminded me I, of a I, Simpsons character, you know? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And then you know, <laughs> I don't want to give anything away and spoil this cinematic masterpiece. Anybody might want to dive into it. But the bit with the thumb, holy. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> so unintentionally funny. <laughs> oh, and the part where. Ken leaves the room and he curses the place over the Skype call and he comes back and Ken was like, what was, th- what was that? And he's like, oh, I stepped on my cat. Yes. <laughs> 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 but the thumb, that was shocking as fuck, dude. Oh, man. Yeah, this movie was so bad. And the special effects at the end. Oh, when, so you bad. Know, with the, the glowing eyes. was yes. just, It was terrible. It was terrible it looked like effects from an 80s movie it looked like and, when fucking Lopan's eyes were glowing in yes. big trouble in little china but if even if that movie didn't have a good budget because like that, that movie pulled it off better john carpenter killed it so anyway yeah this and, and that was my like what what all you guys were saying about michael shannon it was like what is he doing in this movie what, why are you doing this <laughs> like what the fuck dude <laughs> Yeah. Seriously, General Zod. And he had that Zod. same Don't dumb tone. <laughs> like Brian said, he hammed it up so much, and it's like that. It doesn't seem like that was what the point of the movie was. I think they were time. just like, dude, just you know, it's Michael Shannon. They're just like, do what you want to do, and he's like, you know, I'll just, I just want to have some fun. I just want to, I just want to have a Michael Shannon fuck around, and that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, what he did. Yeah, yeah. I, I had high hopes for this. Just reading like the description yeah. and watching the trailer for it, I was like, "All right, I'm really stoked to watch a scary movie." I know. And by the end of it, yeah, dude, I was just laughing out loud at how ridiculous. It I was, was like, so, "Oh yeah, my god, go taste it!" A fucking movie on screen where they're going to perform an exorcism over technology. I was like, "This is kind of a new, cool thing." I know, like some movies have done like these hauntings over screens and people dying on the other side of the screen, but I thought like I don't know if I'd seen like an ex. Maybe I have. There has been other movies where they've performed exorcisms over, like, Skype or Zoom. But I was hoping this was going to be good, and it just wasn't. Let's move on to Tokyo Vice on HBO Max. And uh, this is actually loosely based on a real story. It's uh, 1999. American student Jake Adelstein has relocated to Tokyo and must pass a written exam in Japanese to have the chance to join the staff of a major Japanese newspaper. He succeeds in becoming the first foreign-born journalist and starts at the very bottom. 
taken under the wing of a veteran detective in the Vice Squad. He starts to explore the dark and dangerous world of the Japanese Yakuza. And it's uh, directed, uh, cr- created by J.T. Rogers based on the 2009 book of the same name by Jake Adelstein. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like I said, it's bi- loosely based on a real story. It stars Ansel Elgort as uh, Jake. And then Ken Watanabe uh, is uh, playing the, uh, the veteran detective that he works with later in the series. I also want to point out that Rinko Kikuchi from Pacific Rim is in this, and uh, Rachel Keller from Legion is in the series as well. The first episode was directed by Michael Mann, and um, I'm through three episodes. Um, and, uh, man, it, I'll sit, I'll sit. Okay, kitten's gotta go. One moment. Alright, yeah, um, sorry, I had to had a situation with the with the kitten. Um, I'm through three episodes on this. Um, I'm fascinated by this and the fact that it's based on a on a true story. It is slow going, but I think like it's it's captivating enough for me just to see like you know this fucking Jewish American dude in Japan. Like this is and and I mean working for this paper like he had to be good to get fucking hired on like they're not gonna like just hire on anybody and and um a lot of like what the paper can print about what's actually happening there's these murders and what they can actually print and like what's actually happening are like two different things because i feel like the yakuza has such a like a you know um a like a, a hold on tokyo and what we're looking at here is basically like two rival gangs, two rival gangs. It's the beginning of a gang war. And I mean, the these detectives are doing what they can from keeping this to, from being like a full blown gang war. And so it's a very tight kind of like a tightrope that this Jake is walking when he's wants to report these things that are happening. So I'll get into it a little bit more, but I want to know what you guys thought. I, I'm loving it. I mean, I'm going to give it a Tupperware overall. Like there are, like, I think like maybe the first episode's like a, <sighs> maybe the first episode's a high taste it. And then I get into episode two and three and it's like Tupperware, Tupperware. I'm, I'm loving it. Joe, what are you thinking about Tokyo Vice? Yeah, I'm right there with you. This overall is a Tupperware for me. I've watched all seven episodes so far that are oh, out. Wow. Yeah, dude, I can't. So when, looking- when you turned off, you turned off the outlaws and you're like, I'm back to Tokyo Vice. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, I from the first trailer I saw for this, I was like, oh, I'm 100 percent in. Like it's taking place in the late 90s. It's like a crime, like kind of noir story set in tokyo i'm 100 percent in this this looks absolutely fascinating um that opening scene in the first episode just the tone that that sets is so fucking awesome that he's like keeping his cool so well around these very scary dudes and you know then we get this big time jump where it, it goes back to kind of show you what led up to that point and yeah, so yeah i mean from that moment right there i was I was committed. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to see everything that gets them to that point. And I'm really invested with all the characters in it. Um, the the way that it's humanizing uh, this younger Yakuza 
um, Sato. Sato, I dude. I love his character. He's I'm, so – oh, I'm, what a compelling character because there's times yes. where you're like, I'm 100% with this guy. He's he's not cut out for this life. And then you see him do something that's just so incredibly violent yes. and brutal that you think, nope, he's doing what he should be. But then you also see him struggling with it. Yeah. And very, very compelling character. Um, loving this show so far. And yeah, seven episodes in and – I love the way they've been releasing it, too. They did, like, uh, three episodes and then two episodes and two episodes. So they've been doing kind of big drops on us for getting episodes out in a hurry. I'm glad you brought up Sato, and I'm glad that you brought up how you're feeling about that character. He's, like, this younger Yakuza guy. And, like, when I first first introduced to him, I'm like, this guy's a creep. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, by episode three, I'm like, man, I kind of like this guy. And (laughs) Have you gotten to the – it might be episode four – where where they're in the car together and, and Backstreet Boys comes on. No, 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 no. That's the next episode. The next episode. Okay. Yeah. The, the next episode's titled a Backstreet Boys song. So yes. I okay. Then that's I, it. Then yeah, I haven't gotten there I, yet. I binged it all, so it's like I, <laughs> I'm getting lost in the details of what happens. Where Ansel Elgort is so good in this, absolute Tupperware, good. and like the like. Like his and, and so is uh, what's her name Rachel Keller. Like the, they are they're doing it. They're killing it as far as like um, they're the way they're talking uh, Japanese in this is just like they sound so good, like so natural. Like compared to um, you know, I watch I watch a ton of anime and they sound like they're fucking like they they sound like they're legit speaking Japanese like in the correct like the way it should be spoken. And maybe I'm not the best person to ask about that, but they're selling me on it. Um, I love the scene, Joe, where it's like I think it's in episode three, and it's Ken Watanabe, the detective, and he is going to arrest one of the one of the guys in the gang. Um, because of uh, uh, the shooting and he arrests the guy that owned the gun and he said there were two bullets and those were owned by two different guys. So he's taking in two more men. Do you remember? Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. yep. I just i seen in that bar. I just thought it was so tense and it's like, oh, my I was like, that's <laughs> that's fucking badass. I was like this. I love this show. I think it's fucking phenomenal. Um, I love the way it's directed. It feels, I feel like this is like, I don't need, um, true detective season four when I got this. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm all about Tokyo Vice. I can't wait. I I can't wait to watch more episodes of this. So yeah. Um, Kevin, have you binged all of it too? Yeah, I'm right there with uh, with Joe. I've watched all seven episodes so far. Um, this is a complete Tupperware from front to back. Um, everything about this is, is, in my opinion, great. I mean, excellent, well done. Um, I, I have absolutely nothing negative to say about this entire series so far. I know that I think there's only eight total episodes there's, I mean, one more left. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is something that I mean, you can't really, at least for me, I can't really put this on in the background and just and kind of half watch it. I mean, they're speaking Japanese, they're speaking English, they're subtitles. You got to pay attention to what's going on, or you're going to lose a lot. Yeah. Um, but it is fantastic from front to back. It's it's a good look into, um, as you'd already said regarding 
kind of the the journalism aspect of it of what can be printed, what can't be printed. Um, I considering some of these, these crimes that occur, murder, suicide, I mean, things like that, what can be printed about those. Um, and it just, I didn't, I had no idea either that this was based on a true story. Right. Had absolutely. No Did you idea. just figure that out now? Yes. I just figured that out. Now I hadn't looked up any information about it. I jumped into it, watched all seven episodes. Um, and now that first time I'm hearing about this being a true story is when you just said it. Isn't that wild, dude? Um, and it, it makes it even it makes me want to go seek. I want to seek out that book or whatever <laughs> and read that thing and see how much of what made it into the series right. is actually in the book or, or how much was left out. Yeah. Um, but everybody has done a great job in this. Ansel Elgort, Ken Watanabe. Oh, my God. Keller. Rinko Kikuchi has come a long way from Pacific Rim. I mean, she's fantastic in this. Yes. I mean, I love um, uh, of Sato's characters already been talked about, but yeah. just his progression throughout this entire series. Um, it is this. I can't say anything negative. Like I said, it's all positive. Um, this is one that I would love to see other series in this sort of same vein. This kind of like you had said, true detective type stuff. Um, uh, but I would, I, I would love to see other series similar to this. I mean, obviously with this being based off a true story. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, this is everything that I love in a series. So, um, I want more. I can't wait for that last episode. Um, uh, the theme music in this is really catchy as well. It gets me at the very beginning, the beginning credits. It sucks me in. Um, and other than that, um, I love the I, two reporters that he fucking works with. His two buddies that he goes out drinking oh, with. Oh yes, yes. I love those guys. I love the way they fucking bust each other's balls and shit. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so fu- Jake. What did? Uh, oh, and I was shocked when I saw Michael Mann directed the first episode. I was oh, like, yeah. nice to see uh, a seasoned director like that come in and kind of set the tone for this. Jake, what did you think about Tokyo Vice? Uh, I watched the first two episodes. I, I wasn't anywhere near as high as it on it as you guys. Um, I thought the story was really fascinating. Uh, I think it did say it was based on a true story at the beginning because somehow I I knew that information right away. Um, the story was was interesting. I I don't know. I did not care for answer Ansel Elgort's performance very much in this. I thought mostly he just had like a confused duh look on his face for like 80% of this. And he really took me out of this. I I was kind of surprised to hear you guys praising his performance so much. Uh, It was really weird for me Mm -hmm. because like his charisma and on-screen presence is like, you know, more than half of why I love baby driver so much, but I don't know. It was just too much fish out of water here. And he just kind of dragged the whole thing down for me. I, I didn't really have any desire to watch anything past the first two episodes. I think like a lot of that is because of, I mean, I, him working in a, working in a, at a Japanese newspaper is not kind of like what he expected. I don't think it's what any of them expected really, but it's almost like, you know, when Harry Potter goes to Hogwarts, he hasn't been living around the wizarding world. This is like, I think, I think even the guys that 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 the two reporters that he works with, they didn't realize it was going to be this hard. But at least they're from Japan. At least they know kind of like what a business place is like in Japan and what to kind of expect. This is definitely fish out of water. But I do like his performance as far as like 
him interacting with those guys, his con he's very he's like tenacious when it comes to like finding out the real story. And I love seeing him interact with the one detective that was fucking leading him on and just using him. And then he figures out, like, I'm not going to get any information out of this guy. He's conning me. And so he moves on to Ken Watanabe's character. I think Ansel Elgort's killing it. Yeah, I think I think I'm just being a bit of a curmudgeon with this one. I don't know. Like, I it just I, I found it kind of tedious. I mean, that's just me, though. This is a yeah. I I think you know three of us like it. I think you know some people are going to watch this. Maybe you'll you'll get bored by it. For me, it's just it's compelling. It's super compelling, and because I've ne- we've seen what it's like for these dramas and shows like this in an American newspaper. This is the first time I've ever seen anything with an American working at a Japanese newspaper and how different it is and how much of a control, like what a stronghold uh, these two rival gangs have on the real news being reported. Like it's, it's crazy. Uh, Like the, the whole no murders in Japan thing. I was just like, what in the fuck? It I'm I love this show. It's absolute Tupperware. Hey Jake, how how many episodes did you say you had seen? I watched the first two. Don't I tell him it gets it, better by three. Knock it off, Kevin. I, I, don't fucking I, I, don't do it. Say, it's not for it. him. It's say. not for him, Kevin. Let's accept that. <laughs> it's Jake is not gonna like this show. I can't accept that. That's, don't just don't know. I'm, I'm getting say, so sick of the fucking. Well, what, watch episode. Wait until you get to episode three. No, Jake doesn't like the show. <laughs> Jake, Jake is not in on the club. All right, it's me, yeah, you, I, and Joe. Don't watch it. Don't. I, I kind of already went up. through that with after the first episode. I was like, eh, let me watch the second episode. Maybe you know, it's first episode blues and. I'll really enjoy it after seeing one more. And I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I it's not for Jake. This show is I'm not for wrong. Jake. I'm wrong. Don't <laughs> it's just, watch it. It's not for him. No, it's, here's what's going to happen. In the corner. Listen, Kevin. No, no, I'm not trying to get Kevin. I'm trying to, I'm trying to spare you, Kevin, because you're going to have him watch episode three. If we push this hard enough, he'll watch episode three. And I'm telling you right now, Kevin, he's going to come back and he's going to say, eh, I didn't care for episode three either. He'll give you a little bit. He'll be like, ah, it was a little bit better. But he's not going to give you the full, like, you know, fucking like, oh, I loved it. I've turned around on the show. I'm going to continue to watch this one. I'm trying to save you, Kevin. I got you. (laughs) Yep, yep. I got you. I understand. I understand. And, Jake, we still love you, even though you don't love this amazing fucking show. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not offended. I'm not offended. I I, I was surprised at how much praise you guys were heaping onto this, though. I just like, wow, I... Different strokes, it's I guess. Different strokes, man. This is totally right up my alley, and I love this show. I think this um, was my favorite non-movie, um, uh, theater movie that we watched this week. There you go, man. Yeah, I, I think it's incredible too. I think it's incredible. I don't need True Detective season four. I, I'm here for Tokyo Vice. Keep giving me stuff like this. This is this is another reason why HBO Max is so much better than Netflix right now. Oh, yeah. Well, just so much of HBO Max is high quality. Yeah. Whereas Netflix is Netflix doesn't even want to fucking finish the good stuff they do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be so like, I'm not going to be not mad anytime soon about Archive 81. Right. Bastards. That I know. That pissed me off. That 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 podcast is great. And that series was even better, I thought. Yeah. And and yeah, that made me mad, too. Yeah, me too. I'm still mad about Glow. 
Santa Clarita Diet. That's another one. I, I enjoyed the first season of that one. I never watched the second season because I heard it got canceled. So I was just like, okay. All right, what's the, <laughs> fuck it. What's the point? Oh, Drew Barrymore was on. There's a new podcast I'm listening to. And I talked about it on our last Patreon episode. It's called Fly on the Wall. I have no problem talking about another podcast. Go ahead and listen to another one. I don't give a shit. It's uh, Fly on the Wall. It's David Spade and Dana Carvey, and they talk to SNL alumni or hosts of SNL about their experience on SNL. And they had Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore on their most recent episode, and she is just a lovely fucking human being. Oh, what a great episode. It's called Fly on the Wall, David Spade, Dana Carvey. Give it a listen. Um, fucking fantastic podcast. The first episode, I've listened to the Chris Rock episode, the Tim Meadows episode, the Bill Hader episode, and the most recent Drew Barrymore episode. And there's a bunch of other ones I'm going to get back to, but really, really good Really good podcast, so check that out. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It's really good. Drew Barrymore is so – she's so well-fucking-spoken when it comes to just, like, her, like the thoughts that she has in her fucking head and then just putting them into words that, like, you're just like, oh, my God, I've never heard it put that way. She was talking, like, what comedians mean to her, and I was just like, I've never heard anybody put it in that in that kind of – fucking light that she just did she is so fucking smart and fucking talented oh they're talking about ah I, I get back to good pop bad pop i could talk about i just i love <laughs> that, that sounds great i just subscribed already i i love drew barrymore she was so good in that and i i think like dana and david were just letting her go because she's just you just want to hear what she has to say she's really Oh, she's really great. Um, choose or die on Netflix. We went from uh, we went from Tokyo Vice on HBO Max to choose or die on Netflix. Um, let me just uh, fuck it. Get it. I'm gonna. I'll read the synopsis. This hence, this fu- hence what Joe just said. Just take keep that in mind. Yeah, I believe I believe it was Joe that just said something about HBO Max. Or I said like or HBO Max you? is killing just it. Take that. Take that before you say anything about this. Just remember that. This fucking sucked. Um, <laughs> this fucking choose or die. I choose if it's if it's if it's watch or die. I would rather w- die than watch this again. It is that uh, a broke student who plays an obscure 1980s survival computer game in pursuit of an unclaimed one hundred thousand dollar prize. After a series of unexpectedly terrifying moments, she soon realizes she's no longer playing for money. But for her own life, uh, oh. it's a horror thriller film directed by Toby Meekins in his feature directorial debut. It stars Asa Butterfield, Iola Evans, uh, great character actor Eddie Marson, and uh, horror legend Robert England uh, voices a character in this. Asa Butterfield, you know, at one time, this young actor was in the running to play Spider-Man. Uh, Tom Holland, of course, we know, got the role. And what happens to your career... When you're not Spider-Man, you get cast in the Netflix Choose or Die movie. Uh, this is, I thought, that like it had potential. It does not fucking deliver at all. Um, you've got this guy, uh, Eddie Marsden plays this guy, Hal, who's... Um, He's like he's a collector of all these old video games. And he receives this copy of this uh, game called Cursor. And uh, he starts to play it, 
and you start to realize when you're playing this game and it asks you questions, the game starts interacting with him and he has to choose, um, you know, what is it like cut off her, cut off her, cut off your wife's arm or cut out his tongue. And the next thing you know, like he chooses his tongue and his son's tongue, his wife cut out his son's son's tongue or something, some shit like that. So like the choices that you make in the game affect real life. And so horror can be inflicted upon those that you know or love in your own life when you play this game. So the game becomes real. And um, yeah, Asa Butterfield plays. There's so we got this college student, Kayla, played by Iola Evans and her friend Isaac, played by Asa Butterfield. And they she starts to play this game, too. And I don't know, man, it just I <laughs> I just fucking I thought this movie was was shit. I think it has like a cool kind of concept, but I don't think it delivers. And I, I toss this. Um Joe. Yeah, this was also a toss it for me. Uh, I was rolling my eyes so hard throughout most of it. I feel like the the little trailer that Netflix put together, which, you know, Netflix doesn't even really do trailers so much as they just kind of show you a scene. Yeah. And so it, it showed that scene in the diner. And it was like, that was one of the best ones after yes. watching the whole movie. And so I was like, what a waste yeah. of throwing that in your trailer. Um, I guess one positive I could say about this is I, I watched it on my phone with uh, my beats on and the sound mixing on it was really good. Um, but, but that was like the only, I mean, and that's not even that much of a silver lining <laughs> because the plot for this was just, it was, it was really bad. I, I, I do think it was a, a, a cool idea in there somewhere, but yeah, they just, they really didn't pull it off with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Jake. Choose or die. Choose or die. Yeah, I, I I choose die after watching this movie. Like, I was jealous of the character that slammed his head into a bunch of drug needles. I was like, that's this movie made me want to do the same thing. I much like we said about Night's End. Like, maybe this would have worked better as like a thirty minute episode of like Outer Limits or you know Tales from the Dark Side or whatever. But oh man, even at like less than ninety minutes, this movie just dragged on for fucking ever. And uh, the final confrontation was so fucking dumb. Yeah, this was absolutely terrible. Um, The character development was so fucking dumb. The deaths were all meaningless. And um, yeah, I mean, Brian, you can admit to all the listeners that I'm the one that turned you on to run DMC, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, fucking so bad that Robert England didn't even want to show his face in this movie. So, um. oh man, and I, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of like the like the saw gimmick where it's like just show the grossest, most fucked up thing possible, and that's your movie. But that was definitely the premise of this movie. Like, it's like got this kind of like Final Destination slash Saw. Like, you expect to see these choices make for some crazy death scenes, and I just. But all of that was so fucking weak sauce. Like there was not one interesting death scene whatsoever. Like the waitress chewing the glass and uh, yeah, it was all just so boring and not well thought out and just completely uninspired. Yeah. What'd you think, Kevin? Oh, okay. Uh, Joe listed a positive. So I'll list a positive too. Um, I never have to watch this movie again. 
<laughs> the I when when I first saw that we were watching this, I thought, cool. I mean, it was going to be something like an R.L. Stein Haunting Hour or a fierce the Fear Street tr- trilogy that they recently just did or recently did. Um, but no, we didn't get that. Uh, uh, Choose or Die is one of the dullest and stupidest horror films I've seen in quite a while. Um, I mean, yeah, this is the 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 quintessential toss right into the trash. I mean, it's it, it's it's not really effective as a horror movie or a thriller or really anything else other than just had a couple of jump scares. Um, and the only thing I honestly, the only other thing I have to say is I hope this director never makes another film (laughs) because I, I did not have, this is a movie you should have some fun in this sort of movie. It's a video game that comes to life. And now you're having to make these choose or die type of, I mean, choices. And, uh, it was just terrible all over and I hate I mean I really do hate being so negative about something but this was it was terrible if you try to find the nice positives sometimes then you're going to trick somebody into watching this pile of shit so I just would like to be (laughs) I prefer to be brutally honest um, instead of fucking trying to sugarcoat shit just to sound nice that I didn't hate everything about it just so I can spare somebody from watching this pile of dog shit I mean, the only other thing I'd say is, I mean, did they get like Robert England on a cameo or something? He didn't show his face, obviously. Yeah. He, he was in the movie in just these like limited, uh, a couple of different lines that could have been just recorded in something. And I, I, I mean, they could have at least got him to show up at least one time. And the one time they reference, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street, they don't even reference it by name. Did they? Could they not even afford the name to reference the name? Nightmare oh, you can. I, I, don't, I don't think you have to pay for names and stuff like that I mean, when it comes didn't to. Why did they? You reference the whole calling her a bitch or whatever, like Freddie does. I mean, why didn't they even just reference the actual Nightmare on Elm Street? You I mean, I, here's the thing. I like I've thought about that. Like you know, like uh, we had our whole discussion when we were when um, we reviewed uh, Eternals and how they brought up like DC characters and stuff like that. Marvel doesn't have to pay to do that kind of stuff because like I, I thought about it and I was like, the movie Clerks, Kevin Smith made that for thirty thousand dollars and they referenced Star Wars the entire fucking movie. Do you think Kevin Smith paid anything? to fucking reference star wars no. fuck no so you can reference things in pop culture there's no reason they should be able to not say nightmare on elm street in their movie so why didn't they say it here i mean it's just terrible because it, yeah it's a terrible it's a terrible terribly written movie and it's a yeah a hundred percent robert england played himself right so yeah the, no he Yes, he did play himself. Yeah, he did play yeah. It was himself. Yes. Yeah. So, like, the end to actually have him in the movie was very apparent. Like, you would think, okay, Robert England is involved with this thing that's killing my friends and family. Let's go track him down and ask him what information he knows. Like, there was many plot reasons why you could have like got Robert England in this movie somehow. Ah, uh, yeah, saving it, it for choose or die too. Choose or die, too. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I actually thought this movie looked quite fun just based on description and title alone. Like, I was a big fan of these, like, text-based games when I was oh, yeah, a young too. kid. And so just seeing a horror movie revolve around them, I'm not going to lie. I was 
very intrigued and kind of excited to see this movie. And I, I think that kind of leans towards my toss it. Like if you get me excited based on a premise and then something is this bad, like, I don't know. It, it, it was really mean. Yeah. It could have been so good. Let's uh, talk about uh, the new comedy on Peacock on the cock. Uh, killing it. <laughs> Uh, in this rags to riches sitcom about class and capitalism, Craig Foster is a bank security guard living in a Mi- living in Miami and struggling to make ends meet. He and his ex-wife Camille uneasily co-parent their preteen daughter Vanessa. Craig has grand plans to become an entrepreneur, but no way of getting his ideas off the ground. But a chance encounter with Jillian, a down on her luck driver for a ride hailing service introduces him to the wild world of state-sponsored python hunting. He decides to go all in to make his American dream come true, and it comes from uh, the people that brought you Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it stars Craig Robinson uh, as Craig, uh, Claudia O'Darity as Jillian G., Rel Battle as Isaiah, Scott MacArthur plays Brock. I love this guy. He was also in The Mick, and I loved him in The Mick. And... Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to start off killing it. Craig Robinson, I'm through four episodes right now. Um, Tim Heidecker jumps into this series, I think. I think of the th- third episode, second or third. Um, I, this ha- th- I think this is, f- I love this fucking show. I think it's funny. Comedy's subjective, so it'll be interesting to hear what you guys thought, but I fucking love this show i think it is so funny like there's a scene where they're driving around him and his daughter and an iguana falls on the car (laughs) and he's he doesn't want to get out and touch this iguana and so he turns on the wipers and the wipers are just like smacking the iguana's (laughs) face all over all over the fucking um, windshield and I'm just dying. This fucking Jillian G, this Uber driver that he gets involved with, she is fucking hilarious. Um, I am the old man, the old man Silas. There's a scene where she nicknames him Pops and he dies and she's yells about how she's touching a corpse's dick and i was just <laughs> i i think it's funny i love it tim heidecker's fucking great in it um i i can't get it i i i've got to watch this show i'm i don't i can't remember how many episodes are out but i've watched four and i fucking love it and it's an absolute tupperware um joe what did you think yeah i've, I've watched the first three and i absolutely love it too um <laughs> <clears throat> this show is so funny. Uh, <laughs> like, Dude, when Craig, Craig Robinson gets kicked out of his apartment for yes. renting it, he, he's renting his apartment out for other people. He gets kicked out because those people that were renting it out were filming porn in it. And so he starts living in a gym. He's talking to his daughter over fucking yeah. – he's talking to his fucking daughter over video call on his phone and in front of him at the gym there's a, there's this old like fucking 60 70 year old guy dropped all his change on the floor and this guy's naked as shit this old man just fucking reaching around for quarters and pennies and nickels while his fucking old man dick is just flopping all over the place <laughs> and Craig Robinson's talking to his daughter on the phone they show his old man dick and everything his crusty old man dick and i'm laughing my ass off like this is so fucked up 
Because at first he's just bent over, so you're just seeing his ass. Yes. And you can see his balls hanging down. You're like, what the fuck? And then he like goes down to his side and then rolls over onto his back. So you're seeing everything full frontal. It's like, what the fuck is happening? I mean, this show takes big swings with yeah. raunchy comedy. Um, yeah, it was a Tupperware for me, too. I loved it. I went into the first episode being very skeptical, especially with the way it opens, you know, with what feels like a fourth wall break and everything. But... Man, by by the end of the first episode, it had its hooks set into me where I was like, I have to watch another one now knowing what this is going to be. And then with the shit that happens in the second one, where he goes off by himself to try and hunt these snakes. Oh, God. And, and how wrong it goes. <laughs> he fucking tries to kill a snake. He, you got a nail gun and you're supposed to just fucking nail him in the fucking head and like kill their like like through their brain or whatever and kill and he fucking nails this fucking python to his hand and he's got a fucking python hanging off his hand it's like a fucking eight foot ten eight to ten foot python hanging off his hand oh my god and then they call a fucking ambulance he calls an ambulance to come out there and jillian g says that's gonna be fifteen hundred dollars so she he, he tries to hide the python behind his back so he doesn't get charged for it i'm i i'm telling you i'm going fucking nuts for this show i'm sucking this show's dick and i guarantee you i'm gonna ask jake and jake didn't like it jake tell me how you didn't like this show I, I like this show quite a lot. What the fuck? Okay, good. okay, all right. I watched the first three episodes. Um, yeah. I agree with Joe. I had a little bit of a recoil at the first, like, two, three minutes of the first episode. Like, the kind of weird fourth wall kimono talk. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this show. But then, yeah, it just really kind of lit my world up from that moment on. I thought as soon as they introduced Jillian, that character was absolutely hilarious. I thought... Craig Robinson was firing in all cylinders. And this show had a weird effect on me where I, I kept forgetting that it could be R-rated. And so every time the comedy went R-rated, it was extra funny to me because I'd kind of let my guard down that anything like that could even happen. So, like, it was just extra fucking funny. Like, it's not raunchy all the time. And so when it is, it's it's a little bit of that kind of shot comedy. Like, I think the first time you see it is when he goes into his uh, place and he finds out that they're <laughs> filming the porn in there. And I was just dying of laughter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought this was this was really fucking good. Um, just another standout uh, half an hour comedy show on Peacock. I, I, Peacock has a lot of good stuff going on with the uh half an hour comedy format i think right this now. show puts the cock in peacock dude i'm not yeah, oh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> yes yes oh kevin are you gonna be the fucking weird one that didn't like this um yeah god damn it so i knew sorry. there's gotta be I'm one sorry. of you motherfuckers that's I gonna apologize Every fucking we can't. I have we agreed on anything this entire other than the fucking shit storm that was Night's End and Choose or Die. We just can't seem to all fucking. Oh my god! All right, yeah, Kevin, this, talk to me. I, I I watched one episode. Oh, that's your problem. I, see, and I, now hearing all of this, um, what has been said so far about it, I think that was the issue because after one episode. Um, I was like, I just didn't find it extremely funny. I didn't really think there was a lot there. I don't I mean, I'll preface this with saying that I really don't like a lot of Craig Robinson's humor anyways, his comedy, for whatever reasons. I don't know why. I just have never found him very funny. But um, 
I I said I don't see myself going back to see this. I would I would toss it after one episode, but after hearing you guys talk about this, no. I'm still going to list it as a toss it. If no. you toss the first episode, you won't like. You're done. Further. You're out. Well, I hear about the specific use of that nail gun, and that does sound funny. You're out, Kevin. The show is not uh, for you. No. Okay. This is <laughs> no. This is yeah. Okay. I'm. I, <laughs> I probably wouldn't go back and watch this anyways. If I no, I, um, honestly, I would say give the second episode a shot. If you don't like the second episode, you just don't know what's fucking funny, Kevin. And there's something wrong with you. True. That's probably true. <laughs> I've been told that before. <laughs> uh, but no, but I, I, I will go back and watch the second episode, but I still don't think I'll, I mean... I still don't think I'll like it, but I will watch it's, it. Yeah, it's cool. And, it's wild, man. It's it's crazy. Comedy is like one. It, comedy is super. I know. It is so weird. It is weird. So subjective. Like I, that. I was blown away to find out that you know Mr. Joe Stark is not a fan of cringe comedy, and like, man, I love I love some cringe comedy sometimes. <laughs> it makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, <I love> like <laughs> if you watch Hello Ladies, it's got cringe comedy, and I'm talking. I'm not talking gross stuff. I'm just talking like. Like oh my, it's it's kind of like on the level of like a curb your enthusiasm, but see I love curb, I yeah. love that sort of humor. <clears throat> yeah, I love curb, but I have a hard time sometimes watching people like embarrass themselves. Okay, but like I like I'm I, like I'm feeling that, and it's like oh, it makes me squirm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, That's funny. You've listened to me on most of these episodes. I've done that since I've done that since day one of PCL. <laughs> I love this. I love this show. This show is so fucking funny. Killing it. It's called Killing It. It's on Peacock. Highly recommend it. Craig Robinson's fucking hilarious. I love Jillian G. She's funny too. She was in a bunch of shit, man. She was in um, uh, Trainwreck with Amy Schumer. Um, she's done some a bunch of comedies. I just don't. She must have just been like a very small part in those, and I don't remember her all that well. Now I cannot forget her. She's so funny. Um, is she really Australian? I would, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Northman. Uh, Can we break? Oh, here, there he is. There's my guy. There's, oh, yes. there's my Jake. <laughs> How many cups of coffee, Jake? I'll enlighten us. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Fucking old school. are so fresh. Snap! All right. Uh, we are back. Jake had his pee-pee break, and we are good to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Fresh back from Jake's pee-pee break. Um, I'm going to continue to reference the pee-pee. I'm going to keep referencing pee-pee break. Yes. Uh, anyway. Um Oh yeah, I wanted. To, I forgot to share this at the, at the top of, uh, of the episode. A little bit of a redemption story here, gentlemen. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, told the story about how I'm on my way to the theater to see Sonic the Hedgehog, and I hit a squirrel. A little bit of redemption this week, guys. I was driving down my street on Tuesday and going at a, you know a, like you know twenty twenty five miles per hour, and I had a squirrel run out in front of my car, and I had enough time to slow down. And not run over the squirrel. And I was like, that is redemption. Redemption for, like, you know, what I felt really bad for doing a couple weeks prior. So, yeah. 
a life lost, a life saved. A life saved. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You're like a squirrel god. I know. <laughs> I, you decide their fates. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you act like I'm barreling down the road like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, just choosing, <laughs> choosing which fucking squirrels to kill on which day. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't go out of my way looking for squirrels to kill. It just like, you know, and it's not like an opportunity presents itself for me to choose. So I would not consider myself a squirrel god. Um, but uh, yeah, you're so humble. <laughs> no, no, just <laughs> just a just a, just driving a car, Jake. Um, just a man <laughs> driving a car. Um, the Northman. Yeah, this dropped in theaters. Uh, Prince Amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle, who kidnaps the boy's mother. Two decades later, Amleth is now a Viking who raids Slavic villages. He soon meets a seeress, a seeress, who reminds him of his vow: save his mother, kill his uncle, avenge his father. It's directed by Robert Eggers, uh, co-written by Eggers and Sion. And Robert Eggers, he did The Witch, and he did the, the Lighthouse, and I know, everybody fucking loves these movies. I, I am out on this guy, man. Like, I, the Lighthouse can fuck right off. I, can, I did not like that movie, and I, it's just too fucking quirky and weird, and I didn't get it. Everybody fucking loved it, though. Everybody fucking walked out of that goddamn thing loving sucking the dick of that fucking movie. And I didn't like it. And what about so, the witch, the witch, I wasn't a fan. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. A, I'm just not a like. You know, the two previous installments for Robert Eggers, they're not my thing at all. Not my thing at all. Um, and I, I, I'm sure some people think the cinematography is beautiful, and I think it's boring as shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's boring as shit. This film stars uh, Alexander, Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, uh, Clace Bang. Is that, is that how you pronounce his name? Clace Bang? That's what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. It, sounds like a, it sounds like a porn name, or it sounds like, uh, <laughs> it sounds like a new flavor of an energy drink. I don't know. Um, Anya Ta- those Bang drinks, people. Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, Bjork, and Willem Dafoe. And... Uh, I will say that this is uh, definitely this director's most commercial attempt at a film. Um, I, uh, I'll give this one a high tasted. I liked it enough. Uh, I do think that it's... Uh, man, I was expecting a lot more battles and action and... Stuff like that, but I maybe I shouldn't with this guy. This is just this ain't the guy. Uh, what we got was cool. I liked it. I I was I, I had like a complaint as I was watching the movie. Like, man, this this character should be a little bit more menacing. Why is why is this person not as I don't know? And then and then as the movie progressed and I learned more about it, I was like, okay, that's this makes sense. This is it's actually that's that's interesting. Okay. Um, it's a high taste that I just think like, you know, some of the, some of the visual stuff with like the, I think some of the, I, some of the fucking 
artsy bullshit with like the tree and all that crap and the visions can fuck right off in this. I, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I just wasn't the biggest fan of that kind of crap. And I think like I was, I was expecting to see like more of more battles and stuff like that. And I didn't get it, but overall I still liked this movie. Maybe I'll watch it again. But it's a high tasted. I enjoyed it enough. I I enjoyed this way more than actually I thought I was gonna like this one a lot more than than I thought. But I always had it in the back of my brain that e, Brian, you don't like this director. So and I know some people love this motherfucker. So I'll give it a high taste. What did you guys think of the Northman uh Jake? Yeah, I do love this director. Um but that being said, this is probably my least favorite of his movies. Um, it's still a very high taste. It. Um, I really love the cinematography. I love any movie that does these really like bold, long takes without doing any cuts. I thought the performances were very strong. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I thought the plot was a little bit lacking. It was just kind of a paint by numbers Hamlet remake. You know, it's the same plot as The Lion King, basically. Um, but that being said, it was definitely elevated by its look, its style, its acting. Um, I probably don't ever need to see this movie again, but I, I, I sure had a good enough time while watching it the first time. And uh, yeah, it was awesome seeing uh, one of my favorite human beings, Bjork, on the on the big screen again. I thought she really did a great job with her performance, and I I read that she had a lot of input on her own costume design, and you could you could definitely see that too. She looked like right off of one of her album covers in that costume. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this was my least favorite Eggers movie, but I, I thought it was still quite good. I agree that it was his uh, most commercial attempt at a movie. Um, you know. I, I kind of hope that trend doesn't continue. I, I want to want to go uh, back to kind of the fuck that the wacky artsy shit. Fuck that wacky artsy shit from this guy. Fucking if if he goes back to that shit, I ain't watching. This is like the most. This is the most from him I could ever fucking stomach. That fucking lighthouse movie so fucking goddamn weird. I don't know. I, lo- I love the lighting in this movie too. Like when it was nighttime, it almost like you almost thought the movie was black and white until you saw like some fire or some blood. And I, I thought that effect was, was really stark and really cool. Yeah. Joe. Yeah. I was really stoked to see this movie. I remember the first time I saw an ad for it and saw Alexander Skarsgård stalking through that village, carrying a sword and an ax. I was like, fucking sign me up. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I went into this really, really excited, and um, it's I, – I really, really loved the movie, and I'm totally on board with you guys. This was a high taste it for me as well. Um, mostly it was because I feel like I'm in – when I watch this movie again, when it's out on home release, I'm going to watch it with captioning on because I don't know if it was just the sound mixing in the theater I was in or if it was just me having a very hard time – you know, with the accents that they were putting on. But man, I had a hard time picking up a hundred percent of the dialogue that was said. It was like, I'd pick up like keywords in some of the sentences. And I, I walked away from this movie really wishing that they would have gone like really gone for it and done the entire movie. in like the old Norse, whatever language they were speaking. And then had the whole thing be subtitles, you know, kind of like a la, you know, apocalypto. Or, or whatever, you know, where where you really were Im- immersed in this period piece to where you had to read the subtitles the whole time. Um, uh, the the plot, yeah, it is totally, totally a Hamlet knockoff, uh, all the way to the point where the main character's name, Amleth, is an it's it's an anagram 
of uh, oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's really right on the money for a Hamlet story. Um, I loved all the performances in this, though. Alexander Skarsgård, man, he got fucking yoked to play this role. Like he was so mm-hmm. huge. Um, I've been a huge fan of his ever. I think the first time I ever saw him was in True Blood. Me too, dude. Fucking yeah, and so I've just been a huge fan of his like yeah. ever since. I I, <laughs> I just. I, I I love the guy in almost everything he does. I think he's got a lot of range, and man, he played like a Viking berserker so well in this, like so menacing. Um, they did a really good job of like immersing you in that. In man, as fascinating as it is to see, like what a brutal, what a brutal period of time in just the way that human beings treated one another. And I mean, wow, just absolutely fucked up time to be alive and it, i was sitting in the theater like being so thankful <laughs> like, I was born in the time and place that i was because right. it's like damn these people these people are living fucking hard in the way that you know he's raised from a boy to be like you know it's time for you to be a man that means you need to be a beast and like fucking doing like a mushroom trip with like with his dad and like on this fucking vision quest and shit like the artsy stuff in this, like, it didn't take me out. This is also the first Eggers movie I've I've seen. I, I wanted to see The Lighthouse. I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. And I've never seen The Witch either. Um, but I really liked this. I, I liked everything they were doing in it. Those costumes were great. Bjork's character and her costume was fucking incredible. Um, I loved all the stuff with the magic in this. And I, I really like it when, when shows like this do magic to where it, it leaves you be, hanging like, is this just in these people's heads? Is this really happening? Um, you know, kind of leave it a little bit open-ended, a little bit to interpretation. Uh, I loved all the the kind of the lore and stuff surrounding the sword that he ends up finding and using. Um, the The end of this movie was, was I, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, damn, what, what a climactic, climatic ending. You know, like <clears throat> very, very end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> I thought the like same thing too. I thought of Revenge of the Sith too. Right? I was like, like battling by a volcano and then doing it at night though, and the way that it was lit and everything, it was just fucking wild. I'm glad nobody I'm had the high ground, like, is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching it thinking, God damn, they're like dueling back and forth around all these like trails of lava going through them. They look like they're fucking barefoot. Like, wow. Just, I don't know. Th- this movie was wild. It was an absolute ride for me, but, it, but I could. You know, at the end of the day, I didn't catch all the fucking dialogue. And so I, I, I had to kind of give it a mark for that. Then. I honestly feel like like there were times where I couldn't understand what Alexander Skarsgård was saying because he was mumbling. It felt like maybe the theater you were in, like the center channel speaker sounds like it was really fucking off. So that's yeah. I was talking I, with some Brian. other moviegoers when we were walking out. And that was this other dude's theory. He's like, I think the sound was fucked up in this. He's like, I even noticed it in the trailers that some of the dialogue was hard to hear. Yeah. Um, there's a, I'm not spoiling anything, but there's a, there, I saw this at AMC. And so it was like wild to see Nicole Kidman talking about AMC and then going into a Nicole <laughs> Kidman movie. And I kept thinking like, they should change that scene where she says heartbreak feels good in a place like this to that scene of the other character dragging her on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line in the Nicole Kidman prop too. I just want to see them take a scene out of this movie and throw it in that fucking, 
in that fucking little intro clip. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Kevin, what do you think about uh, the Northman? Okay, um, I'm gonna Tupperware this. Um, I absolutely loved it. I'm I am a big fan of the Witch and the Lighthouse both. Um, I'm probably a bigger fan of the Witch, um, but this one is. To me, it's one of the most fascinating and, and kind of stunning epics sh- that I've seen on the screen. Um, it's a very odd movie, of course, but it is pretty intense. Um, like other people, like you have already said, I mean, I was expecting more fighting to go, like battles and, and some fights and things. Um, and some parts of it actually felt like a video game to me. Um, you had this dude sneaking around doing shit at night with a sword and. Um, it, it felt very, very video game esque to me in some parts, but um, yeah, I do Tupperware this. I loved everything. Alexander Skarsgård is perfection in this movie. Um, I've always loved him. I've uh, named my gave my kid middle name after him, uh, Alexander. Um, it, I, I love the guy. He got huge in this for this movie though. Yeah. I and mean, those traps <clears throat> are deadly. Damn. Um, but. Uh, I mean, people keep saying it's a Hamlet knockoff. It it is because Hamlet was directly inspired by the story of Amleth, if you look into it. There's other stories that it was inspired by, but Shakespeare was inspired by the story of Amleth, the legend of Amleth, to write Hamlet. So interesting. It's really the other way around. He was the one clever with the pen. (laughs) Yes. So... (laughs) Um, it's just one of those stories that where Shakespeare uses inspiration. Um, so um, it's really um, the other way. Um, but I absolutely love this. I'm, I'm weirdo when it comes to these movies, though, I think sometimes. Um, it reminded me of like an epic, like the weirdness of the epic of, I mean, if we saw um, The Green Knight from earlier, I think it was this last year. Um, I'm not sure where people fell on that movie. I fucking hated that one, too. See, exactly. I think if you hate that movie, you're going to hate this movie, I would think. But it's not necessarily the case. Um, I love The Green Knight. I love this movie. I love these sort of weird, artsy type. um, You have all this strange stuff going on on the screen. You got to, I mean, you got to think about it a little bit afterwards. And it makes me want to go see the movie again to see what shit I missed um, because there was a heck of a lot going on in some of these scenes that I probably didn't pick up on. Um, and like, and Joe had said like kind of the, 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 the weird, uh, drug trip that they have to take after using whatever they were using. I mean, and it, I just loved the movie overall. I mean, uh, cinematography wise, acting wise, I do wish though. The one negative is that, I wish there was a little bit more fighting in this, but what we got was pretty brutal. Um, and then the only other knock I'll say on this movie is is in some of the social media um, uh, posts about it. Uh, like on Facebook, you have the actual like Northman verified account Facebook page that's tweeting the or not tweeting, but that's uh, putting out their little uh, ads for it. Uh, and one of the ads I saw earlier today. It it defined the Northman as this generation's gladiator. What? <clears throat> I was like, what the fuck? What what in the hell? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I mean, so uh, I, I think needs- what I I think it's like you know, guy was 
supposed to be king and glad he he wasn't a king but he was under the king but he becomes a slave and he becomes a slave in this so i guess if you're you know what i mean i mean i see it but <clears throat> man i two completely different movies yeah what did you guys think about the sport that they played i i like that scene the sport that was, that was wild <laughs> yeah it that was, was crazy. wild it was like death Brutal. cricket or something <laughs> like what the fuck was going on there Death cricket, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was like it had it had slight Quidditch vibes to it too, right? With the poles and everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking like huge paddles and a ball. I was thinking like death cricket. So <laughs> I think you could give me thirty shots and I wouldn't be able to whack a ball and hit a pole. <laughs> yeah, that was impressive. That's a skill that yeah, I don't think too many people have. Yeah, uh, I loved the prop of um, what happens to William Defoe's head. Like, if I was oh, William yeah. Defoe, I would want to <laughs> keep that thing. It, it looks so eerily like William Defoe. It was amazing. Yeah, you've got you've got to ask for that. I mean, if you're Defoe, you've got to ask for that. <laughs> yeah. And I would think they would give it to him. I mean, he's good enough <laughs> stature. I mean, he should he should be able to keep that. Uh, let's talk about. Outer Range on uh, Amazon Prime Video. I uh, They dropped, I think, two more episodes on Friday. So we're at a total of four. I, I've, I've, I've watched three. I've started the fourth episode. I'm maybe ten minutes into the fourth episode. Uh, Outer Range uh, on Amazon Prime. It centers on the character of Royal Abbott, a rancher fighting for his land and family who discovers an unfathomable mystery at the edge of Wyoming's wilderness a thrilling fable with hints of wry humor and supernatural mystery. Outer Range examines how we grapple with the unknown. It's a, it's a, a supernatural neo-Western mystery thriller series created by <laughs> Brian Watkins, and it stars Josh Brolin as Royal Abbott. We've also got uh, Lily Taylor, uh, Tamara Podemski, um, Tom Pelfrey from uh, Ozark and Iron Fist plays uh, one of his sons, Perry Abbott. Uh, Imogen Poots plays this mysterious girl that starts living on their land named Autumn. Uh, Lewis Pullman plays the other son, Rhett Abbott. Um, and then we have um, this uh, um, rival um, ranch family of ranchers, the Tillersons. And we've got Noah Reed playing... Uh, uh, Billy Tillerson, he's from, he played Patrick on Schitt's Creek. And then I want to say the father is, uh, of the Tillersons is Will Patton. Um, Will Patton's been in a ton of shit. Anyway, so you've got Royal Abbott. He's a Wyoming rancher and he's fighting for his land and family. He discovers this mysterious black void in, uh, in their pasture. It's, uh, this fucking hole in the ground that is that's basically bottomless it's like a it's, a, it's like a portal or uh i'll explain exactly kind of like what they compare it to but they uh we following the arrival of autumn a drifter with a connection to abbott's ranch played by imogen poots uh also the abbott family tries to cope with the disappearance of their daughter-in-law rebecca i wonder if she fell in that hole um and then are pushed further to the brink when a rival family, the Tillersons, try to take over their land. So there's a lot going on here in this show. It really feels like it's like a Taylor Sheridan movie meets a Damon Lindelof sci-fi mystery. So it's like Yellowstone meets The Leftovers or something. It's wild. Um, 
Um, they do talk about at the beginning, uh, there's like uh, words on the screen where they talk about Chronos uh, uh, and um, I got this quote from Den of Geek. Uh, the pain, the painful and personal injury Chronos committed against his father caused a cosmic separation, which is by no means meant to be a pun. Outer Range describes, its, uh, describes it as the void, the space between Earth and Heaven, or the known and the unknown. And by no coincidence, the title of the pilot episode is The Void. The Outer Range Void is a literal abyss found on the Abbott Ranch, a massive circular chasm of never-ending depth and darkness that seems to also be a gateway that opens time. And so, yeah, this... I mean, how much do we want to get into this first episode? I mean, I, I do... I personally, I'm Tupperwareing this. I, I love this series so far. And the, it's the mystery and all these... You know, it's not like it's just this void. Like, once you get into, like, the second episode, other things happen. Third episode, there's another mystery between Josh Brolin's character of Royal Abbott and this Autumn character. There's something that they do that creates another mystery. Why is that thing happening? It's not just this fucking hole in the ground. Um, how much do we want to get into this first episode? I think I, it's okay to talk about pretty much everything in the first episode. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, tell me about tell me about Outer Range and yeah, just yeah, go ahead and spoil the first episode. I I, I love this show. It's a Tupperware for me and I want people to I want people to watch this. So, go ahead. Okay, so so our main characters, there's, you know, two two sons on this ranch and then the rival neighbors, there's three sons and they're all right around the same age. And so you can only imagine that they grew up together and now as adults, you know, they're they're kind of rivals. And the the one older brother of our main characters, he's you know, he lost his wife and so he's really still, you know, pretty fucked up over it. And so he's getting drunk with his younger brother at this bar. And, you know, the the asshole neighbor guys show up and a fight starts between the brothers and and this one of the the Tillerson uh, boys and or not really boys. I mean, it's like a young I mean, what, what, what do you guess? They're like mid 20s or something like that. Yeah, maybe even up into their 30s, somewhere in there, you know. And anyway, they get in a fight and. The, the dude says some super underhanded shit about the guy's wife disappearing or like running off on him or some shit. And so, it, you know, that guy loses it and basically beats this guy to death. And so real quick, they have to try and figure out where are we going to hide this body? And so they take it home. You know, their their father, Josh Brolin's character, discovers it. And he's like, you know, I'm not letting you guys, you know, get in trouble for this after, you know, losing your wife and everything. Also, I'm not going to let your little girl grow up you know, without a mom or a dad. So we're going to take care of this. And man, it turns into this really intense bit because the brothers come looking for, for their missing brother. And so, man, they come right up beating on the, the, the door of, um, you know, our main characters and the, the, the episode also, it starts off showing Josh Brolin, like right, uh, riding his horse going through this field. And there's like a body tied to the back of the horse and then he goes and he throws this body in this hole. And so then this whole episode kind of shows where that goes. And so he's, you know, racing across this field to get rid of this body while these other dudes are chasing him in their truck and like a four wheeler through the field. And he, you know, chucks the body in. And I mean, do we want to 
spoil the very last bit of it too? I don't know, man. I, I feel like I just let's just say he he has to get rid of this body. Yeah, and 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 then you know he kind of turns around and he comes face to face with this woman who's camping on the property, and so she witnessed everything. And I don't know the the first episode. Of Fuck it, let's say it, man. Like, like she she fucking just pushes him in. She pushes Josh shirtless Josh Brolin. She pushes him in to the uh, into the hole. And that's where the episode that's where the episode ends. <laughs> it's a super strong first episode. And then episode two kind of picks up right in that spot. And then it kind of starts to slowly fill in the pieces on what happened to him when he actually fell in. The How hole. far are you into this series, Joe? I'm curious. I've only watched the first two episodes so far. Okay. And it, this show, at least in, in, in episodes one and episode two, the last few minutes of it just leave you like jaw on the floor like what the fuck man yeah and i'm sure that's like the damon lindelof type angle on this you know because very reminiscent the stuff that like i saw him do in like in lost and and stuff like that where they just really pull the rug out from under you and like mixing in this you know kind of supernatural stuff into it and did you see the very intriguing show so far did you see the buffaloes with the arrows in it yeah, it keeps showing that same buffalo. Dude, this show is fucking wild. Yeah. I have a th- It looks beautiful too. I mean, the the landscape that it's in is just breathtaking. There's also the element of Josh Brolin's character of Royal remembers nothing before the time he was 10 years old, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, there's some mystery with with his like cuz he just showed up on that ranch one day when and he was a kid. The girl Autumn that shows up She's drawn to the ranch as well, and she doesn't know why, and she's trying to figure that out. I Can I throw out a theory? Yeah, please. You know the youngest daughter? Uh-huh. I think it's her as an adult. Ooh. <clears throat> That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. I think, and there's a scene of them talking together, the young girl and mm-hmm. her, and I think it's her talking to her younger self. So, yeah, Jake, what are you thinking about Outer Range? Yeah, I, I love it so far. Um, I've only seen two episodes of this, um, but not for lack of entertainment. I just wanted to make sure I got to see a, a good smattering of everything. Uh, but this is the number one thing I'm ready to return to, especially after hearing you guys that have watched more episodes seem so excited about it. Yeah, I, I love the uh, Yellowstone meets Lost kind of description you gave it. That That's exactly the feel I got. And uh, yeah, it's such a wacky concept. But like the the family drama and unity of it all really comes through strong and makes the narrative very, very tense. Like there's lots of quirky stuff going on, but the human element to the motives behind what the characters choose to do or not do is very believable and very strong. I, I love shows like this where just like out of this world things are happening, but still very real human like decisions are being made about what to do next and uh yeah just really strong cliffhangers um i'm i'm very curious to find out what characters actually do know and just kind of what's being like hidden behind the curtain from the audience so far and uh yeah this is this is a fucking great show one of the best things i've seen on amazon as far as series go yeah kevin yeah um i'm right there with everyone else i'm i'm i watched the first two episodes and honestly, I have no idea where this is going, 
and I love it for that. I love the acting. I love the vagueness of, of, of it so far. I mean, we're only, I mean, again, I'm only two episodes in, so I don't know what happens in three and four, but, um, I would Tupperware the first two episodes. Um, the ending of the second episode really hooked me. Um, so, and, and had me going, what the fuck was going on? Um, but I, I mean, to me, I, I just love Josh Brolin's character's kind of mannerisms and just his kind of just the, the looks on his face when he, when he's, I mean, just acting, I mean, is just, I think is fantastic. Um, but I mean, again, it's so vague of where this is going to go, at least from what I can tell that I, this is why I love it. I can't figure it out just yet. So, and I love that. I love oh. that. We, we're not giving a lot of answers. Yeah. Um, so far. And I mean, I love a show like that. That keeps me guessing. So yeah, I, I can't wait to get into episodes three and four. Um, and I will probably watch those tomorrow. When you get to episode three, like there is something that happens and there is no fucking way you'll ever guess what happens in episode three. There is just like, you know, it's it's weird enough that there's this fucking hole in the ground that uh, we can't really explain. But there's something like completely like unwhole related that happens in the third episode and you're just like <laughs> left with how in the fuck did that happen <laughs> it's th- this show is an absolute tupperware i i just hope it can fucking stick the landing uh but this is it's outer range and it's on amazon prime and it looks like they're dropping two episodes a week uh and maybe i don't know maybe like the maybe they'll save like the finale um you know, it's like a wait another week for the finale. I don't know how they're going to be releasing it, but it looks like the schedule so far has been two episodes a week. So four episodes out now. Tupperware. I love it. Um, Vinyl Nation on uh, this dropped on video on demand. And it, one of these fucking streaming services will get this one. You'll, you'll, you'll get Vinyl Nation on like a Netflix or Amazon or something eventually. But right now it's video on demand. It's only $5 rental. Uh, filmmakers Kevin Smokler and Christopher Boone examined the resurgence of vinyl records over the past decade and how it has brought new fans to a classic format and transformed the idea of a record collector. Um, one of the filmmakers, Kevin Smokler, uh, Smokler or Smokler, I apologize, on Twitter thanked uh, our Twitter page for, for watching this. I said I was watching it, and they were like, thank you for watching it. So um, I thought that was cool. I like it when the people that make the shit fucking reach out. Um, there were no celebrity interviews in this one. Like in the, as far as I knew it, like in the, lack, the last blockbuster, when we reviewed that, it had like Kevin Smith and Paul Shear and all these celebrity interviews talking about, you know, their love for blockbuster and, and all this stuff. This, I think for as much as I know, it just had fans of vinyl records and, um, uh, yeah, it was it like an hour and 40 minutes or so. And it gets into pretty much, you know, they start this documentary showing people showing up for record store day and, and then, interviews with the people that own records and love them. And they even get into like the production, like how they make them, you know, they, these little vinyl pieces are melted and they turn into a puck. And then from there it's, you know, 
pressed into a record and stamped. And um, it talks about like the when records were at their height back in like 1983 when Thriller came out, and then all of a sudden CDs came out. Everybody's getting CDs, and and um, goes into like the introduction of the iPod and how you can listen to everything digitally now. You don't you don't have to use space in your home, but you know, then it gets into like people, you know, the, the creation of record store day and limited exclusives and people that are still holding on to, to their love for vinyl. And I thought it was, I thought it was a really well done documentary. I learned a lot, you know, and, uh, I was, there's this one lady in this, you'll remember her. I can't, I don't remember her name, but she's the girl with the blue hair. And she's like talking about like when she dies, Oh. Like, oh yeah, and she starts crying, and about how she's she had a Google Doc that she wrote. She's gonna leave them to like her fiance, and I love that. And um, she really had like a connection to her, her vinyl records. It meant a lot to her. Um, there's and they talk about there's like a big push to get like more women and people of color into vinyl records, and and um, they really talk about that, like how they don't want to scare people people off because it's been kind of like mostly i guess white males that are into vinyl records which i i I appreciated the fact that they're trying to say hey you know um it's we're more inclusive now everybody can everybody can get records get into records but then it goes (laughs) from talking about that directly like into like the white men that owned record stores that saved the industry by creating record store day so it was just kind of like it was kind of like okay (laughs) all right (laughs) Uh, weird, but I I enjoyed um, I enjoyed this overall, and I uh, and I do think that it was brilliant. I do think Record Store Day is brilliant. Was a brilliant thing to to start because it those limited exclusives and like the the fear of missing out for some of these people that are into records and then like people introducing their kids into records and um, it's kind of like with comic books too. It's like it felt like comic books were just like all white men reading comic books and now they're trying to be very much more inclusive. And if you're going to be a comic shop these days in order to survive, you need everybody going to your shop. You can't be a fucking uh, Simpsons comic book guy and be a fucking, you know, shithead and shit on, you know, women and, and think everybody, you got to be more, uh, you got to be friendlier to people. Um, so I, uh, I liked it overall. I'll give it a, a very high taste that, um, Jake, what did you think about this? Yeah, I thought this was quite good. I'm at a high taste it myself. It, it it touched on a lot of different aspects of the vinyl industry, and I liked that a lot. I mean, you saw how vinyl records were made. You saw kind of the fandom around it. You saw, you know, what happened to vinyl records when the boom kind of ended, which I thought was really interesting. Kind of the only people keeping it alive were the were the DJs and the spinners, and it was really cool to see that aspect. Um, one thing I didn't like about Vinyl Nation was – all the Crosley dick sucking that was going on in this documentary. I thought they spent a little, little bit too much time on that company to the point where I possibly think that Crosley might've helped pay for this movie to be made because ouch, if you care for your expensive ass vinyl records, do not put them on a Crosley. Those things are record eating machines. So, uh, yeah, I didn't appreciate that. It felt a little bit sinister and, and possibly paid advertisement. But other than that, I, I thought this was a, a really great watch. I, I cracked up at the uh, 
family where like the 12 year old kid was like a 50 year old music snob i thought that kid was quite hilarious <laughs> that kid was funny um, yeah talking about how new music just isn't the same as, as it used to be back then and everything and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> this kid's already gatekeeping at 12 years old on these vinyl records so um but yeah, I thought this was if you're, you know, if you've kind of jumped into the resurgence of buying vinyl, which is something I've really gotten into in the last couple of years, then uh, this is worth a watch. It's quite entertaining and never boring. But don't be fooled and don't buy a Crosley. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin. I, yeah, I, I, I thought that that was weird too. The, the I actually went to their website and I was like, these, these. <laughs> These record players, they look nice, but they're they're so cheaply priced that I was like, these can't be good. They're not. Um, yeah, it looked like the record player you'd buy at Target or something. Um, Kevin, what did you think about Vinyl Nation? Yeah, um, I I'm in a high taste as well. I I really enjoyed this from um, the aspect of you get to see, as Jake already said, you, but you get to see different aspects of the business you get to see the people making the records and how they're being pressed and stay i mean with the making the masters and stampers for the pressing and then the making of the actual vinyl pre-pressing and so i thought that was all really cool um and then you get to see the like you said the establishment of record store day which actually was today record store day for 2022 was today yeah it was um yeah. So, um, but I enjoyed this. I, I am a vinyl collector as well. So, um, I am always buying different things and, um, but I loved learning kind of the origination of record store day. Um, I, I did the one guy in here did make a great point regarding kind of the price points for new records. I enjoyed that as well as uh, how they were talking about where you need to set the price for things. Um, and like is 30 to doubt 30 to 40 bucks per new record. I mean, is that a kind of a sane price point? Um, I loved all of that discussion. Um, I loved the, well, I mean, some of the Crosley stuff was obviously, yeah, I think they could have been involved in this movie probably were. Um, but uh, the only other stupid part that I thought was the whole Jack white album when they did that whole stupid helium balloon launch i thought well yeah i mean all of those balloons are going to come down somewhere and not everybody's going to find one so now you've probably got some random jack white albums out there in in the middle of the woods somewhere and yeah that was really weird he he seemed very happy about people making more money off of his album than he was going to make i found that to be very odd yeah i did too so um but no i loved i loved this entire uh uh, doc, I, I, but I, the one, one part, parts that I really did like were kind of like the behind the scenes of making the records. The record lay the guy was really neat thing to watch of him uh, playing the music and actually etching the record itself. I thought that was really cool stuff for like a behind the scenes documentary stuff. So yeah, high taste it for me. Yeah, Joe, what'd you think? Yeah, this was also a high taste it for me. I had a lot of fun. With this documentary, uh, this is one where as, as soon as I read the description for it, I was like, oh, this is this is going to be right up my alley. Uh, I'm not a collector of vinyl at all, but but I grew up listening to it like my first like stereo that I ever got is like a big Christmas present. It was the 
you know, AM FM stereo with the dual cassettes up front and a turntable on top and then kind of two separate speakers and my mom and dad's, you know, vinyl collection from the seventies. <laughs> and so I like grew up listening to, you know, like queen and black Sabbath and Jethro Tull and stuff like that, you know, all on vinyl. And I remember saving up money from cans and going to, to garage sales. And I remember one of the first records I bought myself was Michael Jackson thriller. And I think I got it for like a quarter or something like that. And just wore that fucker out playing it. I mean, I had so much fun with vinyl growing up. And then, you know, when CDs came out, that's, I, I, I that went in that direction and never really looked back. And there have been times where, you know, I, I hear people talking about it and, and stuff and it, it's it's not hard for me to get bit by a collector bug. <laughs> and so it's one of those like collector things that I've always like actively like pushed myself away from. Like, no, 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 you don't have room for for one more thing that you're storing. But but I think it's fascinating and and I love that there, you know, are people out there that, that do collect it and that the the industry didn't completely go away as a result. And this this documentary does a really good job of telling that whole story and super fascinating i i didn't know how records were made before in the past and so i really enjoyed seeing that process of it um i didn't know record store day was a thing and so like kind of seeing about that it like totally reminded me of, like free comic book day uh lots of parallels but between those two different communities and i i'm i assume you could probably draw those comparisons between any you know group of collector items and stuff so um you know, even though I don't collect vinyl per se, uh, you know, I I I, I kind of related to what all those people were doing, and yeah, very very enjoyable doc. Um, still successfully resisting the urge, but I did look at turntables <laughs> online, <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, that's that's the number one reason why. It's like you're gonna have to spend a lot. Then where are you gonna put a turntable, Joe? Where are you gonna put all these records? They can fucking melt. They melt. They do that. Oh fuck, I'm gonna have a bunch of warped records. So yeah, just. Oh, I, I love my vinyl record collection, but it is a lot of work. I mean, you have to have the brush. Like, they showed one shot of a person brushing their record, and I'm like, this needed about a half an hour more of brushing because <laughs> that is seriously a thing when you're listening to vinyl. But one of my favorite things about the collection is seeing a lot of those images in that full vinyl size. Like, I've seen so many of these images you know, streaming in my car on Spotify and this little dot on my screen. And to see a lot of these like covers blown up that way again, just really brought back a lot of fond memories of my childhood and like listening to records on my Fisher Price record player and everything. So it's a, co a collection that I've really loved, loved doing. Is, uh, is the eight track, the redheaded stepchild of audio? <laughs> yes, yes. Nobody's nobody's it's a beta. Nobody's clamoring to bring back eight tracks. There's no eight track documentary. Nobody's keeping eight tracks alive. First time I ever listened to Alice Cooper was on an eight track, by the way. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> cassette tapes are kind of making a comeback though. All the major artists are putting their, their stuff out on cassette now again. Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, I mean that I don't understand, but yeah, it's been a big thing. Like all, all the big albums in the last year and a half have yeah. been put on cassette too. Cassettes are coming. Uh, as far as I know, uh, podcast that I listened to, Tell Him Steve Dave, was the first podcast to come out with a vinyl podcast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, huh. yeah, that is that is cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Vinyl Nation. Uh, next 
thing I'm going to talk about here. Uh, I've got a confession here. This this movie, Spirit Walker on Haya, which is the martial arts martial arts streaming network. After waking up from a car crash, unable to remember anything about his life, a man begins regaining consciousness in a new body every 12 hours. Now he must piece together his identity, all while evading attacks from pursuing agents and dangerous criminals alike. But with no memory and no allies, his time is running out. So it's like if you took, I was like, oh my God, this is like if you took Quantum Leap to a speed dating event and added martial arts, man. This is, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I can't wait to watch this movie. I could only get 40 minutes into this before I fucking bailed. I fucking hated this. So fuck, this is an absolute toss it. And if you guys finish this fucking movie, more power to you. I could not fucking do it. I could not force myself to watch any more of Spirit Walker. I spirit walked myself out of the fucking movie. I fucking walked out the door on Spirit Walker. This is an absolute toss it. I was thinking like such a cool concept fucking leaping into a different body every 12 hours, piecing things together. But, and it's like, he's leaping into people for 12 hours, but it feels like he's only inside of these people for like fucking five minutes. We get like five minutes, 10 minutes with each character or whatever. And like, I felt like nothing was fucking happening. And like the martial arts that they did put in it was so like sparse. And I didn't like this. This is an absolute toss it. Jake, did you watch this? I did watch this. I watched the entire movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I see where you're coming from. This was a low taste it for me. And yeah, the first half of this movie is the worst part. Um, any redemption that would come from watching this movie definitely comes from the back half. I, I think once it finally gets done meandering around all of its exposition and how this works and what times the different personalities come in and all the rules are kind of finally put out there in the slowest plotting way it actually does kind of pay that off in a pretty exciting climax i was i was pleasantly surprised at how good the last 35 40 minutes of this movie was um and i i thought i was going to be tossing this thing out the window so fast but then like from the moment that the clock hits 12 and there's that really cool shot that like zooms into the watch and then pans out to everything that's going on. It's it's a pretty hyperkinetic action sequence that kind of ends the movie. And I, I thought the ending was quite good. Um, it's unfortunate you have to sit through so much fucking quicksand plot exposition to get to this part. So terrible execution. Eh, pretty entertaining last 35 minutes. It was it. it was torture for me. I kept thinking to myself, am I going to continue to watch more episodes of whatever I was like watching or am I going to get back to this? And it was like it was like that thing that I just did not want to get back to at all. Yeah, it was it was really cringy too. There's there's one scene near the beginning where he's sitting around the fire with the hobo and he's trying to explain to the hobo like what what's going on and it's like this loose version of who's on first comedy it's like who am i who are you who are me me or him and it's like can we just fucking get on with this fucking bullshit it, it is so slow at the beginning yeah kevin spirit walker yeah um i am gonna echo pretty much everything that jake just said um i took me a, uh, a few seconds to get into the movie. Um, it is very slow at the beginning, and it is not very good. But once it hits 
Um, and then it's going the last 30, 35, 40 minutes. Um, really, I really enjoyed that part of the movie. Um, <laughs> That's about when I, liked, I turned it off, man. I saw, <laughs> And I really, I really <laughs> liked it. Um, I was all in at that point. But there are some, yeah, definitely at the very beginning of this movie, there there is um, some really slow, stupid stuff going on. Um, I, I will just give this a taste it. Um, the one thing that I will say is that, I, uh, Brian, I think you already said, the martial arts in this weren't that great. I mean, I even I mean anything in the, the back half of the movie, back 30, 40 minutes, I still don't think was great from a martial arts perspective. I mean, definitely nothing on the order of a, a raid type movie or anything or even close to anything like that. Um, but I mean, I thought nothing was extremely special. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's on something that's I mean, this is a sci fi action, martial arts thriller, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I mean, it's intriguing premise could have been pulled off a lot better than what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Spirit Walker. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. The 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 last 30 to 40 minutes of this movie is really where it's at. The the journey you got to take to get there is slow and painful <laughs> there is a really cool premise in here and it you that's like the last fight scene in this is actually a legit good fight scene but it was like really the only one in the movie so it was kind of tragic that they buried it clear uh, at the back did did everybody else watch this with the english dubs I, I watched did. it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was not good. They were terrible. <laughs> the dubs were terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh, it, it was like anime Laughable. voice actors doing these live action voices, and for me, it actually made the movie a little bit more enjoyable. Um, especially when the <laughs> villain goes full cokehead at the end of the movie and starts wilding out. the 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 voice actor doing that stuff was really, really on point, and it like. It made it so this movie's trying to be serious, but to me, it elevated it to like silliness, to where it really felt like a like a '90s B action movie to me, and and so I was able to enjoy the back half of it just for that reason. Reasons that the filmmakers did not intend for people to enjoy, and so that really doesn't make it a very successful film by any measure. But the last bit of it did entertain me enough to where. Um, yeah, I, I ended up giving this one a taste it because I was like the first half of this was like a total toss it. But the last half of it was like so enjoyable to me that I kind of <laughs> landed in the middle. Joe, I, Joe I really you always this, try to I only watch the end. You always <laughs> try to look for the positives in anything, even to the point where you'll just make up shit. <laughs> the end was the end was really good. That last fight scene I, was good. I was. was I was shocked. I was like. Holy shit, I'm enjoying myself all of a sudden. Fuck. Okay, <laughs> should I get back to this and watch the rest of it? Just watch um, the end I of it. I think you still have another 30 minutes to go, it sounds like, before the good stuff happens. But, um, <laughs> just watch yeah. the last 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll stand through it again. I'll send you a timestamp. I'll say, just start it right here. This is where it gets enjoyable. Yeah. If you didn't like this part, then fair enough. But at least you got to watch an action scene that's, that's actually pretty decent at okay. the end of the movie. I'll check it. It kind of had poor man's total recall vibes to me, where it was this guy <laughs> who didn't know like whose body he was actually like controlling it. It was it was weird. It wouldn't it have been exposition? Wouldn't it have been wild if it was just like this guy 
his priorities are all out of whack. Every time he like leaps into another body, it's not about figuring out the mystery. He's just like obsessed about like which body he jumps into has like the bigger dick. <laughs> Would have made a better movie. And he starts to measure each dick as <laughs> as he fucking leaps into their bodies. And he's like, "Oh wow, this one definitely is like this is the this is the biggest one of all so far <laughs> it doesn't have the it doesn't have the girth of the last one the last one was like a tuna can but this one this one's a lot longer it's more of a pencil shape and uh they, they, they call it dick walker <laughs> yeah the Sir private Wanker. investigator is like checking out his apartment and finds all these fucking dick molds in the closet and like, oh my god! Yeah, he's got like he's got like you know like when like the kids are growing up through the years and they pencil yes. off on the wall. It's just like a bunch of those, but with a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of going up and down, they're left to right. In the wall. Oh jeez. The action scene at the end is just like this uh, insane circle jerk where he's just fucking you know leaping into all these different guys i don't whatever i'm done um he does the fucking <laughs> matrix duck under a fucking shot of cum yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh they call me magic uh this is uh what joe what that was just a great segue. <laughs> great segue yeah D- dipping under the flying just shot they call me magic <laughs> speaking okay oh here we go that would be magic here we go here we go speaking of someone else who uses their dick quite a bit he did he had sex with women he had sex with a lot, a of women. lot. yeah a lot, all right a lot. yeah not wilt chamberlain ask Wilt chamberlain claims twenty thousand women uh, I'm sure Wilt Chamberlain did fuck a lot, but I doubt it was really 20,000. Oh, did you remember that Saturday Night Live sketch, Jake? Did you ever see that one where I think it was, was it uh, Tim Meadows playing Wilt Chamberlain? And it's like, it's like they've got, they've got, Tim, I think it was Tim Meadows and he's sitting in a chair and they have these huge long legs that they made for him. Um, and it's Wilt Chamberlain, and he's talking about the loves of his life, all these different women. And he's like, I believe it was number 12,789. <laughs> and he talks about like this beautiful romance and how they had sex. And then he'd go into the next one. Oh, 8,427. And it, oh, God. I can't remember what the sketch is called, but it was fucking hilarious. Anyway, they call me magic. Hey, Kevin, who would win? Who would win, Shaq or Wilt? Oh God, um, I'm going Shaq straight power, dude. I mean, when he when he, I mean, Wilt, I mean, obviously was a tremendous talent and one of the best players of all time. But who was he playing against outside of Bill Russell? Yeah, I know, I know, he, I know. He was playing against six foot two, six foot three guys, and I mean, he was being fed the ball every single time. He had no um, real competition rebounding wise other than bill russell at that at, at certain points um shack though when he he was he was going up against i mean some legit hall of fame centers i know yao ming um, david robinson Hakeem malajuan I mean, patrick Hakeem, ewing yeah i mean he, there were there's legit competition at the center position when shack entered the league and when he entered the league i mean game changed 
It would mean Hack-A-Shack was developed specifically for him. I mean, I, I, I think if you put them up against each other in their, at their peaks, I still think Shaq comes out on top. I man, I would have thought that too. I don't know if these stats are true, but I was reading. They said Wilt played more minutes per game than Shaq, forty-five point eight, compared to Shaq's thirty-four point seven. Wilt also stayed in better shape over the course of his career. Listen to this. I didn't know this. Um, Wilt was able to bench. I'd have to fact check this. Wilt was able to bench five hundred and fifty pounds in his prime, about eighty-five pounds more than Shaq's best. I would have I, I have a hard time believing that. Uh Shaq was fast. Five hundred and eighty five like what No, five fifty, and that was eighty five pounds more than Shaq at his best. I'm like what pro player benches five something? I know, I'm I don't know. I can't at this point in time when fitness and athletic performance is at its peak, what professional NBA player will bench that right now? I don't know. Because, I mean, that's a much powerlifting weight. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's not a standard athletic weight. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's NFL type big dude weight. That's one, it's, one of those, it's one of those questions that we'll just never know the Will answer was, to. I mean, a big dude, but man, he was, I mean, he, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. But All right. Let's talk. Let's see. Let's talk about that. They call me magic. This dropped on Apple TV plus it's a four part docuseries. I've watched two episodes so far. Um, and it's about, uh, uh Irvin magic Johnson. And, uh, I mean, it goes over his entire life. I haven't, it ended for me in episode two when they're talking about him going into the series with the bulls in 91. And that's when Jordan, Jordan and the bulls, beat Magic's Lakers uh, to win their first NBA championship. But um, I'm giving this so far, I'm giving it a high taste it. Um, I do think that it is, I think so far it's basically um, not getting into some of the dirt in his life. It's very much, and I don't think it's as good as The Last Dance. I think it's I think it's very good. I love this kind of like learning everything about Magic Johnson and a lot of stuff. A lot of the stuff in it I've known from watching other documentaries and things like that. But um, it's a it's a high taste it for me so far. Um, and um, a lot of it is kind of deconstructing what we've seen in Winning Time on HBO, but I still appreciate that for what it is. I really do. I think that they've embellished a lot in the relationship between <laughs> cookie and, uh, magic Johnson in winning time. And this is kind of like, I think this is a little bit more truthful, but you never know. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, Kevin, what are you, what are you thinking about this one? Yeah. I didn't realize there were four episodes available. I only watched the first one. Um, so I will be going back to watch this because I really did enjoy this. Um, I would high taste this first episode. Um, I, I will be going back to it again this week and, and watching the rest. I did enjoy all the interviews I liked, uh, in that first episode with, um, interviews of specifically Michael Cooper, um, Kareem, and then, uh, Larry Bird when he gets involved later on in the episode. Um, I loved, 
uh, just some of those quotes. And um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is definitely, I mean, I'm going to high taste it. Um, could eventually, I mean, morph into a, a Tupperware, depending on what they do and don't get into in the latter three episodes. But I think this is a good addition to winning time. Because, I mean, you have on this side of things with They Call Me Magic, I mean, he's obviously involved in this, uh, the production of this. He's being interviewed. So he's you're going to have a slant to the information portrayed and, and, and shown that's probably in his favor. And then on something on Winning Time, you've got a lot of stuff that's dramatized and embellished. So you're going to have a slant to that side. Um, so I think it's a good addition to it. You get um, a, some of the same information, maybe even portrayed a little bit. I mean, similarly, but um, I I do like how um, I, with winning time, like at least with the episode I just started watching, you're starting to get the introduction of Larry Bird with the Celtics involved with Magic, um, and now in in this first episode, you also get Larry Bird. Uh, they call me Magic. You get Larry Bird introduced and kind of that rivalry and yeah. and and that going on. So yeah, high taste it. I enjoyed it. Uh, we'll definitely be going back. Yeah, when, uh, all episodes. It looks like we're directed by Rick Fa- Rick Famuyiwa, the uh, director of Dope, and then also directed uh, some episodes of uh, The Mandalorian. So uh, very cool that he's uh, the director here. Um, yeah, Jake, what'd you think? Yeah, I liked this quite a lot. It was a high taste it for me. Um, I only had a chance to watch the first episode. Uh, this just dropped yesterday. But yeah, I, I didn't expect a world from this and was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I thought the production was second to none and really well done. Um, I didn't know a lot of these facts, so I, I found a lot of it really interesting. I mean, just in the first like five minutes, finding out that the Chicago Bulls could have had Magic Johnson just based on a coin flip from a draft really just blew my mind right out of the water. Um, hearing about his relationship with um, Cookie, I thought was was really charming and really interesting. And uh, just, yeah, seeing the kind of phenomenon that happened, like the buzz that was created when he got his nickname and just, uh, you know, when he went to college in Michigan and all that stuff. I, I thought this was really well presented. I I loved hearing from the former presidents about what they thought about Magic Johnson when, when they saw him for the first time. And uh, I thought Snoop Dogg's interview was really cool as well. Um, yeah, th- this was this was really great. It's only four episodes. I, I'll probably definitely finish this. Oh, I'm for sure finishing. I, uh, the second episode ends with like the they're getting ready to talk about the series between the Bulls. I've got to get back to that. So, um, yeah, Joe, what'd you think? Yeah, I watched all four episodes of this. I really fucking loved it. Um, I always enjoy it when you put these basketball docs on the list because, like, truthfully, otherwise I I probably wouldn't get around to watching them. And that's that's really a shame because every time I watch them, I enjoy the hell out of them. <laughs> Even though I'm like, I'm not a sports fan at all, but just the way they tell the story, you know, I knew knew Magic Johnson from like a very like peripheral standpoint, you know, I I never really watched him play. I just kind of knew him because he was a big enough name to where he didn't even have to be a fan of the sport to know who that guy is and, you know, kind of the bare bones of his story and whatnot. And to actually learn like his his complete story like this. It was it was really fantastic. Like I, I couldn't put the show down. I, I binged all four episodes in a row. Um, the taken as a series, it was a Tupperware for me. I had a a, um, a lot of fun with this. I learned so much. Um, yeah, I, I I 
probably should go back and and watch those other documentaries that you, you've referenced. I, I know the the last dance one you've recommended that one to. Oh, me Joe, that's a must watch. Yeah, I, I need to watch that one because you you've recommended it to me multiple times now, and you know it, generally I I don't watch this stuff just because my my knee jerk reaction is always I'm not a sports fan. And it's like, but still the story that they tell in these, I always find them so compelling and so hard to put down. So, um, Malice at the Palace has been my favorite that Brian has suggested. I, I've recommended that to so many people. It's very good, but as, as for, and I don't know if I'm biased, but for as I think the most complete of all of them, in my opinion, has been the last dance. And, I think maybe it's a, maybe it's nostalgia, but I do know people that aren't Bulls fans at all or didn't even watch basketball during that time or watch basketball at all that watched Last Dance. And there's just so much drama in that. And I'm, I, it is it is fantastic. Um, I would also. Yeah, I would I would agree. I yeah. Mean, yeah. The Last Dance is probably the most comprehensive. I mean, well, I mean, well produced. Um, with all the information that it gives, and especially with the drama, like you said, going on at that time, presenting it in a logical fashion as yeah. well. Um, that I think that has probably been the, my favorite. I was actually thinking about it today. I was like, man, I need to do a rewatch of that, especially after the fucking ass kicking the Bulls had last night. God damn! Well, they get they'll play tomorrow. <laughs> I know, man. Oh my god, dude! I was. I was a fucking wreck last night. Um, they better win tomorrow. Though. They better win tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. We just got. We just took their home court advantage too in that second game, and I was just like, okay, guys, let's just play good at home. I mean, fucking. Oh, DeRozan with the forty-one points. DeRozan just looked like he looked like the MVP. Fucking <laughs> that game. And then last night was, you know, I Crusoe makes I Crusoe is just like we got to keep that guy. Crusoe's an unsung hero on the Bulls. I mean, that's yeah, he's, he's, he's not, quite the player. He's a like he does the little things defensively mm-hmm. that makes teams better, and I think he's one of the reasons why the Lakers fucking sucked this year, losing him. So one of the many reasons. One of the many reasons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Last thing in good pop, bad pop. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, this dropped in theaters. When an interdimensional rupture unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. It's a science fiction action film written and directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Collectively, they're known as Daniels. That's why you see Daniels as the director. It stars Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Sue, uh, Ki Hai Kwan, Jenny Slate, Harry Shum Jr., uh, with James Hong and Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, follows a Chinese-American woman being audited by the IRS who discovers that she must connect with versions of herself from parallel universes to prevent the destruction of them all by a powerful being. And um, I want to hear from you guys what you thought about everything everything, everywhere all at once. Um, Jake, what did you think about this one? I thought this was an absolute masterpiece. This was the highest of Tupperwares for me. yeah, I mean, just within 15 minutes, it was like just pure movie magic for me. I, I loved the story. I loved the acting, um, just the directions this went in the uh, second and third act. I, I did not see coming, and I 
I thought, like, you know, like I was saying, I love it when there's a really wacky, out there cosmic storyline, but at the heart of it, there's real human emotion and choices and decisions. And I, I thought this had all of that. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to own this movie. I can't wait to watch it five or six more times. I, yeah, I, this was just so fucking wonderful. I, I, I hope you guys felt the same. I can't wait to kind of break this down a little bit with you guys. Kevin. Yeah, um, this, this is a Tupperware. I mean, I this could be movie of the year in my opinion. I mean, I mean, this is a movie that is an actual art form, is something that should be celebrated. Um, the acting, writing, story, the action on the screen. I mean, it's a movie that's got a lot to say. It gets its points across really well. Um, has some very crazy stuff happening in it. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is fantastic, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, you should go watch this movie if you get a chance. And if you don't get a chance and you have to wait to st- for it to stream or somewhere else, please watch this movie because it's well worth um, the watch. And the and, and it, it's just a fantastic film from beginning to end. Joe. Yeah, I, I love this movie. I'd been looking forward to it ever since I saw the first trailer. Uh, it just looked like a movie that was going to be absolutely bonkers. And it totally delivered on it and so much more. I mean, this movie, I mean, it, it kind of has everything. It's It's got great action in it, really good heart. Um, the the story, for, for as wild as it is, it comes around and actually makes a lot of sense. I remember walking out of the theater thinking, God damn, how big was the whiteboard? they had when they were plotting this movie out um all the different like uh universes and and different evelyns that they tie in um i i loved how the movie was silly at times and like the the level of silly that it was willing to go and and have it still work um was just wild i I loved that whole conceit that they had to do something out of character to to kind of move you know, these two realities closer together in that, you know, she just kind of starts riding this wave of chaos and like not really following instructions and just keeps doing off the wall shit. And uh, the, the, the ongoing story between her and her father and then her and her daughter and her and her husband. Um, I mean, this movie just worked for me on so many levels. Um, it had me in tears by the end of it. Um, the, the action in it was just fantastic. I've been a fan of, of Michelle Yeoh for so many years and, and I love seeing, uh, Ki Hai Kwan back, you know, I mean, we, mm-hmm. most of us, you know, the, we remember him from our childhood, you know, because he was, he was the kid, you know, in Indiana Jones and, and in Goonies, he was data, you know, with all the, the cool uh, gadgets and everything, you know, he, this kid was Hollywood royalty, awesome, cool kid, you know, and then to see him now, I mean, I hadn't seen him in anything for years and years and for him to come back and just crush it in this, uh, the fight scene that he has near the beginning of this with the fanny pack was one of the coolest fucking things ever. Um, man, I, I just loved this movie so much. I loved all the characters. I love all the different versions of themselves that they all had to play. Um, it was the, uh, James Hong, who played her father, it was so great seeing him in him in this too. Um, yeah, this this movie was great. I, I can't wait to own it. It's going to be something that gets watched over and over. I am scared to give my thoughts because 
I think I was, I don't know. I, I need to watch it again because I was pretty, I was getting pretty sleepy as I was watching this. And this, this movie was all over the fucking place. It was like watching five episodes of Rick and Morty in a row and in live action, but I didn't like it. I, I'm at a low taste it. I, I think I'm the only person that's watched this movie that didn't like it. And I feel like I have to watch it again to make sure that I didn't like it. Cause it was just too fucking all over the goddamn place. Everything, <laughs> I couldn't fucking, after a while, I was just like, I'm trying to follow it. And it's just fucking, it was just insane. So I, I don't know. I didn't like it, guys. I'm sorry. It's a low taste. It. Yeah, it happens. Uh, it happens. I, I mean, I, I get uh, it. And sometimes, sometimes mood is everything, too. I mean, maybe you will revisit it. I know. And be so sleepy and and appreciate it. But, yeah, I mean, this this movie, for me, it, it just did everything. Like, it, it was so goofy. But, like, even at its goof, most goofy moments, it was so emotional. Like, at one point, the characters are fucking rocks. And one of the most emotional scenes in the movie happens. So, I, yeah, I, I fucking loved this thing. I see. I never got emotional during any of it. Um, I don't know. I I, th- I really think, like after it got over, I was like, did I really? I just re- I didn't like this. And I was like, do I watch it again? I was like, I don't even know if I liked what I watched enough to even try to watch it again. Oh God, <laughs> I'm sorry. I I feel like I'm the only yeah, person. Don't be sorry. No, it's just like I was really looking forward to it too, and then like. I was, I just couldn't get into it. I just it was so fucking every it was so all over. I couldn't I couldn't keep up with it. It was just like fucking like it was it was wild. I just could not keep up with this fucking movie. And I I know I'm in the minority here because like everybody's loving this thing. And I was like, did you not like it? And I was like, oh, I like it. So <laughs> I don't know if I even want to try to watch this thing again. Yeah, give it a year. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd say give it some time, watch it once, and if you don't, still don't like it, hey, you still don't like it, and that's okay. I need to see it in the theater. I'm gonna tell you what, I'm not gonna f- see. I'll see it. I'll, I promise, I'll watch it again, and I'll, I'll let you. I will watch it again. I will try to watch it within the next couple weeks again and see if I still have the same feelings about it because i was starting to get sleepy and i get i start to turn into a cranky little cunt when i get tired and so <laughs> i it was a double feature for me that day joe i had seen oh, oh yeah I had, oh, this was number two this is number two i'd seen duel and uh after duel uh there was like an hour in between so i went and, and grabbed i think something to to snack on real quick and then i came back and then I watched this one and I was starting to get, you know, I was like really getting into it at the first. And I was thinking like, if the movie's good, it'll keep me awake, but, um, I'll give it another chance guys. Let's, I'm going to freeze it right now and I'll come back within the next couple weeks and give you my thoughts on my second viewing. I'll see it again in the theater. I don't, I don't think I'm doing myself a service with distractions at home, watching it when it comes out and i'll watch it again i'll 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 watch it again in the theater and if i'm just not digging it the second time in the theater i will literally just walk out of the goddamn movie so yeah there you go yeah (laughs) nice there you go i really love jamie lee curtis in this movie a lot too i honestly i (laughs) 
her character was so intense that I, I forgot it was Jamie Lee Curtis after about like a half an hour of this. I, I thought she she just delivered. Oh yeah, some of the different versions of her were wild. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what were you guys' thoughts on the hot dog fingers? That well, I was going to bring that up too. I was like, what? I mean, who who comes up with that stuff? I mean, it's, who, it's who, so who writes the, that stuff? The guys from Rick and Morty do. I was just thinking it was a Rick and Morty episode. Like they do that kind of shit all the time on Rick and Morty. So it was like, I felt like it was really nothing new for me here except seeing Rick and Morty in live action. Does that make sense? This is like... Yeah, yeah. I don't watch... I haven't watched Rick and Morty, so... I, yeah, same. I've... Well, see, I mean... I, I don't know. Rick and Morty does a lot of stuff like that. Well, you, They'll go to a planet where it's like everything's the same except everybody has like you know balls for their fucking chin or something so <laughs> that's what they do that's what rick and morty maybe, does it maybe does a, i should watch rick and morty i mean it's that's what hilarious. rick and morty does it, it does a lot of the stuff that happened in this and i don't i was uh i, I gotta watch this again i'll watch this again and i'll let you guys i'll give you a follow-up um yeah I feel bad. I feel bad for not liking it. Um, I was trying to think of something else. The I think like the the raccoon ratatouille thing was kind of funny. <laughs> yes, I love that. It was so funny. Raccoony or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel like I just I feel like I just shit all over this movie. I feel so bad. I'm glad everybody liked it, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> I loved all the crazy costumes that, that Joy got to wear in mm-hmm. it also. Like, some of those were just fucking out there wild. And, like, her makeup and everything. I thought she just looked great, is all the different uh, incarnations also. Yeah, I like the Prime versions. I loved uh, Waymond Prime was one of my favorite characters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This episode's going long, gentlemen. So I think that we are going to blaze through the last part of like news. And what do you think? I'm sure, dude. Whatever you want to yeah. do, I'm I'm good with whatever. Okay, let's see here. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'm in the back half of this episode, and I feel like it's the back half of fucking everything, everywhere, all at once. Where Brian's getting tired and cranky. So. <laughs> <laughs> It needs to be like the back half of Spirit Walker where it's been nothing but crap but in the last 30 minutes we really bring it. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to the Spirit Walker episode of PCL, everybody. No, I just think it's going to get... I think it's just going to continue the crap fest. Hold on, here we go. Pop Culture Leftovers News. Yeah, 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 read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. I don't know. News from Dark Horizons. God damn it, here we go. Mads Mickelson's talk what? <laughs> I was just laughing at your your not happiness to go into the news. I know. I'm like, fuck, man. 
Listen, if you want me to agree, to agree that we should just blaze and fuck this news, I, I'm here for you. Fuck this news. Oh, my God. It's like the, the I, I gave you guys so much to watch this week. I felt like a dick doing that. And then I realized how much shit I gave you when we're fucking still talking about it three goddamn hours later. And then it's like, now I got to do fucking news. Now I got to the point I don't even care about this fucking news. I don't fucking you care. Mads Mickelson can go fuck the fuck the fuck off. Why? Why do you say that? What's wrong? What do you do to you? I don't. Wasn't he the next story? Yeah, he he's talking about Indiana Jones five, and he's talking about what does he say? It's more akin to Indiana Jones one and two or something. What do you say? <laughs> of course he's gonna. Say of course, that. yeah. I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna compare it to the good ones. Well, <laughs> yeah, the third oh, yeah, one's good too. Five. It's just like Crystal Skull. Everyone's gonna love it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that still supposed to come out like this year or next year? Or whatever. You thought you liked giant ants? We've got bigger ants in this one. <laughs> yeah, you you love swinging around with monkeys. It's gonna be so many fucking monkeys you're swinging around with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. He's, uh, is Mads the bad guy in Indiana Jones 5? Is he going to have a fucked up eye? I'm pretty sure he is the bad guy in this one. Maybe like his ninth movie where his eye is fucked up somehow? It's, uh... Where's his eye talk coming from? What do you, Lens? What's going Matt on, Lens? He's always a bad guy with some fucked up eye. And, like, there's got to be at least five movies where he's the bad guy with a fucked up eye. Name me five movies where he's got a fucked up eye. I mean, it's a go. My head, Casino Royale comes up. There's Doctor one. Strange comes up. Uh, God, it's you put me on the spot, but I know there's more. <laughs> I want all five. We're not. No, I'm not ending the. I am not ending the podcast until I get all five, Jake. <laughs> you know, you brought this fucking eye bullshit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. Yeah, fuck Mads Mickelson. Let's move on. He's fuck out of here, Mads. <laughs> fuck off, Mads. You and your fucked up eye. I don't know. Yeah, we go. What What are the odds that that stupid Indiana Jones movie gets pushed back another year? Uh, it's set to. It's still set to come out June thirtieth, twenty twenty three. They, they, they. I mean, they, they wrap filming. Last oh, year they did sometime. rap. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they 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 rap. Oh, uh, okay. So, um, yeah. All right, whatever, Mads. Whatever, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever, Mads. Uh, let's see here. News from Dark Horizons. Looks like we're getting a Streets of Rage movie. So, uh, yes. Sega, Sega did Sonic the Hedgehog. Now we're getting a Streets of Rage film. And guess what? It's it's from John Wick creator and nobody scribe Derek Kolstad. It's pen, pen the script based on the 1991 side-scroller, which follows former police officers who battle a crime syndicate. Multiple sequels followed up with a fourth official title released in 2020. And, uh, yeah, this marks the second adaptation of a game to involve a John Wick alum. Uh, the others of those being uh, director Chad Stahelski, who is helming the film adaptation of The Ghosts of Tsushima for PlayStation Productions. Yeah, we're getting a, uh, getting a Streets of Rage movie from uh, Derek Kolstad. That's awesome. Uh, Streets of Rage has one of my favorite video game soundtracks of all time. Uh, Yuzo Koshiro is just, oh, he's a fucking master of video game music. They and, released uh, it. They released it on vinyl, Jake. 
Yeah, I wish I had that. I, I wish I would have known when that happened and got that because I it's it's one of my all time favorites, probably top ten video game OST for me. And uh, yeah, they better nail that shit. They better e- either get Yuzo to, to do the score or at least like lean on what he did already. I, I think it would be a huge misstep to uh, just do generic like techno music for this movie. And we know that. I mean, if it's coming from Derek Kolstad, who did John Wick and Nobody, we know it's going to have. You got to think that it's going to have some amazing, like an amazing stunt crew. So I, I think this could be really good. I wonder what the rating will be. Oh, I gosh. think you make it R. It's going to be no fun. I, I think yeah. And I mean, you can't really screw up the plot, right? Like the plot is really just like the side dressing of these video games. Like just give us good action. Don't spend too much time with a lot of dumb exposition keep this thing moving and start it strong yeah put the r in rage what do you think joe <laughs> I, I pulled up uh, streets of rage and i'm looking through screenshots i'm pretty sure i played the first one at least on sega genesis because some of those screenshots look really familiar um oh but, i used yeah, to I mean, me and me me and leftover jay used to play the fuck out of some streets of rage <laughs> He had a I'm Genesis. Sure, he had sure. a Genesis before I did. And he had some games that I didn't have, and I used to play Streets of Rage with him. But yeah, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Uh, I just pulled it up here on on eBay, and I'm I'm looking at like the original Sega games. It's like, well, probably get a copy of that for less than twenty bucks. It's not too shabby. But yeah, the screenshots. I mean, it looks familiar, but I don't think it was a game that I played enough to where I'm like, you know, like really remembering all that much about it. Uh, if if they can. I mean, so far, the first two Sega movies that they've come out with, these Sonic ones, have been really, really good. But, you know, Streets of Rage and and Sonic are two very different genres. But, I mean, they got a pretty good creative team with it. Um, So, I mean, you know, I'm open-minded to see what they can give us. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I think think you got the right guy, you know, Derek Kolstad, writing this and... Yeah, hopefully they'll fucking give Jake some love with the fucking soundtrack here, because, yeah, and it's definitely one of the things that people loved about the game. News from THR, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, team for True Life Story of Nike sneaker man Sonny Vaccaro. Yeah, so Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are... uh, uh, they're going to be uh, doing a movie uh, about the, the true life story of former Nike executive Sonny Vaccaro and a feature project that will hail from Amazon Studios and Skydance Sports. Um, Affleck will direct, write, co-star, and produce the untitled sports marketing drama. Damon will star and also write and produce. Um, Damon will portray Vaccaro while Affleck plays Nike co-founder Phil Knight in a story around Nike's long-shot effort to sign rising superstar basketball player Michael Jordan to a shoe contract. In the mid-1980s, an endorsement that seemed impossible at the time, uh, thanks to Maverick Sneakers, salesman, would become the most significant relationship between an athlete, athletic brand and an athlete ever, launching the global multi-billion dollar contemporary sneaker industry. Oh, it's just a movie about sneakers. Now, this, I, trust me, um, I, I know we're getting a lot of these fucking movies and shows out now where they're showing you like the rise of these companies. This is one I definitely want to see. This is one I definitely want to see. I cannot wait for this. Um, I will be watching this 100%. I mean, I don't know if, you know, Kevin, you've been watching Winning Time. Did you watch the scene where Magic turns down the chance to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Magic Johnson had a chance (laughs) 
to be um, uh, to sign a deal with Nike, and also not only just sign a deal with Nike, but own shares of the company. And if he would have done that, they said like his shares would have been what, what uh, estimated now at four point two billion or something. Yeah, it was like just oh. over four billion, I believe. Yeah, getting in on the ground floor like that, like they basically showed up to Magic Johnson, you know, uninvited, just kind of showed up, showed him a prototype shoe of a Nike, like the one of the like the first fucking Nike, like a handmade fucking Nike, like they they could only afford to make one fucking shoe, um, and it had the swoosh on it, and they had actually written Magic on the shoe, <laughs> and of course he gets fucking advice from you know other people and his team that say you know go to converse man if you if we would have went with nike oh my god owning those those shares at the ground floor would have made him a billionaire that's crazy to think about and like oh my god this yeah i'm definitely i'm down for this anybody else interested in seeing i'm interested in seeing this story oh i'll I'll watch it i mean i'll definitely watch it i mean there's going to be some drama involved so I it's going to be good. I have no doubt it's going to be good. So, yeah, I'll be watching. Yeah, it sounds interesting. And like you don't give a fuck. Joe don't give a fuck. Jake Jake don't give a fuck. It's the Ben Affleck angle that makes it interesting to me because it's like he's a good enough actor to where it's like, what? uh, How is he going to be in that? That's the part that makes it interesting to me is the Ben Affleck angle. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, shoes. He's going to be the headmaster of the Nike sweatshop. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, this fucking this shoe business is fucking cutthroat, man. So I, yeah. I really, I'm. You know that fucking everybody was breathing down Michael Jordan's throat to sign him to a shoe contract. I, I want to see this. I want to see this. This sounds Weren't good. The first Nikes made with like a waffle iron, also. I don't know about that. That's crazy. That's interesting. Maybe that was just the first tennis shoe. I might be mixing up stories here. <laughs> Maybe I'm just hungry for waffles. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound really good right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you remember? His uh, first running shoes were made in a waffle iron. Boom. Dang. Joe's got the. The info tonight. So, like they, the the, the bottom with a waffle iron, the tread. <laughs> so the tread at the bottom was like melted from a waffle iron. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Nike co-founder Bill Bowerman was having breakfast with his wife when it dawned on him that the grooves in the waffle iron she was using would be an excellent mold for a running shoe. Hmm. Huh. And they're gonna have to melt. That'd be high temp, though. I would think to melt the uh, rubber. He made a rubber mold with the waffle iron that inspired Nike's first shoe called the Waffle Trainer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then he poured syrup on it and ate it like I, he was. I learned something new tonight. That's man. wild. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, news from Dark Horizons: Stranger Things four season four costs thirty million dollars per episode? Question <laughs> mark. The fourth season of Netflix's Stranger Things arrives soon and carries with it not only outsized expectation, but outsized budget as well. According to the Wall Street Journal, the new run of the, of, of the popular Supernatural series boasts an extraordinary budget of $30 million per episode. To give you a comparison, every episode of the final season of Game of Thrones clocked in at $15 million. The same with the first season of The Mandalorian. 
The most expensive shows to date have been Disney Plus MCU series WandaVision, Loki, and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier at around $25 million per episode. The story goes into Netflix recently hit by dropping subscription numbers. We'll likely see more inexpensive hits such as Squid Game and Virgin River, which have been major success stories for the streamer despite economic budgets of $3 million per episode. So now we know what we're paying when they hike their fucking rates. We're paying for Stranger Things Season 4. <laughs> fucking Christ, $30 million an episode. What do you think? Is all that going to, like, uh, you got to think that a lot of that's going to those fucking kids, too. Yeah, retaining it's all the actors for a fourth to. season. Um, also, you know, post-COVID protocol costs more money than it, you know, it costs more money to make TV than it did even just three years ago. I think that combined with retaining all of these actors, it, you know, not only all the kids, but you know, David Harbour, Winona Ryder, and just all the regulars. I mean, I, I bet 30 than, million. Yeah, I, I, that's Dang, a lot. Per episode? Lot. How many episodes? But see, the thing is, is Netflix pays high from the beginning, right? Because they're, no one's going to get residuals. It's not like these kids are going to keep true. making money from the rest of their life from Stranger Things as you would like in a normal movie or TV show. Like this is one and done payment. So it's going to be a little bit higher than normal. Not to justify it. Because when you hear that type of thing, especially yeah. compared to the budgets of other shows like Game of Thrones and the Disney Plus shows, like there's no excuses, you would think, for this to look anything but perfect. But kind of the charm of Stranger Things is a little bit of its like Harryhausen retro kind of horror look to it. So it's really weird that they would spend this much money on on anything other than the actors. It's obviously not going into effects, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I got to think it's the the actors at this point, you know, they probably didn't sign these kids to like a, you know, look at how uh, Netflix kind of works. It's like they cancel things all the time. I, I can't imagine that they had originally slated this thing when they first came out with the first season. I can't imagine that they signed these kids on the cheap for, you know, five seasons or whatever. It was probably after the huge success of that. And then the kids were and their agents are all like, okay, now, now it's payday. And (laughs) I mean, maybe they, they, maybe, maybe these kids worked out kind of like a friends cast deal too, where they're all like, Hey, we get paid the same amount and it's going to be a, it's going to be a big number. It's going to be a big because uh, like down, I think like the last season of Friends, those actors were getting paid a million dollars per episode. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I mean, it was a phenomenon like the kids were on every single fucking talk show you could name. So I could see why they would agent up and demand such a thing if Netflix was going to keep running with this show. Yeah, That's the risk you take when you've got a big ensemble cast like that, too, mm-hmm. is that people want to see all those different parts return. I wonder how weird it's going to be seeing this season with all these kids that are now over six foot tall, though. And I mean, they had to have they have to work in some sort of big time jump into the story to make this work. Right. Uh, Well, I mean, this a lot of the stuff that they filmed has been it's been a long it's been a while ago. I mean, I don't know. It was was Stranger Things season four. Was it put on pause? Did he did did did. um, did he do this before the Ghostbusters movie? Um, I don't think so. Finn Wolfhard? No, I think he filmed Stranger Things after the Ghostbusters movie. I'm almost positive. Interesting. I just feel like we saw that. 
fucking uh, Jim Hopper fucking tease. It feels like I saw that five years ago. I don't know. <laughs> Feel, you know, when he's like, you know, <laughs> yes. in that in that Russian camp. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's that's why I was saying years ago, I was like, they should have fucking filmed two, three seasons at once. They should have done a fucking Lord of the Rings thing and just fucking filmed a bunch of these seasons at once because these kids are fucking I don't know what the fuck they're feeding these goddamn kids fucking feed them waffles made out of Nike shoes or something. I have no idea what these fucking kids are eating over there in Stranger Things land, but they just fucking grow up so goddamn quick. It's insane. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Yeah. F- fuck you, Netflix, for canceling Mindhunter, too. Fucking assholes. There was an article this week that came out about what season three would have been like. They would have been taking it to Hollywood. Yeah. It would have been, yeah. um, they would have been talking to uh, the like directors of Silence of the Lambs and stuff like that. Michael Mann was one of them. Um, yeah. I mean, seriously. Fuck you, Netflix. Mindhunter was excellent excellent fucking show all right let's uh i marvel news i don't have a lot this week let's jump into that shit there we go where we might i thought you guys might get a kick out of like how much i play to that bumper i i (laughs) nothing (laughs) now absolutely nothing i was waiting for it to be played i laughed at it (laughs) i didn't hear you joe it was crickets (laughs) all right where we might get our first appearance of blade in the mcu who knows but uh let's see here yeah it was at uh at the comics kid asked uh casey wash uh oh yeah no he goes by the comics nameless dc fan asked at the comics kid casey walsh you know slightly off topic but do you have any idea where when we'll see blade Will we see him before his movie or no? And uh, he tweeted back, I've heard WBN. What the fuck is that? Hmm. I don't know what that stands for. What the fuck? What the fuck is that? Why did I, uh, why did I fucking just, <laughs> what is WBN? Oh, werewolf by night. Uh. <laughs> just call it werewolf by night people don't, yeah don't you wbn you fucking lazy fuck <laughs> that's why he's but fucking these fucking TV names TV. abbreviated it's casey walsh <laughs> what the fuck does kc stand for you jesus fucking christ <laughs> i hate when somebody uses an acronym and, it, and then this sort of thing happens where then you have to spend a whole bunch of time trying to figure out their fucking acronym and it's like, hey, hey, writer, I hope that saved you a lot of time not typing out those three fucking words that you made me Google a fucking acronym. Yeah, you motherfucker. I'm going to stab you in the face and skull fuck you. No, I'm, I don't know it. That's <laughs> whoa. I was taking it. I was trying to take it a little far. That was like my little thing there that I was doing. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't need to go that far. But yeah. OK. Whatever. Oh, I don't even want to talk about that story anymore. KC, King Cunt. King, oh shit, shots fired. Um, Okay. That's what you get for, I mean, Werewolf by Night. Come on, WBN. Yeah, WBN. King Cunt. Yeah. 
Oh, brother. Last story. Is this the last story? Are we done after this? Oh, Jesus Christ, thank God. You drive the bus. It can be the last story. Oh, God. Yeah, it's true. I control this ship. That's true. Anyway. New exclusive news here from ScreenGeek.net. New X-Men project at Marvel Studios may have been leaked. And so this goes on to say, with Patrick Stewart's involvement in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Badness coming not long after Disney's acquisition of Fox, many fans have been eagerly awaiting to see the X-Men formally introduced into the MCU. While we still don't know much on that front, it appears that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness screenwriter Michael Waldron is working on a new X-Men project for Marvel. Uh, the detail was revealed by fellow Marvel writer Jennifer Caton Robinson, who was a co-writer on Thor 11 Thunder and producer on Hawkeye. The two were talking on Instagram, and for some reason, Jennifer Caton Robinson let slip that Michael Waldron was working on some kind of an X-Men project. Um... On a post regarding her birthday, Michael Waldron commented, good luck with your life. And uh, she says she responded with, good luck writing X-Men. Like, all we know is, like, we're getting an X-Men 97 animated series. This could be another X-Men animated series, or this could be an X-Men series on Disney Plus or an X-Men movie. But it's weird that she just kind of, like, threw that out there on instagram so yeah this might be our first tease the that michael waldron uh screenwriter for dr strange and the multiverse of madness did he do work on loki as well i feel like he did yes yeah looks like he's going to be uh involved in some kind of an x-men project if we're to believe um jennifer caton robinson here yeah, I lean towards believing her. Like, why else would she just casually kind of drop this? I, it definitely doesn't seem like she was joking. I, I think she just kind of let let it slip by accident here. Yeah, she knows something. Yeah, what a weird way for it to break, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm just, excited that Michael Waldron's attached, though. I mean, I I really loved what he did with Loki, and I got high hopes for Doctor Strange. Oh, God. Yeah, me too. Me yeah, that's too. only two weeks away, Doctor Strange, right? I know. It's so close. Yeah, yeah. There's been lots of press junkets lately with uh, Sam Raimi. It's been really cool hearing him talk again. I'm really looking forward to Doctor Strange. That's all I got, guys. That is all I got. Yeah, new X-Men. Be interesting. I wonder what lineup they're going to go with for the X-Men when we finally do. Get same it. Old, same that's old. the big question. That's the big mm, question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, does Colossus just make sense right off the bat since we've already had him in Deadpool? Or I think it'll be half and half. I, I think it'll be like a few mainstays and a few curveballs. I don't think it's going to be one way or the other. It's not going to be all curveballs or all mainstays. It's a safe. No, it's a safe no bet. I mean, it's like <laughs> we're not going to get like they're not just they're not just going to replicate what you know the Fox side of it did you know they're and i I do think that they're going to be probably throwing in some like more obscure x-men characters and i don't think it'll just be like okay now we're just gonna we're gonna do it like the comic books did and we're gonna give you the original team with angel and Iceman and all that stuff or it's or we're just gonna introduce like the claremont x-men it'll probably yeah it'll probably be a a blend of x-men you know throughout the years they don't introduce darwin and then 
immediately kill him off. <laughs> I lean more towards seeing the the Claremont uh, lineup, just because that seems to be like the real quintessential X Men, right? Well, I mean, I think Storm makes sense in in our MCU now. I mean, I can totally see her being a part of the MCU. Storm just makes sense. I think maybe she would have made more sense if fucking if we still had Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa though, because like they've had relationship in the comics and everything, and that would have been yeah, that would have been cool to see. That would have been interesting, you know, like kind of like a. Maybe like a little love triangle between Nakia and Storm and T'Challa, but that won't happen now. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the X Men. I don't care. I I want more X Men. I want more. I want. I want. We know we're getting Wolverine. We know he's going to be a part of it. Doesn't? Oh yeah. There's yeah. There's no question. I wonder if for sure they're going to give us a Jean Grey. I mean, hard so, saying. I, as soon I think as it's Cyclops, we're getting Jean Grey. We're not getting just one, I don't think. Well, and if you yeah. get, yeah, I mean, as soon as you get Jean Grey, of course, as soon as they announce a Jean Grey, <laughs> then we're all, everybody's already talking about the Phoenix. Like, that's the next thing. Everybody's mm-hmm. talking Phoenix. And so, do we really need another Phoenix movie? No. Um, I mean,. Can it can it, can Kevin Feige do it right if it's an event? Yes. Do we need it? No. I don't know. Maybe you want to steal. You know what I do need though? Chambit. I want Chambit. <laughs> I still want Chambit. <laughs> I, I would. I would. I would. That would be okay with me. I would be fine if like if if they fucking if they got Channing Tatum to, pl- to play Gambit in the MCU, I'd be fine with it. Just bring him over. I'd be fine with it. So, yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got. Um, Jesus Christ, this ran long. Let's end this fucker. Jesus fuck. Oh my <laughs> god. That's a that's a good sign at the end of a podcast when the host is like, oh fucking Jesus Christ, fuck. Jesus oh. fuck. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go in my bedroom and punch myself in the face so I fucking knock myself out so I can just go to sleep. <laughs> Oh man, you always kill me when you do the oh brothers. I know you're at the end of your room. Brothers <laughs> yeah. start coming out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that's my uh, that's my version of Sam from uh, Quantum Leap. Oh boy. <laughs> oh brother. Oh brother. <laughs> oh brother. And I say I say it's so exasperated. <laughs> oh oh brother. <laughs> anyway, Joe. Where can people yeah. find you? Yeah, you can find me on Startcast. Uh, new episodes usually every Saturday. New, no new episode this week. Um, I guess oh, last night had to cancel, so unexpected break. That was fun. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja. You know, it's one of those. I don't think I've ever listened to an episode of Startcast where at the end he, he's with his guest and he's like, "Oh fucking Christ." Ah, oh, it's over. Oh, brother. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's fucked up, man. It's fucked up. It, I feel like, seriously, I listen, I'm going to, Jake, I'm listening back to myself moments ago, and I've got three other people on this episode with me, and you've got to listen to my fucking dipshit cunt ass over here going, oh, God, 
I just spent I just I just spent four or five hours talking with my friends. My life's so hard. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's thinking that you're the fu- you know what you're the fucking uh, dipshit that put this episode together. You should have fucking uh, th- thought to yourself before you fucking had these guys watch so much bullshit. How long this motherfucker should go? You're right. I have no I have no argument. And also, there's never been an episode of Starcast where at the end he's just like him and it alone with his guests. Oh my god! Thank God. It's over. Okay, oh, that's fucked up, man. That's Jake. That's fucked up. Well, to be fair, I've only ever had one Startcast episode go five and a half hours. That was with me. Usually closer to two. So I think it was that with me. It was with you. I know. And I <laughs> God at damn. the end of that Startcast, you're like, Jesus fuck. That was probably me, Jake. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> And Joe's like, don't. Joe's Joe's like, don't bring that shit over here. All right, you can do it. You can do that fucking pussy ass shit on your show, Brian. Where you piss and moan at the end, but you don't do it over here. Anyway, (laughs) listen to Startcast. He's much more. Joe's a, a much more inviting host, and he doesn't fucking piss and moan at the end of each episode. When they go a little long. Cranky Brian. (laughs) You never know, though. (laughs) No, it's fucked up that I do this at the end. Like, how do I... That can't make you guys feel good at the end. Like, you've spent all this time talking with me and Jake, and I'm just like, oh, my God, thank God, let's wrap this fucking crap up. (laughs) I know it doesn't have anything to do with me. (laughs) Take it personally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god it's like it's like just imagine me going into my bedroom and sucking on my thumb and cr- you know before i go to bed <laughs> i'm a little fucking baby over here um kevin Ke- <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, kevin when you're not listening to me piss and moan like a little bitch what are you doing man i'm listening to starcast all right, and you're recording your own pod. I'm trying to l- yes. give you a fucking lead into I your fucking podcast. <laughs> I have my own podcast. Yes, sir. Poison the Toxcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter for, at Forensic Tox Guy. Um, my next episode will be dropping next week, where I will be chatting with a person you guys know pretty well, Tristan Brown. There you go. Um, we'll oh, be nice. talking about. Um, I'll be talking about ayahuasca and DMT and then, of course, um, getting his thoughts on his experience with all of that. I know you guys have talked to him as well on an episode, so um, but he will be on mine next week. Yeah, that was a a Patreon episode that we did. And uh, yeah, always love talking with Tristan. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say it was I I waited to listen to it after I talked to him. And it was, I loved you guys' interview with him. I loved your chat with him. Yeah, at the end of that one, I'm like, God damn. I wish Motherfuck. <laughs> Fuck, I wish I was on ayahuasca now. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> All right, so you're tripping on ayahuasca. Wrap it up, Tristan. I'm kidding. I, I, 
that thing, that only went a little over an hour, maybe. So it's, it's just uh, when we get, yeah. Dose, what is it? Dose makes the poison, the tox cast. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, long ass title. It's a fucking mouthful, Kevin. Uh, you're not the first person to say that. That's fine. It's 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 catching on. It's catching on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Listeners, if you didn't like me before, after this episode, I don't think anything's changed. I think I think I I don't think I've endeared myself to anyone after this episode, Jake. I don't think after listening to this episode, anybody who hated me before has any sympathy after this one, Jake. I think I dug the hole deeper. Yeah, this one goes out to all the Brian haters. Yeah, this one goes out to you, you little fucking bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and you're out there, and I know you are. And you, I, they're hate listening, Jake. Yeah, this is their favorite part. At the end, they like take glee on your O brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they they just want my life to fall apart. Don't worry, I do. I do that all by myself. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't need you helping me there. All right. I steer this dismal ship of... Okay, all right. I'm done. Guys, Jake. Jake, let's put a lid on the coffin of this episode. How about that, buddy? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> all right. There's, there's no fucking Jake Lockley in this coffin. No, there's not. No, there's not. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. We have... Oh, yeah, we're doing it all over again. See you. <laughs> see you next I'll be, ugh, Jake, I'm done. Goodbye. Good night. <laughs> Later, y'all. Put a lid on this shit. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. By the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the